Alright, hello everybody, welcome to another episode of Design Dorks, where we get to the end of a very long and winding road, we skip a step halfway through that road, and we've come out the other side smiling because we don't have to reflect on that step. I am Pirik <laughs> Kong, I'm glad to be here, how you doing? And I'm here with my co-host... The Duke of Dorks, glad to be back to finally wrap this up. Yep. We are giving a mercy kill to Super Smash Brothers for the sake of everything. No, it's it. <laughs> In reality, uh, we are just finishing up our tier list on the design of every character in Super Smash Brothers. Up to this point, we have done every single character with the exception of the final fighter from Fighter Pass 6, which was Sora, who was not released at the time that we covered Ultimate. So, we're going to be covering him, and then we're going to do a little bit of reflection, look back at the tier list, and go in-depth on all of the comments that were left on the various things, and have an open discussion with you guys and what you have said, and see if that sways our thoughts any, or just at the very least opens up another conversation so that we can uh, further elaborate on some stuff. And because, you know, design is subjective. Good design, bad design, this is all things. It's it, What matters is what it's designing for. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God, I'm, God, I'm funny. Anyway. Uh, yeah, just just a recap for anybody that might be just be joining us. Uh, first off, um, spoiler alert, we're going to be covering everything, obviously, everything we've already covered. But for anybody that's just joining us, this has been a tier list talking about not where a character is placed competitively in terms of Smash Brothers, but how well we think they are designed from like a character standpoint, how well they work in a fighting game, and how well they capture the characters of and games of where they come from. Precisely. I want to put up a disclaimer before we start that's in the past, I have been like giving like a a visual overlay to like show where a character is being placed throughout this. There is no way I'm doing that for this episode because that is moving <laughs> 80 plus pictures around constantly. And that is going to be a nightmare if I commit to it. So we'll have a finalized <laughs> version at the end. I'll probably make it a little pretty in Photoshop. But yeah, that, that's not going to be continuing in this one. <laughs> Yeah, maybe we'll have something nice, like, you know, we'll have, like, a picture of, say, Lucas, and we'll have an arrow saying, he went up, he went down, or something like that. I don't know. Yeah, but not, not the, the, the same thing that's been in the previous episodes is not going to continue, because that will kill me. Yep. All right, but before we can get into all that comment stuff, we first have to talk about Sora. The final, yes. uh, did you say Fighter Pass 6? Did we get six of them? Uh, he's, he's number 11. I don't know. He's number 11. Fire Pass 2, number six. six, six yeah, there we go. There we go. The, the, the man. The final man. Yeah. Well, which, first off, that was such a great way to end things off. Like, he wasn't my personal hyped character, but, like, getting the getting the number one character that was, like, most requested is, that, that, that is the choice to make. Exactly. No, I'm really, really happy that he is in the game. Uh, it was the right call to make, given his popularity um, and being realizable and not Goku. Yeah, for sure, for sure. But in terms of a design, I I feel like Sora's an interesting case because there's a lot of ways that you can approach him. Because mm -hmm. for one, you have to take into account the entirety of the Kingdom Hearts franchise, which I do feel like he's a little lacking in that regard because kingdom hearts has become so so crazy a visual fireworks show with all sorts of vfx like tons of crazy transforming moves and summons mm -hmm. but then you also have the uh, the simpler kingdom hearts one just kind of embodying this disney magic for lack of a better way of putting it 
of just a very happy, floaty guy of friendship and ha- and uh, the, he's pretty much the character that embodies the superpower of friendship. Yeah, no, he's a good boy, and that's basically it. But he doesn't have to be much more. Exactly, exactly. And I do feel like when approaching it from uh, that perspective, from like the classic Kingdom Hearts 1 design, I think he's all right. Uh, he's got that very nice, um, uh, I don't know if I'd say a very nice Kingdom Hearts combat is a little clunky, but they, they translate that clunkiness pretty well with like the three hit combo. Whenever you hit somebody with like an aerial or a jab attack, you're going to hit them again with something else. Oh yeah, no, his feel, uh, when compared to Kingdom Hearts is absolutely fantastic. Like, it makes sense, you get the rhythm of it down, and it works. Uh, for sure, for sure. I, I, I really like how, um, ridiculously floaty he is. He's, he, he beats out Jigglypuff in that regard for just how long he can stay in the air. He can chase characters off the stage like no other character. Oh yeah. But at the same time, I feel like there are things missing from him. Well, I, I know that there are things missing from him, and they relate to three overlaid circles that happen at the edge of his keychain. And, you know, I don't want to be the guy that says, well, Sora doesn't work without his Disney connection. There's no way that it could work. I mean, he does. He's in yes, this game, yes. and he works. He's charming. He has some great moves. I love his uh, down air. It's not all that practical, but just the motion of it, the flow of it, it feels so unique, and it feels like it fits him so well. And he has a ton of little flourishes like that. The way that he moves is very much how a child would envision themselves fighting. And that's very, very fun. It's like this great middle ground of Japanese McSword Boy and Peter Pan. Yeah, for sure. Uh, I actually kind of decided before this, um, we started this recording, just because I was trying to figure out how much I valued that, that Disney connection, having Donald Goofy around. Uh, the, the thing that I came up with, just in my head, is that whatever I end up placing Sora at, I'd move him down half a tier because of that lack of Disney. Because that, that kind of feels like how much that affects him. Because it doesn't hurt him that badly. But it's kind of like it's kind of like if Shulk didn't have other characters in his Final Smash chain attack. Exactly. Uh, it, it, it's, it's, he doesn't need that. But it feels weird not to have it. Exactly. And for a character who is so, you know, catchphrase is my friends are my power. Yeah. To have no friends is awkward. They do a great job of solidifying his gameplay. They do a great job with his animations and getting that personality in. But we don't get that interplay that we get with other characters. Like, Sora is on a Destiny Island all alone by himself. And obviously, Donald and Goofy were probably never going to show up. But even in that case, like, would it really have been so hard to have Riku and Kairi with him firing off that beam for his final smash? I, I don't feel like that would have been too much to ask. Well, yeah, it's too much to ask to uh, put Kairi in anything, as we're <laughs> all well aware. <laughs> okay, fair point. Fair That's point. just too hard. Maybe next game. Maybe next game. Ha uh, <laughs> hasn't that been the same for, like, yes. eight games? <laughs> yes. Uh, but even with that curse, you could have had Roxas. Yeah, Roxas and Shion and Ventus and the other Sora. Data Sora and... Uh, what? I don't know. I'm not very caught up with Kingdom Hearts. I, I, I don't know. Anti-Sora, Majin yeah, Sora. Even with that, I, I, I kind of just feel like, okay, wherever we kind of fit him, just 
nuke him down half a tier just from wherever that is, just for the lack, just for the lack of friendship. I do, in general, like him. Like, I feel like his design is a more successful Meta Knight. That's a good way to put it, yeah. Because he has a lot more of that flair, there's a lot more oomph. I love certain things, like, um, his up smash is fantastic, his down yes. smash is fantastic. I love those new flourishes. I've been saying for so long that characters need, like, shockwave kind of down smashes, and they finally gave one. Yeah, no, they do a great job with a ton of Sora's moves, and, like, as much as I am being negative, I'm saying this from a place of, I like Sora, I like what they did, I think they did a good job with him, but I think that that extends mainly to his combat. He has... Here's the issue that a lot of the uh, anime sword fighters have, where their moves make sense, but uh, their personality is a lot more muted. Like, uh, Sora's a bit more cartoony than the other ones, but even then, like, he's not as animated as, say, Captain Falcon, who's in a very similar position. Yeah, well, most characters aren't as <laughs> animated as Captain Falcon. Well, yeah, but I'm saying the Captain Falcon should be the level that you're going for. For true, a lot of true. that, because, like, I love that personality. And even that he doesn't, like, compare to things like, I don't think he even compares to, like, Peach, or... Yeah. Or, like, how oh, I'm sorry, Yoshi, even. And, and mm -hmm. Yoshi's kind of a muted design in the first place. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I do think he's impeccably animated, like, this, the spell effects, uh, the spell effects on his taunts especially, just, like, they've nailed the visual design of the magic effects of Kingdom Hearts. Oh, totally. Uh, sound design's fantastic. Mm -hmm. That that really helps to like define him from the other sword fighters. Like they got the Kingdom Hearts um sound and visual design on his hits to a T. Absolutely, it's just I feel like he is as good as he could be given his limitations. Yes. But those limitations are still on him. He's good, but he still has his training weights on. Exactly. Let, like to like to compare it to something. Where those limitations don't exist, I think his design in, in Smash Flash 2 is just better. Mm -hmm. Like, you got the Disney connections, you got a few more um, character connections. Like, I think Riku's an assist trophy in that game as well. Even though it's a more cheaply, obviously, a more cheaply designed game, I like that design more. Yeah. And having that as a point of comparison just does hurt him a little bit for me here. That's, yeah, that's fair. Also, just a side note, um, the worst classic mode in the game. Yes. Like, you know, some are less inspired, I'll give you, but to actually play it? Like, it's not going to damage him much, but still, I hate the Mr. Game & Watch fight so much. <laughs> it's so it has no business being that hard. Thank you for ruining this for your gimmick. It's a very pretty gimmick. I will give you that. Uh, where, where, do you kind of, where are you kind of feeling for Sora? He kind of feels in a B-tier kind of... He is. I, Zone for me? I feel more akin to him than I do Cloud, basically. Uh, that whole Cloud and Simon Belmont, where, like, there's a lot there, but there's something missing. And with Sora, it's a lot more obvious than those two for me. Yes, yes. I agree. I, I can actually um pull from a few comments for Sora, actually, because I did get a few. Oh, let's hear them. Uh, yeah, uh, first off from, um, from Jamester, who's going to be appearing a lot in this, because he did a full-on comment just ranking every single character, and he had some really good insight on this. Oh, nice. Uh, Jamester feels like he's, uh, a bit of an overhyped inclusion, 
because it, nothing about Sora feels unique to him. He kind of feels like a mishmashed, a hodgepodge of a lot of the most annoying attacks of other characters. <laughs> like even the even the floatiness is very comparable to Jigglypuff and Ness, and like he's got a down B counter as well. Mm-hmm. Nothing really impresses Jamester about them, but Yell's just also ranked him B tier as well. So. Well, I can feel that. I feel like we're at the point where we're almost at 90 characters. There's going to be a lot of overlap yeah. because you're a man who hits things with a stick. Uh, with that said, I do feel that his rhythm is very unique. Like, even if I call him a more successful Meta Knight, he has a much different feel than Meta Knight does. A more complete feel, mind you. One that's like a middle ground between Meta Knight and Mewtwo. But, like, it's still successful. I would still call Sora his own unique entity in this game. Yes, yes. Uh, I'd I, I add onto that the, um, the interactions between his side B and his up B. Just the amount of verticality that gives him. Like, he beats out Jigglypuff for how high he can go. Right. And he's dealing damage while he's doing it. And that really gives him a different feel from most other characters that carry you off the screen. Right, right, right. So I, I don't necessarily agree with the whole sentiments, but I, I can see where that's coming from. Mm-hmm. What else we got? Uh, Ditto Master, uh, I'm not going to read the whole thing of this because it's very, very large, but he put up a fantastic write-up of just how much he loved this just just Sora being added. Uh, mm -hmm. They announced, I pointed out they announced Sora 13 days from his release date. He's the 13th DLC character, counting Piranha Plant and Mithra as separate. He'll be, he was added in 13.0 of the updates. He has 13 spirits. It was just, it was very funny just like seeing those connections. Ah. Oh. I'm glad the people can count better than Kingdom Hearts. <laughs> yeah, but he also um, just kind of points out the caveats as well. As much as he loves this character, it was like one of his most hyped inclusions. Mm -hmm. Adding on a down B as a counter reflector, like as much as it makes sense for him with how flashy Kingdom Hearts is, like there, there's there's so much that could have been done. That doesn't really nuke him down at all. I, I feel like it's necessary to get something that represents the reaction command because it's such an integral part of Kingdom Hearts' gameplay, but... Well, even though I feel like you could have done something else, like maybe tie that into the side B functionality. Like you counter and then you start doing that chain attack thing. I could see that. I could see like it having a mechanic where if you do essentially a perfect shield, but with the move, it's a reaction-based move, and you just get that instant hit there. I mean, I'd like that more for Little Mac, but that's good too. Yeah, uh, Ditto Master describes the uh, the counter kick from Kingdom Hearts Three, where he kind of like flies over them and uh, attacks with a multi-hitting kick upon a guard. Hmm. So maybe like a gap close or something. I don't know. I don't know. But again, he, Ditto Master just like is impeccably happy about them. I'm. What's the word yeah. I'm looking for? I'm, I'm singling out a nitpick on it because most of the rest of the comment is just full up praise. And I want like, it to yeah, so call uh, it up because it's impeccably written. All righty. Uh, Super Speed Raven just really wants to call out just um uh, the Dibs Disney vibe of whimsy just of Sarah Sora's character. Because like as much as his full on character isn't represented through like voice lines and animations, you still get that from just how, again, the Peter Pan vibe of how floaty he is. Yes. How well his sound effects are superb. They still got Haley Joel Osment for the role. Yes, no, they they did a good job with all the surface level details, and again, it does feel very Peter Panny, and it is very magical and whimsical. In it's magical and whimsical in the form of motion, and that gets it. It's it's kind of everything else that is not missing but lacking. And then there was one more comment from Jared uh, Hebert, I think, that actually has Sora in F tier. 
Ooh, okay. Uh, for reasons that I don't necessarily agree with, but I wanted to bring it up because I think it is an interesting opinion to have. Uh, mm -hmm. Jared doesn't like Sora's inclusion because he feels it kind of embodies all that's wrong in the entertainment industry right now. Just praising Nomura's bad habits as a director and writer and Disney just being in the game in the first place. Mm -hmm. He's not really fond of I I can see where that's coming from. And he, he also just complains that um, putting so much effort into Sora when there are so many other characters that people wanted that wouldn't have had that much trouble. But the thing about Sora's inclusion is that he's here because he was the character that people wanted most. Mm -hmm. And I don't think it's Sora's fault that there are problems with the company he is representing. Right. Like so I, I, I respect the opinion, but I don't think it matters in this context. No, I, I agree. Just looking at like that, that's true. But then also snake and the Belmonts also moved to F tier. <laughs> yeah, instantly. exactly. And then Capcom, all Capcom characters moved to C as their cap because they're getting better, but they were shit for like a period of 10 years. And then all Pokemon characters move down. Nintendo itself has some problems. Like, once you start trying to judge a work of art based on the company it comes from, like, I'm always going to love StarCraft's Warcraft Diablo. Like, that, that's never going away. Right. Because as much as they may have been made by people that were awful, they were also made by people that were wonderful at the same time. And I don't feel like you, ha you have to separate the, uh, the company and the character. Yes. Because once you start going down that rabbit hole, you realize that, oh, wait, none of these people are great. Like, like you can't appreciate anything under these. <laughs> under I this am society. literally trying to look for a character that stays where they are. And I think it's just Falcon because don't say bad about the dead. <laughs> uh, I Maybe Banjo? Because Rare is also in that category, kind of. Oh, yeah, but Rare's, like, Rare's been on the upswing. Like, I think Sea of Thieves is their most popular anything ever. Oh, yeah, I don't think there's anything wrong with the company ever. Yeah, okay. Like, they made some so, bad things, but there was nothing really wrong with the company itself. Yeah, you got it. So, we've got Falcon, and we've got Banjo. <laughs> yeah, and then, uh, I don't even know enough about it. And then but, we but, look but, at I, Terry, and you're like, hey, aren't you with the Crown Prince of Saudi Arabia? That's complicated. <laughs> Yeah. So, so again, like I, I, I don't want to disrespect the opinion. I, I think it's a valid opinion to have, but like I, I think that once you start going down that road, like there's, you, you can't judge off of that. And, and even then, I don't think Sora's at defaults because Sora isn't here because of Disney. Sora's here because people wanted him to be here. Yes, and trust me, Disney has tried to get into video games and failed repeatedly. <laughs> this is. <laughs> A very organic love that is not propped up by the Disney media machine. This kind of happened in spite of that. Like, yeah. Kingdom Hearts happened because Nomura met with an executive in Disney on an elevator and was like, Hey, I make video games. You're Disney. You want to do a thing together? And they were like, yeah, and friendship. Exactly. Exactly. So where, where does Sora end up for you? I, um, like, is it still kind of in that cloud? Uh, I think I'd put him below cloud, just I off of that think, comparison. I think I would put him below Simon Belmont. Okay, and is that before or after the the lack of Disney nuke? Uh, that is... I'd still say that's after the lack of Disney nuke. Like, I, I'm willing to go probably around Byleth where we have him, but I wouldn't put him even with the disney factor below byleth okay okay 
Because, because like, just hypothetically, if he did have that, I'd be definitely looking uh, maybe even low A tier. I would be comparing him to Pikachu then. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So like in around the around the Byleth area. So, sorry, did you say above or below Byleth? I would say above Byleth. Okay. Uh, I I think looking at the, I think I'd put him directly between Kazuya and Sheik based off of where things are placed right now. That sounds right. Okay. Okay. Good. And would you Final look at tier that? list. Final tier list. We're done. Thanks for watching, everybody. Yep. Good job. <laughs> Let's ruin it. Yeah, because now we have a lot of things to cover. Uh, I, I, now that we're getting into like the main comments, I want to go over like a few um disclaimers of how we're going to go through this. Mm-hmm. Uh, first off, I think I was pretty thorough, but there's no way I got everything. Like, I'm I'm sorry, but it's just there's so much. I'm sure I missed something. Uh, I generally skipped over comments that agreed with us, just because there's a lot to get to, and I didn't want to repeat things we've already said. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Trust me, I have read them, and I agree. Yes. <laughs> uh, we're only going to go over comments that were centered around moving a character's placements. I saw a ton of fantastic comments brainstorming about how characters could be better, but that's not really relevant to what we're talking about today. And in the interest of just time and getting to everything that does pertain to this topic, I've skipped over most comments like that, but I do want to shout out just how cool some of those ideas were. Absolutely, and thank you for them. It's greatly appreciated. And uh, we can't really consider comments that didn't explain themselves. Uh, Nothing personal. Uh, I want to pull one up real quick just because I remember off the top of my head. Uh, There's one for Pac-Man. Uh, just saying that my mind is boggling at Pac-Man in A, but Mega Man in F. Which, nothing personal against you, I'm sure you had good reasons to think that, but I can't read between the lines of that comment, so I'm mm-hmm. not going to consider it. Like, I'm gonna be honest with you, like, yeah, I like Mega Man more than Pac-Man as a character, in general. Like, that's, that's true, but not as a Smash Brothers character. And then there was a major sentiment in the comments that's... Maybe we'll talk about, but I just wanted to kind of discuss with you. Okay. Um, Something that's basically boiled down to a character is poorly designed because they are not fun to play against. I don't think that's a valid argument because fun is simply subjective. There are just people will find some things fun that others will not. Like, I do not like playing against Snake or Rob, but I would never move them out of the S tier. Like, it's just, I think there are ways to design characters that are more enjoyable for a wider audience, but I don't think that's a knock against people like, like, I hate flying against Ness. Ness is never fun to play against, but (laughs) some people do. Yeah, some people like playing as him. People have a different connection with him. What, What matters, I think, is the fact of, is the core of their character relatively fun for what they are going for? Not if you click with it or not, but for what they're trying to do, is it fun? And if so, um, is it not, like, the most oppressive thing? Like, can you work around it from from a base level? Because, like, I understand. I play Donkey Kong. I have multiple, multiple, multiple matchups where I just go, well, guess I'll die. Yeah. I play DD. I understand. But yeah, that's that, that's just the reality of these sorts of games. Mm-hmm. You can't have a character that you can't have a game that's just that's just Captain Falcons because then all the char- people that enjoy playing as zoners are just they just don't have anything to play as. Exactly. It's I think it's more if you get a unique feel out of it and if that feel feels right for the people who enjoy it. 
And, exactly. and also if that represents the character perfectly. All right. Uh, with that, that's all the um, like heads up I wanted to give. Uh, shall we begin properly? Yeah, let's go into it. All right. Uh, it, it's nice because I feel like these first two characters are like the perfect just extremes of like these discussions. Because first off, we just have Villager. Villager is a lovely, a lovely character. Nobody really had anything to say about it. I just had one comment from the noteworthy Danny uh-huh. that just wanted to shout out the brilliance of using Balloon Fight as its, um, as Villager's recovery. Mm-hmm. Just because that gets over their obvious platforming difficulty and it brings in a great reference in the first place. Uh, I totally forgot while saying it that Balloon Fight was the gift that you get for your birthday in the first Animal Crossing. And that's so cool. I totally forgot that. So thank you for pointing that out. Yeah, it doesn't, doesn't really move the character's placement on the tier list for me. But it was a nice thing. Like, oh, yeah, that is a nice design touch. Good for you. It, it makes me happy. Yes. And then after that, we have Mega Man. So everyone agreed with me, and uh, we had a great time. Yes, we don't have to talk about Mega Man. Let's move on to Weaver Trainer. Yeah, we had <laughs> just so many comments expressing how right we were. How many people who went, huh, I never thought about that. But you know what? You're right as you are in everything. Yeah. Damn, Pierre, uh, how are you so smart and handsome at the same time? I mean, you did get a few people that were agreeing with you, uh, but you also got a lot that um, had other things to say. Uh, I do want to call, like, shout out to a lot of people had some really good, like, discussions about it, but I want to get through a few smaller things first. Mm-hmm. Uh, for one, there was one comment of a sentiment that was expressed a lot that we were talking about how Mega Man isn't accessible when people were thinking, like, oh, Mega Man isn't accessible, like, his games are super difficult. And I talked about this in a previous episode, but just in case people were only watching this after seeing the Mega Man bits, uh, accessibility and difficulty are two completely different things. Mm Mm-hmm. If I took someone that was new to video games and put them in front of StarCraft II's campaign on easy difficulty, that game is just a complete cakewalk, but an RTS is a very inaccessible genre. There's a lot of things you'd have to know just how things work to get into it. Whereas if I was to give them Mega Man, you have a button to walk. Well, not button. You you can walk, you can jump, you can shoot. They're going to be able to understand that instantly and jump straight into the first death trap. (laughs) Exactly. Mega Man is like the most video gamey video game. Like if you mixed every NES game together in genre and style, you would probably end up with Mega Man. Yeah. And then there was another small comment. Just just so people know, I have 14 Mega Man comments here that I'm kind of skimming through. We got a lot of uh, from Smirk. This was one that actually agreed with you. And something that kind of struck a chord with me, Mm -hmm. because I've also, like, I've actually played a few Mega Man games in the time between that recording and now, so I actually have some things to say, too. Uh, But this comment here, uh, Smirg takes issue with his aesthetic representation as a mute, living NES sprite, because Mega Man isn't supposed to be a soulless robot. He's meant to be cute and lively like Astro Boy. Smirg is so heartbroken that he didn't use his actual design from the official art of these games and the comments and everything. Even despite everything that we might discuss here today, that one comment, like, immediately locks Mega Man out of the higher tiers for me. Like, no matter what happens here. I completely agree. How soulless he is, just, the more I think about it, the more it hurts. Because Mm -hmm. in a game with just, like, all the other characters can have, like, became so expressive and what that could have been for Mega Man, that makes me sad. Yeah, like, 
The thing that keeps Sonic out of F tier at the moment is that he's still Sonic. Like, you look at him and he's muted compared to what he is. But, like, if you were a person who plays Sonic, that's still the character and the identity of Sonic. When you play Mega Man, he is faithful to his gameplay animations to the expense of everything else. For sure, for sure. And then uh, the last small thing, uh, it was a sentiment I saw up, I'm looking at one a comment from ZapBlaze right now, is that ZapBlaze here thinks that him having different loadouts in Smash 4 is what really made him work there, and that when we lost the custom moves, we actually lost like a good chunk of what Mega Man was. I think we actually discussed that a little bit, but that was having those different loadouts and like Mega Man really being able to customize his playset really helped capture that feel of just what Mega Man games are. Yeah, I completely agree with that sentiment. And like, you know, if he was introduced in Ultimate, he would have some way to swap between moves. For sure. It's the fact that he's locked to his Smash 4 design that keeps him limited. And, I, and at this point, everything is disagreeing. <laughs> oh, perfect. Alrighty. Uh, but, but before we get to, like, the specifics, I, I've seen you talking with a lot of the people about Mega Man in uh, in the comments themselves. Like, do you have any, like, specific conversations you remember? And, like, how has, how has your viewpoint of Mega Man shifted off of those conversations? Um, something that I remember being spoken about very much specifically is that, uh, of course Mega Man doesn't reflect, uh, his level design. Because my big argument is that Mega Man does not feel like he does going through a Mega Man level. It's very hyper-specialized, so to speak. And an argument that I saw a lot is like, well, yeah, of course. That's uh, how he fights against bosses. Like, when you're in a one-on-one arena with a boss, uh, you don't have those movement options. You're locked in, you're going to charge in and then hit with the weakness. That's what Mega Man does, and that's how he plays in Smash. And uh, to an extent, uh, fair point on that. That's uh, completely fair. Um, so, uh, considering that, I also think that we should make Mario jump less, and that every single time that he does an attack, it counts up to three, and every third attack will do extra damage, because that's how it works in his boss fights. I don't know if I'd necessarily agree with that comparison. Exactly. Well, well, no, that with the by comparing Mario to Mega Man there, because from what I played of Mega Man games, the boss fights are where the actual combat shines a lot more in my eyes. Like when, when I'm platforming through the Mega Man games, I'm usually just I'm also very bad at Mega Man games, so take mm-hmm. what I'm saying at the grain of salt. But I'm usually saving my ammunition for the whatever boss I'm going up against. So I'm often just running, jumping, gunning, and in that way, I. <laughs> I remember something you said in the, um, in that original episode of just, like, Mega Man doesn't go pew-pew, he goes bang-bang. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mega Man is the most pew-pew character I have ever played as in a video <laughs> game. I hate playing this Mega Man uh. in his games. Like, lemons are not very satisfying for me. Oh, lemons it, it, are really satisfying when you rush right into someone's bum and you go pew-pew-pew-pew-pew-pew-pew-pew-pew. Yeah. And, and maybe this is just me not, not getting it. it. It's a weird case that's... Mega Man kind of feels accurate to me just because I don't enjoy playing as Mega Man and Smash for the same reasons I don't enjoy playing Mega Man games. All right. But it was kind of... While I can see that, I do still strongly feel 
that the core of Mega Man is his levels. Like, the boss encounters exist, but they're very much, okay, what is the boss weakness? Hit them with it twice and uh, exploit an easy pattern. That's not the core of where people's memories lie, and if it is, it's because of an exploitable cheese factor, like the Yellow Devil. Like, the most memorable Mega Man boss is because you mash pause and you kill it real fast. So I, I think that the core of Mega Man's design needs to stick to feeling like how he flows in levels. Because you have so many characters who are based on these platforming appearances, just looking at the Mario cast in general, and contrasting them to Mega Man is disheartening. And there are characters who focus more on their boss encounters. Uh, Snake, in specific, focuses a lot on how he operates in boss fights. But Metal Gear bosses are some of the most acclaimed in all the video games. Like, if you hear about Metal Gear, your introduction is probably Psycho Mantis. If you hear about Mega Man, it's probably because he's Mega Man. He run through the level and he jump and shoot. This, this is true. This is true. I, it, it's, again, it, it's hard for me to say for certain because I haven't gotten very... Like, like I, I've played through... um. I've gotten like halfway through Mega Man X, halfway through Mega Man 7, and I tried to play Mega Man 1 and immediately stopped. <laughs> oh no, you don't play Mega Man 1. That's okay. But from what I played, I, I do feel like there is a kind of similar flow to how he runs and jumps. Like, his actual physics are pretty close to how he works. I do kind of wish he fell a lot faster, just to kind of mimic how just quickly he drops after walking off of a ledge, just to kind of give him more mobility in that regard. But, um, with how Rush works, I, I, correct me if I'm wrong, but Rush is one of those upbees that doesn't put Mega Man in special fall? Correct. He can act out of it. Yeah, that, that gives him a lot of platforming utility that a lot of other characters simply don't have, which allows for a lot, a lot of really fun, um, it, it took me a while of just going back through my memory banks, but I do remember actually really enjoying Mega Man right when Smash for 3DS came out. Mm -hmm. Because of being able to uh, combo people off the top with the um, air cutter and be able yes. to rush and keep firing up air cutters. Yes. But I, I do feel like he has, I don't think he's as good as he could be, like, I, I, to be clear. like I, But I do feel like he does have those platforming elements with how rush functions. All right. I want to shout out CGS Zero because I know you and him had a good conversation, but I can't read out the full conversation. No problem. Because that, that would take forever. <laughs> yeah, no, that's fair. Jelly. This is the one I'm looking for. Alrighty. So Jelly feels that Mega Man really does encapsulate how he plays against the Robot Masters, as you said, more than he does against the normal enemies when fighting in Smash. The whole game plan in Mega Man is to fight around the Robot Masters and jump around their attacks while still being able to get chip damage off of them. And you usually have to sometimes get close to them while maintaining a distance to do so. And the Mega Buster in Smash gets that concept pretty well, in my opinion. You gotta get close while trying to maintain a distance to get some damage off your opponent, and when you want to kill move, you run in with a Smash attack. While not being a one-to-one -one in his games, the forward Smash also makes sense as the Mega Buster, because in his games, that is the most common kill move as it is in Smash. Mm -hmm. For balancing reasons, it makes total sense where you weren't able to jump in the air while with the charge move. I don't agree with that. Because that would be so overpowered, you just need to, like, whip like, nerf it down substantially, but I I feel like just giving him that um, Marvel vs. Capcom charge shot would fix a lot of my problems with Mega Man. I completely agree. But I, I, I do agree with the sentiment that Mega Man is designed more for the Robot Masters here. Mm -hmm. Like, wh whether that's good or not is 
up for debate. And looking back at how I played Megma, I, I do remember the levels and being more impressed by the level design more than I was by the bosses. Because mm-hmm. Mega Man levels are great at like teaching you a mechanic and then building off of that mechanic. Mm-hmm. Whereas you said that Mega Man bosses are usually just figure out which ability to spam and murder them. Yes. Jelly feels like the reason more people don't play Mega Man is due to how different his character is to the norm, which I think is just true. Yeah, that's but fair. That very f- but that very fact is what makes Mega Man stand out to the rest. He has also has a high difficulty curve, which if you're saying that hurts the image of the character. I don't agree with that, but... Uh, he concludes that to say out of all the characters to get that special treatment, Mega Man makes sense because his games are vastly different from other regular platformers. He almost perfectly portrays the run-and-gun genre, which was partially popularized by him, and has made a suitor return in the mainstream with games like Cuphead. Which I could kind of see if you're trying to presenting it more as like the run and gun side over the individual platforming. Because mm-hmm. like um, he's the he's the only character that can move and shoot at the same time. I do feel that my issue is I disagree with the fact that this is how Mega Man plays. Um, because Mega Man is a lot of charge in, charge out. It's it's a very steady dance. And Mega Man in Smash is a lot more pepper from the same distance and then walk in with Leaf Shield. It's You know what's funny? I, I think that's where our disconnect lies, because that kind of playstyle is how you play Mega Man at first. Cause that's how I'm at. Cause I'm terrified of getting close to enemies. Just because I'm I'm still bad at the game. So I'm kinda just like, oh I gotta stay away, just kinda pepper, kinda jump up, shoot over the ledge, come down, pepper, shoot up the ledge. Go down. There you go. We've got it. Mega Man in Smash is what Mega Man is like if you play Mega Man badly. (laughs) That is canon now. Yeah. What I would like to see from Mega Man is a lot more drop down, hit them with uh, your moves that are necessary, and uh, hit them with very specific options because all of you'll notice that all of Mega Man's uh, Robot Master moves are very, very specialized. And he gets a few good ones. He gets Air Shooter there. And actually, just Air Shooter. I only like Air Shooter. I'd give some credit to Crash Bomb. Like, it's a worse version of Sephiroth, but there's it's so quick, and it gives so much utility that there's really not a reason not to use it. Uh, it's so hard for me Metal because... Metal Blade is so broken, but it is I... useful in so many utility ways. See, my issue is that in Smash 4, he had much better options with the Danger Wrap and uh, yeah, the Shadow the- Blade, and those are just better tools than what he has now. Uh, building off something you just said from, um, I'm sorry, Daixo, I've never known how to pronounce your full name, but Daixo Zinoro, I think? Uh, it's fine. Is Pronunciation's that- going to be a fun game today. Hey, oh, yeah. I'm, I'm going to mispronounce all of these. But um, they said that... The bit about Mega Man's Lemons reminds them of something uh, that they realized in early in Ultimate's life cycle. If you play Simon Belmont, like NES Castlevania, he is a super obnoxious character to deal with, and it works. But if you play Mega Man like NES Mega Man, you die. Yeah. So you, I, I can definitely, I definitely agree with um, Mega Man does not play like Mega Man in Smash Brothers. Like I, I agree with that sentiment because he, he doesn't. Mm-hmm. It's it's that whole footstool um, with the Metal Blades kind of gimmick that I really wish just didn't exist. Right. 
just like I'm not saying this and saying you should normalize Mega Man for Smash Brothers. No, no, of course not. He has to be a hyper specialized character. That's what Mega Man is. I'm saying that his way of implementation and his lack of personality are both incredibly flawed. They're they're a good sentiment taken completely the wrong way. I agree with that. Yes, yes, especially on the personality front. Mm hmm. Like, I, I have no attachment to Mega Man the character. I didn't even know he had a character when I was first playing the games. Because I went from, back when in Smash for 3DS, I went from Smash for 3DS to Mega Man 2, which doesn't show a character for Mega Man either. And right. for the longest time, I just assumed he was just this mute, soulless robot that you see in Smash Brothers. Nah. Nah, he learns... Oh, God, you didn't get to the end of Mega Man 7. You didn't get the best part of Mega Man's characterization. Nope. Oh, it's great. Wily is begging for his life, and Mega Man is like, no, you've done this too many times. And then Wily goes, you forget, Mega Man. You are a robot. You can't hurt humans. And then Mega Man goes, I am more than a robot. Die, Wily. <laughs> and, then, and then he realizes he can't overcome his programming, and Wily runs away. Nice. I like that. Yeah, but it's kind of funny because they just kind of stand. He goes, die, Wily, and then they just kind of stand there for a little bit. It's very funny. Uh, there was one more from uh, Bailey Palmer that mm -hmm. I think is just worth bringing up. Oh, yeah, hit me. That Mega Man's abilities and tools serve as a means of exploiting your opponent's weaknesses in not only their character, but their playstyle. He has a potential answer to just about every problem, and it comes down to the player to find the right option for the player he is fighting. I do actually agree with that. Because he's got a few weird, um, just gimmicks about how he plays that lets him, like, M Metal Blade in its entirety, like, just allows for so many different, like, cutting off different kinds of recoveries and stuff like that. Um, he's got one of those dash attacks that lasts forever for people that don't shield very often. Um, deceptively strong grabs. Uh, Crash Bomb, again, punishes people that don't shield very often. Uh, Leaf Shield, while lame, gets that same gimmick as well. Like, I, I do think that... Mega Man has stuff going for him in that regard. It just feels like an incomplete picture for his gameplay and a complete disservice to his character. It's not enough, in my opinion. If that were true, then Mega Man should have a lot more, in general, even matchups, and he doesn't. And I'm not just talking about, oh, if reflectors do damage to him, because they do, but it's understandable. He's a projectile-focused guy. But Mega Man is a character who should be able to hit you at every single angle and he has metal blade for that kind of but it's it's impractical to use metal blade in that way and therefore mega man is a character who excels horizontally and directly above him and if you're bad beneath him with a uh, hard knuckle yes and that's kind of it so i've i've taken these into account and i've given not something I want to do with every character, but just a basis of what my idea would be for a sort of fixed Mega Man, so to speak. Um, mm -hmm. Just to make him more unique, if I were designing him with Smash Ultimate as the base, I would give him the Mega Buster Charge, obviously. Yeah. A whole day down to charge it and release to do a charge shot. Now, the issue that many have pointed out is... Oh, but that leaves him vulnerable to uh, attacks because you're taking away your A button. You're taking away more than half your moveset. You only have four moves. So to compensate for that, we are giving Mega Man nine special moves. And I think that 
each one representing a direction that he should go, and considering that Kazuya exists, is far from a stretch. I think that Mega Man having everything, and you can tie an ammo system into this all you want, or not, your choice, but I think that Mega Man having options for every situation is very, very important. And just to throw out an example, uh, you could have his down sideways, his, I think it's Numpad 3 special, be Search Snake, which travels along the ground and, you know, doesn't do very much damage, if anything. But if it hits a shield, it burrows into the shield, and then they can't use the shield. Ooh. And that way, they can't just hold shield against Mega Man's projectiles. And just have answers to play styles in that sort of way. And in exchange for that, I would remove his run. Instead, if you dash with him, you do the slide. And that slide gives him an instant burst movement option. And that way, you can perfectly weave in and out of enemies' firing ranges in small bursts, just as you would in Mega Man. That, I I feel, emulates the style and feel of Mega Man better. And from there, you can move on. But I feel that in this way, you're you're giving Mega Man a sort of balance and not forcing him into Smash, but making him work into Smash and smartly using its mechanics to better represent him. I I agree with that, yeah, yeah. Like, if he had that as well as, as like, a, a personality... Mm-hmm. I'd be looking at, like, high B-tier, low A-tier. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And it's just the fact that we are missing this, and not only that we are missing this, but it's weighing Mega Man down to the point where I, I would say his stock is pretty low insofar as impact after release goes. Like, he feels like a Ridley to me, where he had his five seconds of fame. Would you would you say that's I, fair? I I don't know because I think part of that is because Capcom just hasn't done anything with Mega Man. Well, they made Mega Man Eleven like, in the yeah, in between. They made a full new game. This is this is true, but I do still see people that love Mega Man, and I do still see like hi- it, it, this is this is a problem of just like so many more hype characters, hype third party characters who've come out since then. Mm-hmm. That that side of the hype around him is completely faded away. And now you're only left with people that really love Mega Man's playstyle. But I do remember the sheer hype around his inclusion, and, like, he did get me to try out his series. I just, they're just not my cup of tea. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know, because, like, when you, when you look at a long-requested character, like, even Sora, for instance, you still get people saying, yeah, this feels like Kingdom Hearts. And I remember when Smash 4 was coming out, Mega Man was in the demo pre-released, and people were like, Mega Man's weird. Oh yeah, he is for sure weird. And like I'm I'm saying that as the perspective of people who were Mega Man fans. And like you don't get that from say X's inclusion in Marvel vs. Capcom Infinite. They're like, yeah, that's X. This is true. This is true. Um, that's hmm. where the disconnect is for me. To kind of wrap this up, have your discussions about Mega Man moved his placement for you at all? He is not at the bottom. I don't think he's an F tier. I would still waver. I would never put him higher than E. Ever. But my my thought process with him is that what his design has now, like like even just talking about what we've discussed, just like I really love your idea 
of just like giving him the chargeable shots as, as he's moving, like b- bake that into his jab, giving him the directional specials. Mm-hmm. That is building off the design he has now. And you're that correct. would make him great. You're correct. I am building. So that's sh- that proves that there's a base. And I do feel like he does capture the Robot Master side of his games. I feel and, and it's, that doesn't matter, but okay. I That is like saying to me, Mario jumped on Boom Boom's head three times and you captured that well. I, I feel like the Robot Masters are a bigger part of Mega Man than Mario bosses are of Mario. I, I feel confident making that because the Robot Masters give you your power-ups and there's a huge part of those games that revolve around like taking the power, the power up, the counters, whatever. I don't think it's the best part of those games, but it is definitely a large part of them. I think it is a failure not to have both. I think you could have had both. Like you just described a way to have both. Mm-hmm. But I think there is value towards representing that side of him. All right. But now now I'm looking at Little Mac, and I kind of have that same feeling of just like, yeah, he's representing the boss side of things, but the character's gone. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I, I think Mega Man's better off than Little Mac at this point, because Little Mac fundamentally does not work from a fighting game perspective, and Mega Man, you can make it work. Yeah, I, I think I would bump him up to E-tier at the minimum, because uh, I, I was looking at D-tier for a bit, kind of looking at that, um... That Donkey Kong, yeah, he kind of gets parts of the playstyle, but the personality's gone. But uh, think about oh no. it more. I don't think Mega Man is better than Diddy. Yeah, I can see that. I can see that. Just the complete lack of character and the lack of important parts of it. I think he's worse than Sonic in that regard. Mm-hmm. Well, which Look puts that. him next to Palutena, which, well, they have the exact same problem. Yeah, they have the exa- I, I do think that Mega Man is better than Palutena. Part of that is due to comments that we'll get to later about Palutena, but I feel like Mega Man at least has an identity in this game. Palutena has a nair. Yeah, but, but she's hot, though. <laughs> See, that's funny, because we'll get to that that comment later. <laughs> it actually ties into that. <laughs> Hell yeah! See, that's uh, it. That's branding. But that's but like, fine. E- e- even comparing to ones underneath Palutena, like Daisy, Me Sword Fighter, Mewtwo, I, I think he's better than all three of those. Because those, those three are nothing. Okay. Alright. Fine. You wore me down. But any of you who say he's higher have been bamboozled. <laughs> yeah, it, it, the, the char- lack of character is what really gets it to me. Like, I hadn't thought about it much, but as soon as I read that comment, I was like, oh yeah, you're not going above C tier no matter where this conversation goes. Because, mm-hmm. like, come on, imagine, like, an Astro Boy version of Mega Man in this game. It would have been adorable. I would have liked it. I would have liked a lot of things done with Mega Man. For sure. Now, that, that took a while. That but did. But thankfully, that was the longest. Oh, I, I do want to read one more comment just because it made me laugh. Oh, please so, hit me. I, I, I'm, I'm going to read this to you. All right. Just. <clears throat> How is Mega Man's presence in Smash hurting his character? Just because you want his move stronger? What a joke. Now, I'm sure you are completely just overwhelmed by that comment. No, but he's right. What, what, once you get past the harsh rudeness, does that sway your opinion in favor of it or against it? Oh, uh, dude, no, he he was right. This this was actually a huge joke. I love Mega Man. Um, and like, yeah, dude. Now that I'm open to it, holy shit, nah. 
Mega Man is better than Sukapon from Joy Mech Fight, and uh, he should be treated with respect and love. Uh, I'm <laughs> sorry, and uh, I'm going to go uh, move to a foreign country now because I've, I've disgraced everyone I know and love. Uh, thank you, comment. Uh, you d- No, it, uh, it does nothing for me. Yeah, I, I, I only saw a few comments like that, but like, guys, I can respect not having the time to write out a full comment, but because like, if you have a life that doesn't let you do that, you're already living a far better life than I am. Thank you. But if Thank you're you. not going to put any work into a comment and be rude about it, like have some respect for your own opinions, guys. You're actively driving people away from your own opinions with that kind of attitude. Just respect yourselves. Come on. Yeah, you're better than you. Exactly. Now, moving on from Mega Man. Congratulations, fans. You bumped him up, up, up a tier. Uh, we Fit Trainer. All there right. are actually some interesting things about We Fit Trainer. Uh, I want to read one from uh, Max Ham. Uh, shout out to Max Ham. Fantastic character concepts. Go watch his content. Uh, we Fit is about mastering one's body, and yoga is about maximizing benefits from awkward poses. So while We Fit Trainer has some very powerful moves and a decent combo game, the hitboxes of those moves are so precise, awkward, and kinda unintuitive that a huge part of playing as Wii Fit Trainer is perfecting how to position their body. And just like getting fit in real life, this can be hard to do, so the character is more difficult to use effectively than most Smash characters. But if you put in the time to master it, the payoff is very satisfying. Which I didn't really think about, but yeah, Wii Fit Trainer has some of the most bizarre hitboxes in the entire game. Like, oh, getting yeah. weird spikes off of just the foot of her, I think it's her neutral air, I think? Something like that? Yeah, something like that. Yeah, I, I'm not a Wii Fit trainer main, so I can't go in depth, but I have definitely seen just a lot of neat ideas. Uh, Purple is the best had another cool comment about that. Uh, just the the header as well, just the header spikes doing that. I, I Was it also... Uh, oh, no, yeah, it was Max M. Playing around the ledge can represent maintaining your balance on a precarious situation, literally balancing on the ledge, which I don't know if that was intentional. Uh, Max Ham doesn't either, but it is also a very good point, which like, yeah. Please, that, I'd say it in a video and act like I was correct. <laughs> that Wii Fit Trainer would literally want to be at the ledge in a kind of no pain, no gain situation. Which if so, as Max Ham states, Wii Fit Liking Ledge is probably just an accidental outcome of it, but it also makes sense from a back style of yoga exercise just kind of character. I can feel it. I can see it. Yeah. I, I, I like that design direction. I like that interpretation of it. Yeah, I, it makes me want it to be fleshed out more. Yeah, uh, for sure, for sure. I still, I still think, well, no, Sun Style Station still works in that regard because you're kind of just hopping beneath the ledge, using it, and getting back up. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I do think it is something that does, that should be fleshed out more, but it does kind of buff the character up a bit in my eyes. I think that it's just, it's a happy coincidence, but it's not something I think is strong. Now, what I think would be strong is if she had a unique ledge option where she could do like a crunch and it would buff her. So she gets rewarded for staying on the ledge and pressuring your opponent to approach. <laughs> just, just keep doing reps. Like how that, something like that for a crouch as well. Exactly. She keeps doing push-ups. Yes. Yeah, every time you do her crawl, she gets stronger. <laughs> I, I do kind of want to move her up at least a little bit, just with that in mind, because it does kind of add a bit to the character. Okay. Like, like not especially high, but like, as always, I'm kind of looking at Greninja. 
I wouldn't put her above D to D. All right, but like above Peach, maybe? I, I feel like she embodies exercise more than Peach embodies whatever Peach is trying to do. Yeah, but the issue is I really like the float and how that opens up so much to Peach. Like, Peach is here because I don't like Toad. That's fair. That's fair. Uh, but what about directly below Peach? Just, I, I want to move her up at least a little bit because those were great comments and some great yeah, insights. that's fair. Okay. Yeah. Booster. And I remember the first episode we were talking that we fit trainer should be in C, and I talked you up from that. I feel like now it'd be a definitive B tier. Yeah, that's a solid B. Yeah. All right, cool. Uh, next up, uh, Rosalina and Luma. I got a few comments on her comparing Rosalina to Olimar. Just that kind of um from Galago Polista talking about how there's a similar sort of tyranny nature to Rosalina and her relationship to the Lumas that there is to Olimar and the Pikmin that should not be there. All right, uh, say it, and then I'll disagree. I mean, it's it's pretty much just that, because Rosalina's the motherly character. I don't agree with it either, because as we talked about, Rosalina's more about enabling the Luma, like the end of Mario Galaxy. Yeah. She's trying to guide them on their journey. Yeah, you send your children off and let them succeed, and she allows for that. The whole relationship with Lumas is uh, making them the best that they can be. It's very much one where Rosalina is always losing her children, so to speak. Olimar is the exact opposite. He wants to preserve as many as possible. Yeah, yeah. Rosalina is a lot more similar to the Pokemon trainer in that sense. Just in terms of relationship, at least. Exactly, exactly. Uh, There was also a comment from... Just a cat. <laughs> Yo, shout but out to believing cats. That, shout out to cats, indeed. Um, they believe that Rosalina should be higher up, as a fighting game needs a variety of different playstyles, and Rosalina is really the only puppet character on the roster. Uh, I don't... Like, I, I see the value there. You're right, she is. There are better puppet characters that exist. Exactly, exactly. And on top of that, I feel like... Um, even taking that into account, the fact that you cannot differentiate the Lumas at all in a Ditto game, mm-hmm. which like, there's a lot of different things like that, just being like, oh, you can't have eight Ice Climbers in a game because it'll nuke the like the performance of the game, when in reality, that never happens unless you're specifically trying to make that happen. Yeah. But even just having two Rosalinas in the, in the same game can get confusing at times, and I feel like that is a failure of design in that case, straight up. Agreed. On top of that, I feel like she could have been a better puppet character. We talked about this a bit in the video, but, like, giving her that kind of Olimar just trying to preserve the Luma a little bit more. Mm-hmm. Like, I remember um, an idea to have the side B feed Starbits to the Luma. Yes. Trying to make it stronger and stronger. Yes. I feel like that would have improved the design immensely and, like, make it transform and turn into a galaxy attack. Yeah, you nurture it until it's ready. Exactly, and that's not quite in her playstyle. So while I we had comments like going in both directions, I kind of feel like she's right where she belongs right now. Yeah, no, we nailed it. All uh, right. Uh, after Rosalina, we have Little Mac. Sweet baby boy, you didn't deserve this. Uh, I did have a few comments um, uh, from BC Omics. Fork 3, saying that, like, yeah, Lil Mac sucks, that's why they love him, it's still an underdog story to use him, which is funny, but I don't feel like that works in this context. If, uh, if that's working, then that's like, say, oh yeah, Dan Habiki, 
like I get it, but like Little Mac isn't a joke character. Like you're getting yeah, it's, the same it's, he's not through line. To be. You're getting the same through line that you are with Dan with Mac, and that's that's not Mac. Yeah, uh, running with sisters kind of. Um, running with scissors, sorry, I'll say that a little bit better, kind of expanded on that, that in Punch-Out NES, Mac is way out of his league, so his goal is to avoid the opponent as much as you can, find an opening, lay on the pressure. But in Smash, characters don't have health bars, so Little Mac being outclassed is represented by his poor recovery. If one of your opponents even touches you, it may result in your death, so your job is to bob and weave until your opponent is open, then strike back as hard as you can. Which I do think is a, like, good translation, the problem is I don't think that translation in of itself works here because it's a platforming game. Mm-hmm. There are so thing, many things in Smash Brothers that Little Mac flat out can't do. Have you ever tried to fight Marks with Little Mac? <laughs> it is no. impossible. No. Oh, God. Oh. Oh, wow. No, that's, like, uh, if, that's if, not if a fun was, time. If this was Rivals of Aether, maybe? Mm-hmm. A game like that was much more controlled, I might agree with this. Right. Even at that time, Lil Mac doesn't have the tools to make that work. Okay, what's he gonna do against Game & Watch Up B? Yeah, there's just nothing. Like, if he had options, if he was able to punish that, that's fine. But he just doesn't have the ability to capitalize on that. He doesn't have the tools necessary to put him in that perfect bobbing and weaving range. And there are ways around it. There's ways to uh, redo the character to make it work, but that's just it. You have to redo the character completely. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, I-, I got another comment from Jamester, just, just trying to defend him. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, played Punch-Out! on Nintendo Switch Online recently and observed that Mac relies on avoiding attacks and blah, blah, blah. It's like that same kind of deal. Right. A few good hits is all that he needs to fail, so the game is reading your enemy and punishing accordingly. And that is how Little Mac plays in Smash. His moves are meant to avoid or move around enemy attacks. Uh, bringing it in that the super armor of his moves kind of embodies that as well. Like, he's not dodging his attacks, but it's another um way of representing that by armoring through them. I would agree if, like, you didn't just spam them. Yeah. They're too quick to really, like, have that kind of just, oh, yeah, here's the opportunity. Like, there's a difference between his armor and a Street Fighter parry. Yeah. Like, Mac should be able to do evil moment number 37 or something. And he's not. He can't. I I, I will say, like, out of everybody in F-tier, Lil Mac is by far the one I enjoy playing as the most. Oh, like, totally. He is so fun to play as. Like, if it was just on how in personal enjoyment, he'd be like A tier for me. Oh yeah, same. He melts people. Of all the characters, I feel like his design fundamentally does not mesh with Smash Brothers. If it was another platform fighting game, maybe, but this isn't that. And Little Mac flat out cannot function on half of these stages. Agreed. More than half. Mm-hmm. Like he doesn't work competitively. He doesn't work casually. Um, and you can still have fun with them. Like, th- these, this tier list is in no way indicative of personal enjoyment. I hate playing as Steve. Yeah, yes. But it's just at a fundamental level, he struggles to find really a purpose in this game. Yeah, I, I do like him as a character to pick. He's kind of the Pichu of this game. When you kind of want to insult someone, he's like, yeah, I'm going to play Blue Mac. I'm not going to fall off the stage. and I'm not going to murder you instantly. Yeah, but, like, also Ganondorf is in the game. Yeah. 
Like, if you're wanting that just unga-bunga playstyle, there's better characters for that, too. I do like his niche that he has, but it's a niche that doesn't fit in Smash Brothers itself. It's... it's a niche, but it's one that is... disappointing. Yeah. And that's on top of, like, the complete lack of character. Yeah. Shouts to Doc, though. I wish yeah, he weren't <laughs> random, but... Even if you just had him in the background, Pokemon trainer style. Exactly! That that might be enough to bump him up out of this, like, disregarding his problems, but... Oh yeah, D- Doc Lewis is in C-tier on his own. <laughs> and he's a taunt. <laughs> so yeah, like, I, I totally agree with people. He is so fun to play as, but, like, he he needs more things to be able to deal with the various aspects of Smash Brothers and other characters that he just can't right now. Mm-hmm. He, he's the most counterable character in the game. He is an idea, and it's not even half-baked. It, it's still the raw ingredients just on the counter, and yeah. we served it anyway, because, like, you wanted it. All right, so still the top, top of F-tier, though? Yeah, still the top of F-tier. All right. Uh, continuing forward, Greninja continues to be Greninja. Yeah. There were no strong opinions in any direction. Yeah! <laughs> we, can, we can just move on from Greninja. Uh, similar thing to the Miis, like, like just complete lackluster. A lot of people just wanting more from them. Like, I saw a lot of people, like, asking for different, like, kinds of Miis. Miis Mage I saw multiple times, but mm-hmm. where they are now, they're just kind of, again, a half-baked idea that just doesn't really go anywhere. Yeah. Some of them are fine. Yeah. Me Brawler has some funny things. I love how watching how Me Brawler has evolved as people have gone, well, I didn't care about this character, but they got some stuff. Exactly. Then we get to uh, Palutena. Uh, I have a few comments on this. All right. uh, first off, again from Jamester, uh, one of the biggest disappointments of Smash characters. Doesn't yep. know why amongst all her custom specials they went from the most boring options in Ultimates. And the rest of her attacks are just been there, done that. Yeah. Uh, Jamester thinks this is the character that has a damaged reputation because of Smash. Palutena is supposed to be the funny waifu of the roster, and you would never know that with how she is in Smash. She's the prim, proper goddess of light, and even the rare bits of dialogue she has is also sterile. Uh, Jamester still has her in E tier because she's still a competent fighting game design. Mm-hmm. But where are you? See I, see, I would disagree with that because, like, I feel like, oh no, she does a pole dance. That's fine. And I like, could see Palutena being kind of a flirt against people she hated. Yeah, I can, like, I can feel like she doesn't have no personality. It's just limited, except in like Palutena's guidance, which, like, that's there. Like, it's not much. It's completely optional. But like, it's. There, people who want to dig further will get her personality. I... The the thing with that is that I think out of all of the characters on Smash Brothers, the Smash Brothers roster, Palutena is one of the best ones in terms of her personality. Specifically with the Kid Icarus Uprising. And that is not carried over nearly as much as I'd want it to in Smash. Which brings me to a comment from Foolish Tunes. Uh, I took a short bullet point summary from it because it is, it, it was a very, very long comment. Mm-hmm. I'm just going to read these out real quick. 
despite being someone who loves Palutena as a character, they think she should be an F tier. Her moveset has awful sound design, fully agree with that, and yes. a terrible feeling of weight that would be expected for a powerful Greek goddess. Her animations are shallow and often unexpressive. Her core moveset as a result of customs now being removed is now a generic cliche wannabe Zelda clone with an annoying stick that can't really be applied to any other character who isn't a boring piece of cardboard. Going off of that, Shiribu uses too many kinds of moves from other characters that are done significantly better and more interesting 90% of the time. Counters, reflex, teleports, a move that pushes you around, armored moves, big space covering moves, etc., and just doesn't flow with her moveset at all. She is competitively dislikable for not being just frustrating to fight, but lame and predictable to watch and play. I do agree with that in this instance, just for how much her playset revolves around Nair. I feel like Palutena is absolutely not a character that should revolve around one singular move. Agreed. Uh, Palutena does not have a personality or smash design. Uh, debatable, but when compared to her amazing personality in Uprising, I can definitely see where this person's coming from with that. It's a bigger drop-off than most Smash characters get from, I guess it's there to nothing, whereas this is, it's kind of there from, oh god, no, you're great. Uh, this is where what you said come came through earlier. The exact one or three times she does show character, it's barely in the game too vague or overshadowed by her doing out-of-character accidentally provocative moves. I don't agree that it's necessarily out of character. Again, I could see her being kind of a flirt, but it does turn her into a character that only really appeals to... They, they say simps. I think that's a little harsh, but I do kind of feel like okay, Palutena dude. should have a more widespread appeal. So that I'm makes sense. I'm going to level with you. There's a mechanic in Kid Icarus Uprising where you just give hearts to Palutena and she comes close to you. Her flirting with you <laughs> is 100% intentional, yeah, bro. I, I That's always been that. there. <laughs> but it, it, do, it does hurt that the only way that her personality is being shown is through that. Like, it, it, of all the things to pull from her personality, that would that would not be my priority. Oh, I agree. So I, I, I can see where this person's coming from, but... Uh, they say that Kid Icarus isn't nearly relevant enough or big enough for Car Palutena's character to be carried through Kid Icarus Uprising, which means that too many people believe Palutena should be this generic or basic because this is their only way of being expressed to her. I don't entirely agree with that. I partially do. I, I can see where the worry comes from. I can see it, but like... In every, like, Smash fanfiction material or, like, little comic, I have always seen Palutena as sarcastic, if not just for sex appeal. But that's any female character in any Smash fan work. <laughs> no, I, I, I definitely agree with that. And, like, there are little bits of the sarcasm in uh, Ultimates, like the, um, too bad for you victory screen. Mm -hmm. Like, you do get that. Uh, but what really gets me about Foolish Tune's comment here is uh, that her current design gives them a bad feeling about the potential future for her character. Maybe even Kid Icarus in general if it ever got a new game, where she would be used more for fanservice bits than the Smash community assumes she is, in the same way that people think Wario is nothing more than fart jokes. I think that's hard to quantify without a new Kid Icarus game, but I can kind of see the worry. I can like, I, I, see the worry, but... If it was made by somebody other than Sakurai, and the Smash Ultimate interpretation was like... Like, if it was a developer that didn't really do, do their research, mm -hmm. I could kinda see that. If Kid Icarus were, like, a once-every-three-year franchise, I could see that. 
but it's like a once every decade if you're lucky franchise. Yeah. So I I think more attention is going to be paid to Uprising. It's not like Wario where it's every game after Brawl he became the farty man. Yeah. And Wario appears in a lot of games. And even though I'll argue that fan service isn't necessarily bad if it makes sense for the character. Mm-hmm. And I think the with the amount of personality that Palutena has, it does make sense. Yeah, agreed. Like she has she has charisma to spare. Mm-hmm. But I, I do kind of feel the I do feel like Smash Brothers is a terrible introduction to her character okay. in a way that does hurt me. Especially when considering that, like, like take Palutena's personality and imagine a moveset based off of that. That yeah. should be one of the funniest movesets in the entire game. She should have so many ways to troll her opponents. Yeah, the, the monster pheromone joke alone is just, there's so much that can be done with that. And that's like a hundredth of her potential. Yeah, I, I'm just picturing, like, take that reflect barrier and just let it move. Mm-hmm. So she could just casually push people off the stage, something like that, or just, ah, I, I liked the Slayer comparison you made when we talked about her, of yes. just being this character that is not trying, like, clearly should be able to just do whatever she wants to do. I feel like that really fits this kind of, this kind of playful attitude that Palutena should have. I, like, I agree with that. Like, she could win, but she, but she doesn't really want to do it in just, like, sheer, full-out, just disintegrating you, so she kind of tries to do more funny options. Yeah, no, I- you don't get that in Smash. I'm remembering, like, like, uh, Dragon Ball Fighters and how Beerus's jab is just, he pokes you, and it does yes. as much damage as a punch. And I, 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 I'm, I'm kind of, like, I definitely want to drop her right next to Mewtwo, because I, I get that kind of same feeling of just- but I'm kind of feeling the F tier in that regard because it does kind of feel like a full-on disservice to, like, how hilarious and wonderful of a character Palutena is. I would say Palutena's guidance saves her, but it's a lot more muted in its writing than Uprising is. Outside I of Viridi. I don't think that saves her at all. Like, Foolish Tunes actually had that in the comment as well. Just that Palutena's guidance shouldn't be used as an excuse for Pit and Palutena's lack of character. Because that's only on those stages. And those stages aren't good. <laughs> oh, yeah, like, but, like, I'm not going to sit here and pretend that Snake Codex didn't endear me to Snake. Because they did. But even, I- I'd give Snake that S-tier treatment even without the Codex. I would too, but, like, I can't intrinsically separate that from my experience of knowing Snake. Like, well, in that case, Palutena's moveset doesn't embody who she is in the same way that Snake's does. No, you're, you're correct. Like, we're treating a top, we're treating a top tier and a bottom tier with the same lens here, but I'm just pointing out this one commonality. Like, I'm not arguing, oh yeah, she does it as well as Snake, because she doesn't. Like, I, don't I can't, think Palutena's I can't guidance is name as good as Codex either. one Palutena's guidance where I can remember a Palutena line. Yeah. Whereas I can remember Mei Ling Samus took her clothes off by <laughs> farting. Are you kidding me? So easily. That's a low blow, Colonel. You're kidding, right? It's Mario. Yeah, she's kind of just a dictionary in Palutena's guidance. Yeah. Yeah, the, the more I talk about this, I kind of want to drop her down. Okay. Uh, would she, I, I don't think I'd put her below, like, the Samuses, but would she be above or below Little Mac? Um, 
I think that she still functions as a character, and as weak as her design is, it's still distinctive. Like, if you showed me sparkles and effects of her, I would go, oh yeah, that's Palutena in Smash. I'm not happy about it, but like, it's still a complete identity, and it still does function, it's just that it's harmful. Yeah, with her being like, if she was at the top of F tier, she'd be bordering with Mewtwo. Mm-hmm. And really the big difference there is that Mewtwo has a reputation outside of Smash Brothers that completely carries it despite its design in Smash. Yes. Whereas Palutena really doesn't. Yes. Okay. Okay. So, top of F tier? Yeah, let's go for it. Okay. Congratulations, Mega Man. You're even better than you thought. <laughs> I, I, I put Mega Man's design above Palutena. Just, just straight up. Yeah, yeah. Pal- Palutena okay. is a mess. Yeah. Uh, Pac-Man, apart from that one comment I just read, like, again, no disrespect, but I, I, I don't know why somebody would think that he's not great. I still think he's amazing. Yeah. Pac-Man's great. Yeah. He's literally just missing a je ne sais quoi and the easiest alt in the world. Even an Echo. Like, how is Miss Pac-Man just, just change her fruits? Yeah. I don't know. Uh, ooh, next up. Okay, 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 okay. I scripted something for this. Okay. Okay. <clears throat> so, there is a common sentiment in the comments of these tier lists, especially at the beginning, that a lot of our discussions boiled down to me saying I liked a character and that you said no. Most people took it humorously, <laughs> as it was funny. Yes. But I saw a few people berating me for just following whatever you said without question, and I want to stomp out that absurdity. In my eyes, there is nothing better than learning that I am wrong. Humans are inherently limited by our own perspectives. It's impossible to come up with a solid opinion just on our own. We need other people to grow, otherwise we will always be wrong about so many things in life. And I was delighted to be wrong about so many characters. I had my eyes open to how cool Bayonetta could be. I learned things about Princess Peach that I probably never would have otherwise. Every time I get a comment on the 64 episode, I go back to rewatch and remember my shock at hearing Jigglypuff in S tier. <laughs> oh, that's my proudest moment. So, it, I, I love that memory so much. Thanks to those discussions, my viewpoints on so many characters have expanded, and I don't regret conceding my views on any of them except for one. At the beginning, in our first episode, I wasn't taking this very seriously. I just thought we'd sit down, have a good time, haphazardly placed our characters on this list, but I got invested in this thing very quickly. Yeah. But before that happened, one character slipped through my grasp. One that I knew I loved, but hadn't put much thought into why. And when challenged, I couldn't put those feelings to words, so I chalked it up to me just being biased and not wanting to admit that I'm wrong, because I do that frequently. But we kept bringing up the character and the feeling persisted, and yet I still couldn't figure out what I was coming from. It was driving me mad for months. Then I found my answer. A new expansion to one of my favorite games was released. Age of Empires 2, The Dawn of the Dukes. That is actually what it was called. I was so happy. (laughs) And as I was playing the game, charged my Polish winged hussars into the heavily armored Teutonic Order, I had an epiphany. Because I'm always hesitant at first in RTSs. I have an RPG mindset of preservation. Can't use my potions in a fight, because what if I need them later? It's only the final boss. I get that with my units. I over-micro them, and I try to preserve every single one. But that doesn't work. 
That kind of game resolves around, revolves around macro. You have to keep track of creating more workers, gathering resources, researching technologies. It's all a balancing act that some of your units have to die for. And right when I crossed that threshold, I realized that feeling, that mental power fantasy of working every aspect of a military machine, that is the feeling that Robin captures perfectly. And I know there's a lot of things we talked about with this character. Playing as him makes you feel like you're always losing. He's slow, his weapons are always breaking, and he has to work so hard just to keep up with other characters. We talked about ways to change him, make it so he revolves more around choosing the right weapon for a situation, sending characters at different angles, stuff like that. Which is a great idea for a tactical power fantasy, and one that I would want to give Zelda. But not Robin. Okay. The way Robin is designed doesn't hearken to the power fantasy of a masterful tactician. Robin, as he is now, is designed to embody the reality of a tactician. A good tactician is rarely in a favorable position with all the tools they could ask for. That's Fire Emblem in a nutshell. A small group of fighters faced with impossible odds as they go up against entire armies, and somehow have to find a way to win the day. Even when the Lord in Charge decides the best course of action, things still go horribly wrong. One of your units could miss a 95% chance to hit, an enemy could land a 5% chance to hit, chance to crit, sorry. Plans fail constantly, often narratively, as they should, because the best tacticians are not the ones that have the best plans. They are the ones that can quickly jump from one good plan to the next. And Robin does that so well. He has just enough tools to deal with the things that Smash Brothers throws at him and win the day. Elwind, it's a reliable tool in his arsenal that gets the job done. It's an obvious priority to keep track of, but a crit as a critical mistake can end the game. The move recharges so quickly and has so many uses that the only time it will result in a game over is if Robin stupidly rapid jabs, misses his opponent, and gets punished for it as the tone breaks. You can't do that. You gotta pull your, you gotta pull back your lord when they get injured and heal them up. Otherwise, you lose. Throw your opponent off stage, toss out at a rapid jab, and reset that cooldown. Arcfire and the Thunders. Incredibly versatile projectiles with so many utility options. Thunder can poke, jab, reset, zone, combo, and kill everyone in an 8-player smash game in one move. Whereas Arcfire outright traps people offstage is enough and is a fantastic enabler for other moves in his kit. They both take exactly 10 seconds to recharge, so it can be detrimental to lose both, but that's why Robin takes that in stride and keeps one available when deciding to use the other, only losing access to projectiles if he isn't conscious of the battlefield. He's gotta cycle injured units out for fresh ones, make sure they have backup weapons. If he spreads himself too thin, he'll have to retreat or his units will die. Then there's Nosferatu. It's a weird move, that's that one Fire Emblem unit that sucks but is amusing to try and make it work, which is difficult, but if it lands, it's lifesteal, which is insanely strong in this game. One of the best things we mentioned about Marth is how great he is at embodying Fire Emblem gameplay via his positioning. Properly spacing attacks, avoiding getting too close, it's a great way of showcasing that side of Fire Emblem, which I agree with. Robin does that too, and I might even argue he does it better. Because instead of just keep trying to keep a yardstick of space between his opponents, Robin has a much wider range of influence. He has so many different scenarios that they can turn into his advantage if he spaces them properly. Arc fire always bursts into flames when it hits the ground. So if fired just at the right distance to the ledge, most characters cannot get back onto the stage until Robin runs out of the fire. Out of the fire. It's free chip damage. 
If they're on the stage and they shield the fire, he can grab Renosferatu. If they don't and he's close, they'll eat a Levin Sword. If he's far, he can Thunder, which, while requiring position, can outright kill without counterplay if it's charged to Thorlon. Arcfire spawns above Robin, making it easy to catch short-hopping opponents with it. It's a literal shield of across Robin's entire approaching options for any nearing characters. And if it does ca- ca- <clears throat> Sorry, I'm talking a lot, I'm losing my voice. Mm-hmm, you but if it, it does- if it does connect, he can jump and combo it into itself. If there's platforms, he can keep comboing, which can then combo, combo into Robin's stupidly powerful aerial smash inputs, which will easily kill most fighters. And that's just arc fire. So many of his tools are built around proper positioning. Elwyn spikes when directly above an opponent. Nosferatu is stronger from behind. Arc Thunder can follow up into so many different attacks depending on how far Robin is from his targets. Some attacks give him positional defensive options. Arc Fire again is a shield from aerial opponents, both down and up smashing on both sides of him thanks to the Leaven Sword's electric effects. There is so much this character does right by Fire Emblem. Swapping between the Bronze and Leaven Sword is a wonderful translation of swapping between the strong weapon for important moments and the weak weapon for cannon fodder experience grinding. Both are still useful, but using one in place of the other can lead to problems down the line. But even if that or Robin's tomes break, they turn into powerful items, replacing one tool for another, allowing him to toss a tanky general onto the front line so he can easily use to buy a little more breathing room, heal up, and get equipped. He has a beautiful array of spells from across the Fire Emblem series, and with, with some casting animations hearkening to the GBA pixel animations. And as if this character wasn't a complete enough Fire Emblem package, he is the only one in Smash Brothers who uses supports. Showcasing that ultimate power of units working together by calling in Krom for his final smash. There's a reason that Robin's trailer is the only one that treats a Fire Emblem newcomer like it's cool. That it deserves a budget and build-up. Because this design is brilliant. There's more I could cover, how cool some of the animations are with levitating weapons, how he shares the same weakness as Byleth with how slow they both move, forcing them to plan ahead and punching them when they are rushed down, just like in Fire Emblem. But above all, I admire this design because it encapsulates the feeling of playing a strategy game before you master it. Just like it would have done for so many who experienced the series for the first time by picking up Awakening. Properly placing every unit of the army, making sure their weapons won't break, covering every choke point, and keeping an eye on any problematic flyers that could break through your ranks. It's the exact same feeling. It's insane to me how spot on it is. It does always feel like he's losing, but that's the reality of the games he comes from. Your units are always going to take damage, some will die and you might need to reset. Weapons will always break, there's always going to be those random crits that completely upend your entire plan. And people can't get hung up on those things, you can't save that silver sword forever. If a player views losing their tomes in Smash like it's a bad thing, they'll stall the thought process and lead to another mistake. Robin has to keep his cool and make those losses part of his plan. And I don't think I would have it any other way. Because those moments are lo of losing are an integral part of why it feels so good to win. That's the true joy of a master tactician. To expect those losses, keep those backup plans ready, and bounce back harder with a counterattack. I don't know exactly where I would place him, but like as I was like realizing these things, I was like, you know what? I might make a like try to fight for an S tier rank and just see how far I can get. Because I really, really love this design. Okay, he can go under Donkey Kong. <laughs>
Oh, I was hoping you'd say something like that. Uh, uh, but no, I that's... Uh, yeah, no, drink, I'll talk. Um, that is very, very <sighs> nicely thought out, and that is illuminating. The, the points about Arcfire, especially, and using it as a multifaceted tool, is really, really strong. To recap my previous issues with Robin, it was that I felt that he was punished for just playing the video game, and that led to just unsatisfying design in general. But as you put it, you no, know, playing the video game is an uphill struggle for him. He's not the fastest. He's not the smartest. He's supposed to be, but he's that's his general personality that's been portrayed, and I think that that automatically precludes him from S-tier, because it's just like, he's supposed to be the smart one, and he's not. He's the best at improvisation. He's the best at making the best of a bad situation, which isn't true. That's Snake, even in character, but I'll, you know, I'll let that slide. <laughs> but I do greatly appreciate this design a lot more due to your words. I still do have my problems with it because you do make the point of you should uh, always eventually have to use his uh, silver sword. I don't think Robin has a silver sword in his kit. I think it's all situational. I, I mean, I agree that the Levin sword is powerful, obviously, obviously, but it's also there as a matter of necessity to keep up with the rest of the game. I still feel that there should be a trump card to him. There should be your siege tome. There should be that one tome that you only get one drop of in the entire game that you really don't want to waste. And I feel like he's still missing that. Like, I feel like the joy of tactics is still to go, aha, gotcha. And in that sense, I still feel that there's nothing Robin does that is a conversation that's a dance with his opponent in the same way that Marth has it. Because Marth has obviously weaving in and out in uh, silent moments. It's the dance of a sword fighter, and it's done in a beautiful, brilliant way because Marth desperately wants that uh, distance. With Robin, it's significantly more clumsy it's not he doesn't really have so much of a plan as he does a flowchart that's disheartening to the idea of a tactician for me do i think it's really really good now what he does have yes yes i do i am willing to go to b because you have convinced me that he is better at representing fire emblem than byleth Oh, 100%. Uh, if I could throw this out real quick. Um, I don't know if Robin's supposed to embody his character in of itself. I think he is the best self-insert character that Fire Emblem has created. Because he's just... He's vanilla enough that most people can like, kind of like insert themselves into like, okay, this is the, um, the avatar for myself to go through. And with that, um... Mindset. I think what he's supposed to represent in Smash is that learning tactician, that player that has been introduced to Fire Emblem. Because, yeah, he doesn't have his trump card because the, the player hasn't learned, like, what the trump cards are yet. They have all these tools, and it's their job to kind of put them together. Hmm. I would agree if his catchphrase wasn't time to tip the scales. Like, fair enough, fair enough. He is 
sold as a tactician. Like, you're doing a good sell job of him and an idea of his personality, but unfortunately, he does have one. And it is that, you know, cell pointing to his brain, look at how big it is, ha ha ha. And if that's how he's being sold, and that's how a majority of fans view him, and that's how a majority of fans have a disconnect in playing as him, that's a flaw. I don't necessarily agree, because I feel like being the smartest character, you don't necessarily need the trump card. Does that make sense? I feel like... I feel like, like Robin's all about it being a toolbox and using the player's intellect to keep track of it and figure out what they need to use in specific situations. I feel like if there was a trump card and aha got you, that would kind of devalue the rest of it. Hmm. I don't entirely agree with that assessment either to uh bring it back to another fighting game character uh nauto in persona 4 arena is a very tactical character but she's very um underpowered in a lot of senses but she has the unique mechanic where every time you hit with a specific move with her persona and specific kinds of moves she adds a death counter to the opponent And once they have a specific amount of counters, all of her supers become instant kills if they hit. And that's the kind of tactical character that I feel that I would like to see. That's the idea of using all of the pieces of your toolbox to work toward a specific goal. And that goal is kind of non-standard, but it's really, really fascinating. And it works, and you still are playing the fighting game while doing it. Um, Gogeta in Dragon Ball Fighter Z has a move where every time you punch with it, he gets a Dragon Ball. And it's an incredibly neglected mechanic in the game that every time that you get all seven Dragon Balls and then hit a Dragon Ball hit, you summon the Eternal Dragon Shenron. And that's never used in competitive because games are too fast to hit all the Dragon Balls, except if you use Gogeta for that specific purpose. And I feel like... Robin is fulfilling a similar goal to that, and his reward is that he gets to play the video game. And I get the idea of it being on the back foot. I I do understand it, but I feel that there's a level of fighting game satisfaction that isn't met with Robin's current design. I would disagree when considering the aerial smash attacks, because those hit hard, and it's something that only Robin has access to like he has some of the strongest aerials in the game because of that like if you catch somebody with an arc fire that will kill at around 50 percent on most characters if you back air into that like he, he does have a few of those super powerful tools like if you somehow catch someone from behind with nosferatu like lifesteal again is such a powerful tool in these sorts of games right and that's good but they're they're a I, bit I definitely niche agree that he could compared be to a better. full idea like uh, as much as i as well as much as I like that, I'm sitting here and I look at Donkey Kong's back air and go, that's a really good move. I would sure like it less if it were slightly longer and then after a while his foot got cut off. Well, you can't get hung up on the foot getting cut, uh, cut off. <laughs> I know, I know, but like it's competing with Donkey Kong back air still. Like the, the oh. payoff is that you get little better Donkey Kong back air. Yeah, and it's your job to figure out where to use it. I, I I don't feel like this moveset works without the breaking. 
Like, that's such an integral part of why this moveset captures the feeling that it does. I I can agree yeah, like with you, that. You need to lose the powerful tools, otherwise it's just not what this tactician is supposed to be. That's just the that's just the the tactical tactician power fantasy. At this point, I tactician. agree with it. My issue is that I don't think they give enough of a reward. I think the Levinch sword of. should be a glass sword. So just instantly deletes. There should be a deletion, but if you whiff it, oh god. I would like that as, like, a shield special. You just, like, sneakily equip the glass sword and it breaks on the, on the first use. Exactly. Or just have, I, I don't know, something that, like, hitting a certain move gives you a buff similar to Hero. Like, I'm, I'm looking at Hero a lot for this. Because, to me, he's one of the strongest Avatar characters in this game. Because he gives the feel of Dragon Quest really, really well. And doesn't have much 100%. personality past that. Robin has one, and it kind of holds him back from the kind of things that Hero manages to embody. I do agree with that, yeah. Like, for what Robin's personality is, I would expect something more along the lines of the Zelda idea I'm having, rather than what he actually is. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah, you're, 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 getting, you're getting in the middle ground with me. Yeah. Um, yeah, because, like, while Thoron is, like, one of the best screen-clearing moves in the game, Hero has, like, five of those. Yes. It's not uh, that Robin I, I, isn't good, it's that he's unimpressive when compared to the other options that are, exist right now. Okay, okay. My, my major goal was to get him at least above Byleth, and I feel like I've done that. Oh yeah, oh yeah, you've convinced me he's above Byleth. Okay, cool. Um, uh, I'm looking at Bowser Jr. I'm right also now. looking at Bowser Jr. Because that kind of same, like, embodying the gameplay, not quite the character... Uh, Cloud as well. How do you feel about between Cloud and Bowser Jr.? Yeah, that's fine I feel fine like by Robin gets, gets Fire Emblem gameplay more than Bowser Jr. does Mario bosses. Okay, fine. Fine. You've seduced me. He's up yes! three tiers from where I had him initially. Okay. I, I'll take that as a happy win. Which, to be fair, is the exact same distance that Jigglypuff rose, so. <laughs> uh, Fanta. Th there were a few comments on Robin as well, but it was kind of just mirroring the same things I just said. Uh, shout out to Jamester again, as well as, what were the other ones? To uh, David Termo and Caleb Wilden, who I kind of just built that argument off of. I'll put their comments on the screen as well. All right. Thank you to everyone who said I was right, though. <laughs> there wasn't anybody. I, no? it it I had to search for Robin comments. Those are the only three ones. <laughs> No, there were plenty who were like, haha, Pierre is very handsome and changes Duke's mind a lot. Good, like. <laughs> uh, oh yeah, if we're talking about those ones, like there are plenty of those, just like, oh, oh yeah, yeah, no, no, poor I'm, Duke. <laughs> no, thank you, thank you. Alright, uh, next up is Shulk. Okay. Now, um, I want to say something real quick about Shulk before I get to the comments. Like, this will take like 30 seconds. Alright. I did a bad job explaining Xenoblade gameplay in that first episode, which I kind of regret. Alright. Um, uh, not 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 to a point I want to like re-explain it now, but like I was I was getting arts mixed up for which ones. It's been it's been a while since I played the game. Mm -hmm. Just like a soft apology to the Xenoblade fans, and also I it's something we've talked about outside of the podcast, but I want to put here. Okay, where a lot of RPG characters kind of don't capture the um the feel of the actual character. They're more about embodying the um the game they come from. Mm -hmm. Shulk is not one of them, and I should have given him more credit for that. Because this kind of super complicated, like, switching between all sorts of different, like, Monado arts to fit your exact situation. Shulk's a scientist. This, this fits his kind of mental 
uh, intelligence just perfectly for like having to have the flexibility to like plan out where he needs to use what when. And I do feel like he deserves a little bit more credit than what I gave him in that regard. Just wanted to throw that out. All right. Uh, some of the comments threw out some interesting tidbits about him. Um, uh, for 3XHS, um, in Ultimate Shulk can change arts in Hitstun, uh, which lets him use shield in a way that completely nullifies combos. So, like, mid-combo, he can just switch to shield and immediately drop out of it, which actually fits how uh, Monado's shield works in Xenoblade perfectly. It's a one-and-done cancel-out-that move, which... Oh, that's nice. Is pretty spot on, and I really like it. Uh, Rob Hillen feels like while Shulk could be better designed to represent Xenoblade 1, putting him in mixed does a bit of a disservice to what it does well. Um, argues that trying to make him emulate traditional Xenoblade combat would hurt his design overall. I think there's ways to make it work. But he does point out that in Xenoblade Chronicles, Shulk is a class cat. Oh my gosh, I talked way too long for Robin. <laughs> oh yeah, no, no, no. <laughs> Shulk is a glass cannon. While he can work on the glass on a bit, he he can definitely be described as the cannon. And th But through his various buffs, he can kind of nullify that a bit. Kind of like help his team to like... They kind of describe it as the Monado Arts kind of embodying the other m members of his party, buffing him in the same way. Which, I don't know if I agree with necessarily if I, I i do think it's worth considering i i could consider it but if that were the case i would make him lighter because that's literally how you make it a glass cannon in this game well that's the thing that like to become like that full-on glass cannon he does make himself lighter like to, like to take on those glass cannon attributes well, he, well uh, yeah not but, smash but you're saying that at his base he is a glass cannon Yes, which he, which he is, which he is. Well, yeah, kind of. So like, he should be. a weird game. He should be can, glassier like, and cannonier then, because at at the base he's got good range and some good power that's like in a weird staggered state. But otherwise, he's pretty mid. Yes, yes, he is. Which is kind of what he needs to be to be able to make the rest of his moveset function. Like, I I agree, but like. How much more fun are Monado Arts on Kirby? Because Kirby isn't entirely balanced in the same way. Significantly more fun. I do agree. Exactly. So I think if you gave him that ability to have that rushdown, have that sort of oomph to it, then you would feel the power fantasy of your Xenoblade friends buffing you. Um, I, I kind of had just a small idea of how to fix this, uh, just to kind of hearken to Xenoblade combat properly, that whenever you're in a certain art... You're, like, building up a damage meter, and if you deal enough damage while under that art, the art changes to a super-powered move based on the art. Like, uh, Monado Jump becomes Monado Cyclone, which becomes a really powerful kill-off-the-top kind of move. Something that like that. Monado Buster becomes the actual Monado Buster, a giant screen-clearing move that doesn't deal knockback, but a ton of damage. That could be really fun, and honestly, you could balance it by just making that the side special. Yeah, things like that. Like, I, I do feel like it still could, uh, like, I don't agree with the comments necessarily that he um doesn't, couldn't embody the Xenoblade, Xenoblade gameplay well by, sorry, I'm just robbing. No, I, I get you, I get you. <laughs> yeah, that he, trying to embody Xenoblade gameplay well would hurt his design, I don't agree with that, but I do think he deserves more credit for what he does well, because he really is one of the most interesting designs in the game. He definitely is, but also he is because of one move. Yes. 
I'll, I'll give him credit, just, um, he has a very unique way of using his sword that makes him really differentiate from the other sword fighters as well. The lightsaber's a little weird, but it does give him a unique silhouette. No, it is unique, and I do like it, but, like, then he has his other three specials, and those will always hold him back for me. Yeah. Like, if the Monado Arts did what I just suggested and, like, changed up the specials as you were building that damage percent, that would mm-hmm. be ideal Shulk in my eyes. I can see that, yeah. But again, this is one of the only RPG characters that actually captures their character, which I really, really appreciate. Don't entirely agree with that, because you got Sephiroth. Okay, well, okay, yeah. I'm looking at the ones that are in C tier with him. I I I should be looking higher, because, like, yeah, there is Sephiroth. Yeah, you got Uh, Cloud, you got Ike. Good jobs. Yeah, Yeah. yeah, that that, that just toss out that statement, but... Where other characters have that problem, like, I'm looking at where he is in that tier list, he's directly beneath Joker, and where I feel like Joker's missing that personality, Shulk does have it. Yeah, but Joker has he the also... vibe of his game, too. He's got that appeal. That's true, that's true. I, 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 I kind of just want to move him up higher in C tier. I, because... I agree, I was going to argue against moving him up to B, but... I'm never moving up to B because he spoils one of the best plot twists of the game in his oh yeah okay uh but look let's put up where lucas is right now okay i I feel good about that and then yeah that's fine whenever we get to lucas that's fine by me cool uh bowser jr was after that uh there was a lot of comments about what he could have been if he went a different direction with the design but there was almost no discourse about actually moving him and I, i think he's still perfect where he is yeah no he's he's a good little boy he could be, it would be better if he were one boy instead of seven and a girl. Yeah, but even even then, his, his design's all right. It's, it's a Mario boss fight, and they get, they get that pretty well. Yeah, no, they nail the Mario boss fight aesthetic and don't do anything else. Yeah. But they got that one thing real good, though. Exactly. Uh, Duck Hunt, another character that doesn't really need to be moved, I think. Um, oh, Jamester had a point that I wanted to throw out, just because I thought it was an interesting insight. Okay. Jamester thinks the problem with Duck Hunt is that compared to the other retro characters, Duck Hunt Dog was already infamous as an iconic gaming troll, and because of that, he's not given the opportunity to really expand his character the way his peers do. I just thought that was kind of interesting, because, like, when compared to the other retro characters, like, he already... Since there's something already there, you can't expand on top of it. Okay, put him under Ice Climber. He doesn't do his one personality as well as he could. Well, we're going to get to Ice Climbers a little bit. Okay. Later. All right. Okay, fine. I, I'm ready to fight for Ice Climbers based on some of these comments, but... Oh, okay. All right. Uh, but yeah, he's really... Also, because I just kind of saw a comment. Um, when we're talking about he doesn't have his laugh, we're talking about the sound effects. Obviously, yes. he has the taunt, but the fact that that's not the NES soundbite, just... That is such a home run, and it, the fact that it's not there just boggles my mind. That is literally the most important part of the character. Yes. All right. Imagine if you had Darth Vader in a game, but instead of he goes ha-ho with his breathing, it's just like, hey, guys. <laughs> <laughs> it's just a regular voice. <laughs> yeah. Oh, God. It's like <laughs> but yeah, like that, that's a perfect way of putting it. Uh, Ryu and Ken, I, I saw a few points as to like what they could have been. A lot of people felt like they were better, like Ryu was better in Smash 4. But just, just the way they platform around just still feels off. I, f- I feel like they're where they should be right now. Yeah. I feel yeah. like it's an easy fix, but th- that's right where they are. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure it's an easy fix, 
I feel like you just have to make them more platform characters, and that requires some study as to, okay, well then how would they interact, as opposed to the more fascinating, but admittedly much easier, just staple them into the game. Oh yeah, Easy Fix probably wasn't the word. I, I feel like there's tweaks that need to be made. Yes. That are relatively minor, I just don't know what they are. Yes. Uh, Cloud is next, and... Uh, Jamester, this is really just becoming a design dorks featuring Jamester at this point. Yo, shouts to Jamester. Yeah, a lot of good insight. Uh, throws out that Cloud should be A tier. Okay. Uh, Cloud is fine. I don't think he's missing anything. Believe it or not, Meteor Rain is represented in his back air. Just, you know, without the meteors. He's just a solid design. His feel mimics how it does in Dissidia while adapting his original FF7 stats. He's an RPG character without RPG character bullshit because everything he does in Smash is more or less how it works in the source material. Materia could be cool, but considering how customizable it made the FF7 cast, the devs probably focused on limits because those abilities are exclusively clouds. Also, being the paladin of FF7, magic isn't the best fit for him. Even then, limit is a better take on the KO punch, which also, again, being adhering to canon. Uh, we made the comparison to Ike, but James doesn't think it works. Yes, Cloud is also a child of Guts, a mercenary with a big sword. However, Cloud lacks weight behind his swings, compared to Guts and Ike. But that's always been a problem with Cloud, being FF7, Kingdom Hearts, and the entire compilation of FF7, even Remake. The Buster Sword has never felt heavy because Cloud swings and spins it around so effectively. Uh, I saw in another comment people comp pointing out that that's because Cloud is a super soldier. It's literally not light for him. Which, right. Oh, fair point, fair point. Mm -hmm. So you can't be mad about Cloud, Cloud doesn't capture something he never had. If anything, Smash has given the Buster Sword some weight and some of the major attacks. That's fair. Since the time that that has come out, I've experienced more of FF7 and reflected more on FF7. And uh, I think what's missing from Cloud is his clumsiness. Because uh, Cloud's yes. kind of a dork. I'm just thinking of that scene at the start of FF7 Remake where he thinks he sees Sephiroth and he pulls out his Buster Sword and it gets caught on the doorframe of an apartment. And he goes, oh shit, and then he goes in. In, in a similar way that I can't see Joker doing the, the whole pillage them, the blood running down his eyes, mm -hmm. I cannot see this cloud being the, the cross-dressing, uh, let's mosey kind of character. Exactly! Uh, Jared Hebert pointed that out as well. I'll throw him a bone as well. Like, I completely forgot that he keeps going, let's mosey, and Sid calls him out on it and goes, are you still saying that shit? That is the lamest shit. Can't you say a normal thing, like, let's move out? And then Cloud goes, let's move out. <laughs> yeah. Jamester makes an interesting comparison, how everyone likes to refer to Other M as the biggest character assassination, mm -hmm. but argues that the uh, the entire FF7 compilation ruins the entire FF7 cast, because they make Cloud into such a moody bitch instead of the abrasive cornball that he was. Nah, they didn't ruin Barrett. Barrett's great. That's true. Barrett's still as amazing as ever. I love Barrett so much. So, with that comparison, like, Jamester was making an argument for A tier, but pointing out, like, who Cloud used to be, like, it's it's weird. Does, does the design embracing the more moody, emo version that Cloud has become, it's, it's technically accurate, but it's not the best version of Cloud? How does that even line up? Uh, it lines up with, gosh, I hope Cloud is in a game that isn't, uh, made by a man who loves Advent children. <laughs> like, I am so interested to see the character direction of this character by another director. 
yeah, I, I, I kind of love to see like another Dissidia where a cloud gets to be. Where it gets like to be his remake cloud. self, yeah. Or his remake self, yeah, his remake yeah. self is great. Oh my gosh, Cloud, your hair and that dress. Nailed it, I know. Thank you. Moving no, on. Thank you, moving on. <laughs> I love it. I know, I, I kind of want to drop him now. <laughs> but like, but he also does like embody his gameplay perfectly. Yeah, and Omni Slash version 5 was added since we analyzed him. This is him, true, and that's I just think? such a fantastic addition to the character. I don't know. Maybe just keep him where he is. You know what? I'm okay with him where he is. We were wondering yeah. what he was missing. We figured out what he was missing. And he gained yeah. a little and bit, uh, but he's missing more. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It, uh, if he was the proper Cloud, I might even like bump him up to S tier. Because proper Cloud, I, I, I love actual Cloud. Now that mm-hmm. I've gotten to experience who he really is. Great character. Yeah. Cl- cloud is the character where like he's not as strong as you think. But he pushes himself to be. For sure, for sure. Um, after Cloud, Corrin should technically be here, but we covered them in a later video, so we'll do that but like when it was placed. All y'all not picking up the King Crimson reference disappoint me. <laughs> uh I, I do wanna shout out um a commenter named Anankos for being just the most upstanding commenter ever. Like treating Corrin discourse in a way that does not like with the attitude i take toward corin i do not deserve that kind of just calmness and care <laughs> to how they were talking about corin mm-hmm. like genuinely impressed also shout out to another person i'm not going to name because i don't want to witch hunt them doing the exact opposite and spamming the same few comments to a point that i actually had someone complain on discord and i had to shadow ban the commenter <laughs> Just be like Anankos, people. Anankos is cool. I genuinely enjoyed reading their views on Fire Emblem Fates, despite how much I just, I, like, do not like that game. Nice. It, it's always great to hear that. Like, I always love uh, differing opinions, because that's how we come to a better understanding. So thank you, truly, yeah. for being polite on that. Uh, next up, Bayonetta. I, I, I got a comment from Running With Scissors that kind of gave me pause because what the big thing with Bayonetta is that we're comparing her to Dante in Marvel vs. Capcom mm-hmm. which is the sheer amount of things that Dante can do yes uh, running with scissors points out that that's not exactly a great comparison because the mechanics of that game let him like get those triple digit combos which right. Smash Brothers would never allow for okay I still think Bayonetta like has those problems with um I'm not gonna move Bayonetta because I think the Smash Attack's lacking oomph, like, not having those climaxes is still a very... Like, even if she didn't have more moves, that showmanship... Like, this should be the flashiest character ever, and her combos are very, very bland. Absolutely. That's that's more what I was leaning into with the idea of Dante and the idea of his combo game. It's not necessarily look at how much damage and look at him doing this into this into this. It's like, look at all of the different things he is doing impractically and making it work. It's the pump, it's the circumstance, it's the flash that is missing and could be more hyper-specific and extended. I'm not asking for much more than uh, Marth Side B, where it's a three-step attack, but make it varied. Yeah, I I just feel there, there's it's a character with so much room to grow, and I I do still feel like she's where she should be right now. Yeah, her personality is great, but the moveset doesn't match it. Yes. All right, that's the last of Smash Four. Uh, Meta Knight. 
I got a, I got a couple of comments on uh, man. With all the Kirby characters, there seems to be a very weird split between um. Well, not a weird split. It's a completely understandable split mm-hmm. between um. Kirby diehards like Sakurai that really like the old games and don't really mind that the newer games aren't represented, and the ones that do love the whole series and are really bothered by how much it favors the earlier games, which is totally valid. I totally understand that. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of people are arguing it's not as problematic of a design uh, that he's currently ranked in, as in like a D tier. Which, looking at him with context, I, I kind of feel the same way about him as I do Bayonetta. Like, he, he's missing that climax, as we said, mm-hmm. <laughs> way back then. Right. Because, like, the, the basis of the character isn't that bad. He's a unique character. He's got a lot of interesting things. The the hyper-aggressive precision of his sword swipes makes him feel like he's really good with his sword. Right. Um, my issue with him is sort of the same issue where in Smash, or, or in Brawl specifically, he was very much a speedster who was still a jack of all trades. Like, he could hit you at all grounds and all altitudes and all ideas. And Smash 4 made him more specialized, but not by specifically making him specialized, just by nerfing the things that made him a good all-arounder. True, true, yeah. So it took- He he never really recovered. Yeah, it took the core of a character, and instead of making him specialize through design, it made him specialize through, well, now he can't do these things, so these things are okay, I guess. And also, just, just a small thing that's always a nitpick, um- he gets classic Galaxia Darkness in Kirby Plant Robobot. Like, they canonized that in a video game after he used it in Smash. And then they took it away in Ultimate. <laughs> Which is a shame, because it wasn't, like, it wasn't exactly the flashiest move, but they could have made it flashy. Right. Like, even just do the cloak spin, then you have him teleport them to somewhere else where he does the Strider attack, and then finish it off with the final hit. Exactly. But it just blows my mind that you're like, okay, we made this new thing. Oh, that's cool. Let's add it in the new Kirby games. What? It's in the new Kirby games? Can't have that shit. For sure, for sure. I, I do have a few comments here. Mm-hmm. Um, some of them just make me laugh. Like, uh, Evil-, Evil Dead 2 just says, to me, telling who Meta Knight is to Master Hero Sakurai is very funny. Which, you know, fair point. <laughs> Gotta chuckle out of me. No, make uh, your it's, character it's better, though. <laughs> Uh, Daixo says that Pierre's description of how he wants Meta Knight makes me think of M. Bison's description in the Street Fighter video of Designing 4, but as a flying ball. Yeah, yeah, I, I can feel that. Thank you for watching uh, Designing 4 Mastery. I appreciate it. It was a good video. Thank you. Uh, Jamester, again, thinks Meta Knight is fine. Doesn't think he's a problematic design. Wishes he had a little more punch in his move, but we've seen what happens when he does. I actually think the speed of his attacks and a rough reflection of his discipline with the sword, think Virgil. I really think his forward smash, which is just a single clean swipe of his sword, and I really did wish he had more of those. I agree with Pierre that he should have a quick draw samurai Kirby attack. I think it fits his character. Mm-hmm. And he just, I, I, I think the main argument is that's just that we're being a little too harsh. Nah, y- nah, you had a perfectly good car, and then you removed the radio and speaker systems. Like, the car still runs. But you don't have a replacement for the radio and speaker systems. You just have a car. I, I, I'm just looking at all the other characters in D tier and feeling like what's missing from Meta Knight doesn't hurt me nearly as much as any of the other ones. I think he's top of D. 
Top of D. And by that, I mean under Luigi, because <laughs> I'm not touching that. <laughs> Under the weird Luigi and Roy zone. Exactly. Like, I think he's fair. I think we put him in a good spot. Yeah, yeah. Like, there's improvements to be made with him and tweaks. He's missing a fundamental aspect of him. Yeah, I agree. Also, James just throws out that um, uh, Spanish Meta Knight is indeed better than Darth Meta Knight, which totally agree. Completely. All right, so let's keep Meta Knight where he yeah. is. Pit, I saw one uh, thing about Pit... Uh, from 3XHS, gets a lot of the complaints about Pit, but feels like there's a lot about how Pit plays in Uprising that was brought into Smash. They like how Pit's movement in Ultimate is a representation of Uprising Land's battle, Uprising's land battles. Pit has a really nice initial dash, and that fits Rising, Uprising so well because dashing to both move and dodge is such an important part of Uprising's gameplay. Uh, does think his air movement could be a bit faster, but to be fair, Uprising's air movement outside of air battles is pretty slow. Either way, it makes a character whose ground movement feels a lot like Uprising, and that feels great. Additionally, Pit's versatility feels like a way of representing how many weapons he can use without making his design feel disjointed. While it would be nice if he used some extra weapons, like if he had a, used a Midnight Palm for down air or literally any blade for down tilt or forward tilts, the fact that Pit has so many different things he can do in Smash reflects the various weapons he can use. Lastly, to talk about Pit's kill power, or rather his lack of such, this may seem like a strange decision, but it represents one of their favorite aspects of Uprising, Endurance. A lot of harder maps in Uprising are extremely long, with lots of encounters and very limited healing. The challenge oftentimes comes from managing resources and trying to keep enough health recoveries for the boss. Since Pit is lacking in kill and cheese options outside of arrows, a lot of the time they find themselves having to endure neutral after neutral in order to get the kill. Even if this wasn't an intentional decision, they think it works so well in a way of representing the challenges of Uprising that I can't help but like Pit's design despite its flaws. That last bit got me. Just the kind of just having Pitch just kind of lacking kill power altogether does really represent Uprising's flow of battle. It does, but at the same time, then I feel like he should have more options to rack up damage, because, like, in Uprising, it's very much dodge step, shoot, shoot, shoot. Like, you're taking advantage, you're dodging the punch and counterpunching, and Pit is a lot more of a battle of inches, or weird multi-hits, as it were. This is true, this is true. I do feel like the weird multi-hits do let him catch people at a lot of di in a lot of different ways. Oh, I agree. I agree he's a jack-of-all, master-of-none. But, like, that doesn't give me a strong emotion either way. That just means you had a philosophy with this character. Again, I just don't think enough of it is evolved further enough from the brawl base into the Uprising framework. I think there's some things done, but I don't think enough was done. It's very similar to Meta Knight, where I feel like some things were done, but not enough. Uh, I, I I do think it was a good comment, so I do kind of want to just give credit for that. Oh, no, definitely. Uh, I, I'd be down to moving the pits, like, right next to Meta Knight, because I, I do feel that same kind of disconnect between, like, what they are and what they could be. They're both kind of held back by their ball designs, but in just in different ways, kind of. Uh, would you be down for that? Uh... I still feel like there's a lot missing for them, like a lot, a lot, and they don't have as strong of a gameplay identity as at least DK and Ganondorf. I'd be okay putting them above Ridley. Okay. Because what Ridley's missing does hurt more, and you are right, the, the gameplay identity of the other two are stronger. Mm -hmm. Of all the jack-of-all-trades in the game, I think the pits are definitely the weakest in that terms of design. They're unfortunately very forgettable. Yeah. And they shouldn't be, because they're such phenomenal characters. It's kind of that similar Palatina vibe. I, I do think they're better in that rear. 
Pitt's much better in the guidances at the very least, but... Yeah, for sure, for sure. And his, I never learn how to read! Oh, yeah. He's a good boy. Yeah. Still still good, but, like, uh, good comments, but I, the, the problem's there. Plus, they are just kind of broken, and I wish they weren't. Yeah. All right. Zero Suit Samus. Um, uh, we've talked before that there's kind of a few interesting uh, comments here. Yes. I'm gonna go, I'm gonna go with Connor Moni's first. Uh, right. argues that the very existence of there being two Samuses in of itself damages her reputation. Tell me, do you really think Other M would have featured ZSS so heavily if she didn't somehow get into Smash Brothers? So many people, because of Zero Suit, have begotten to think of her as the hot mommy character, rather than the badass bounty hunter she truly is. By making ZSS a character of her own, it damages Samus and by extension Metroid as a whole. More people focus on ZSS than regular Samus, and that is a goddamn shame. I, I don't agree. I think Other M would have been just as bad regardless. Have you seen who developed Other M? Nah, they were going to put Hot Chick Samus in there. Yeah, it's 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 the... I, it, it's, I don't Team remember Ninja? if it's Team Ninja. Ninja Theory or Team Ninja. Uh, whichever one does the Dead or Alive series, but like, that, that yes. was always going to happen. I, I do think um, uh, Zero Suit Samus existing now exemplifies that, but I think the problem is the other way around, that now that Other M has happened, this portrayal of her has kind of just become the standard, which it really shouldn't be. Yes. Now, I will admit that one shot where they stare at Samus's ass in Subspace Emissary is really weird, but... It, it, it's you, you, it's just the eye candy of video games. I wasn't surprised. I know, but I was surprised that Nintendo First Party was like, hey, look at her ass, though. We got the graphics now. <laughs> We're a family company. <laughs> this is Brawl. We're going more edgy. <laughs> I, I wanted to bring up that concern first, because I, not necessarily for just the... I think other M is to blame for that characterization more than here, but I do think the um, focus on Zero Suit Samus over regular Samus is does bother me a lot. Uh, there was another comment from uh, Komomu, I think I am saying this right, thinks her representing the movement of her games while Samus herself represents power is a nice idea, but doesn't agree at all with the execution. Even besides the jet boots, they don't think her core playstyle really represents what the character herself should be. Feels that's a better playstyle would be somewhat closer to what Sonic has, a hit-and-run kit instead of a rushdown one. Biggest problem, though, is that they think that she is actively damaging to the character of Samus and how people perceive her. Being insanely good in comparison to Armored Samus in it is its own can of worms, and I, they do agree that the latter deserves to take the fall for it. I think the emphasis on Samus itself is a very poor choice to me. Feels like it's only made to give Smash its own uh, sexy femme fatale among the roster, which... It reduces the important character into an archetype, and Brawl in particular feels like it used her rather tastelessly. Which, you know, I think, just what you said, kind of fair, kind of fair. Yeah, I don't true. feel like it's, it's, it's fine in a vacuum, but dumbing her down just to fit that archetype does feel like kind of a disservice to me. Just like grabbing Samus, like, okay, we need this kind of archetype, we don't have access to Bayonetta yet, let's do this one here. Which just kind of feels like both a waste of the character and also a waste of the potential of just trying to find somebody else that actually does fit it pretty well. I want to know why they made the decision behind uh, changing Samus in between uh, Brawl and Smash 4 into Go-Go Boots Samus. Because I, I don't feel that I'm qualified enough to say that. Um, I do feel it makes her a better archetype in general and makes her a stronger fighting game character but i can see yes that does reduce the character to the archetype 
but at the same time, it still has that um, groundwork and that framework of Samus's movement and motion and whatnot. And that archetype enhances that, not in a way that enhances her based on character, but also look at the character you had to work with comparatively. Uh, which brings me to one more comment from Alan Carter, who asks, what about her Zone Breaker high-speed playstyle is anything like Metroid? It might be closer to, like, Hollow Knight or Ori, but in comparison, Samus has some... She does have great movement tools, but she has some clunkiness to it. The way she has to time her spin attack, for example, or need to press down twice for Morph Ball and build up needed speed for a speed booster. She has wall jump, but no wall cling. If you play, let someone play Zero Suit Samus and handle them Super Metroid, or even the stealth part of Zero Mission, it doesn't really match up in the same way. Which was an argument we used for a pit, apparently. I don't remember that, but... I'll... I'll argue for stealth section of Zero Mission, no, nah, that's pretty similar, but for main Super Metroid, I'll agree. Yeah. Uh, they argue that the fun in Metroid movement comes down from mastering the controls, because there's a little clunkiness behind all of it, but then once you understand them, you can fully cause them to, like, just go in insane directions. And Zero Suit Samus is kind of just, just rushed down off the bat, so I, I, I don't know if I fully agree with it, but I can see where this person's coming from. I agree, I agree. I don't mean to dismiss anything out of hand. Like, every point that has been made pretty fairly is, again, pretty fair, well-balanced. Like, I, I'm only responding because there's meat on the bone to work with here. Yeah. Uh, those are all the comments. Just off of that kind of discourse, how are you feeling about Zero Suit Samus now? Because, like, she definitely does exist solely to embody an archetype. I, I, I feel pretty confident making that claim. I would agree with that. Um... Is it an actual disservice? I would bump her down a tier. I feel like cause she does do the archetype well, and Samus being like a super athletic kick you in the face, that makes total sense to me. Like, she's <laughs> a very strong character. If anything, I feel that this is rehab for her character. I, I, I could see that. Like, I don't think it's entirely there, but it's it's not other M, Samus. It's yes. definitely not. And that that does feel a lot better. Like, would I prefer six foot three Super Metroid instruction manual Zero Suit Samus? Yes. 100%. But, like, we got this. It's based off of the Zero Mission design, and it's. I think that it flows well as a fighting game character, and I, I don't think that this is the straw that breaks the camel's back like it does with Wario or like it does with. No, a bunch of other characters, with regular Samus, even. Yeah, her her design doesn't offend me. Like, the shoes do. The shoes are still stupid. Yeah. But, like, Sam, of course Samus is going to wear a bodysuit. She needs the f freedom of mobility. Mm-hmm. That part's never bothered me as much. Like, it makes sense for her to... Her being attractive is just a natural um side effect for her being athletic. Mm-hmm. She's, she's basically a super soldier. Yeah. In the, in the same way that Snake is attractive, for the same reasons. Oh, yeah. But yeah, I, I, I get down I get down for um C tier. Um I'm gonna put her beneath Bayonetta, because I think Bayonetta is obviously the better Femme Fatale. Ba better, okay. Bayonetta is the embodiment of the Femme Fatale. Like if they had access to Bayonetta back then, they just would have put Bayonetta into the game. Yeah, I agree. I do think that ZSS moves better, but like it's it it's a complicated enough analysis and a complicated enough conversation. Yeah, which is ironically about where she was originally. <laughs> we gave her some credit after we talked about Samus, but no. Poor Metroid. Hopefully, whatever future Smash Brothers has helps. Yeah. Yeah. And I think after Dread, 
it does knock her down a bit. Because now yeah. we have the idea of Samus with physicality. Yeah, and it's so much better. It's so good. Oh, man. A, a Metroid Dread Samus Smash design. Yes. Just good mm. grief. That'd be amazing. But somehow this is the best we currently have for Metroid. Yeah, and it's not great. Yeah. It's serviceable, but just... Yeah. Like the, like the fact that they gave her a whip just to embody that femme fatale kind of thing. Yeah. The whip annoys me. Okay. I'm going to drop her beneath Yoshi. I thought you were going... Now, put her beneath Pichu. I like Pichu. Pichu too. Okay, yeah. Okay, uh, next up is Wario. Uh, this is the other, I think, really big one. Well, we've been going for a while, but we're getting all, like, the the heavy hitters at the, at the oh, beginning. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Wario... Uh, <laughs> Wario's an interesting character because it feels like even the people that make him have very different interpretations of who this character is. Yes. Like, there, there is a sliding scale of personality traits for Wario just across, like, all of the games he appears in, and each one just has those at very different levels. I, I will say off of the bat that I ultimately feel like Wario still ultimately fails because it takes the, if you could use that example of taking out the personality traits, it takes several personality traits and ups them to 11 and completely abandons the rest of them. Yes. And it also makes him just absolutely batshit crazy, which we never mentioned in the actual discussion, but I hate that so much. Yes. Like Wario has never felt unhinged to me. I could agree with that. I think the closest is like when he thinks he's Wario Man and gets hit by a train or something. Even in the war even even in WarioWare, like he's manic for sure, but in he he seems to have lost his mind in Smash Brothers. Yeah. And I am really not fond of that. I am not either. I know thank you to everyone who did comment on uh that Wario does have instances of farting pre-brawl um no thank you to everyone who mentioned mario strikers charge that came after brawl but so uh you're wrong i'm right as usual haha <laughs> <laughs> but uh to everyone who mentioned like wario land 4's commercials thank you that's an interesting perspective um he's a strong man in the game like literally his boss introduction is him pumping iron and then tossing away the hundred tons or whatever he's pumping like is he gross yes absolutely but you turn that grossness into a fart joke it could be represented in a ton of other ways like take his chomp for instance that's pretty gross what if if he ate a projectile he could spit it at you or, like, he closes one part of his nose, and the other half makes his nose act like a cannon. And it goes, pachoo. <laughs> it's a limited perspective on what grossness can be. Yes. That just dumbs it down to toilet humor. And I, Wario has never been embodied by to toilet humor. He does have it, but that's just a lesser part of the fact that he's just the rudest guy on the planet. Yeah, he has cartoon humor. And this kind of sacrifices so much of that it, it does have bits and pieces but it complete it just shears off so much of it to have it revolve around this one fart joke i wouldn't even mind if he like had the fart in like one of his victory animations like the one where he farts in the victory animations that's fine but yeah. having the entire play style just be this mm -hmm. uh the fact of the matter that they can't decide where to put his shoulder bash where it's his 
It's his smash attack. It's gone. It's now his dash attack. Cool. And I don't think they've ever worked around that in any meaningful way. It's just, it's a character whose the single facet of their identity is so, so important that it overrides absolutely everything else about them. And there are good aspects to Wario's design in Smash, but I can't talk about them because there is this fundamental issue with understanding the character of Wario that still exists within Nintendo to this day. Yeah, like, he's still the original, he's still this character in, like, the the spinoffs. Yeah. In the majority of his appearances. It's just that this portrayal in Smash Bros. has kind of killed, like, half of his original games. The the fact of the matter, he has a jingle from the upcoming Wario Land Shake It when Brawl was coming out as his victory animation, and that game exclusively focused on Macho Wario. Like, he shakes his ass, and that's funny. And it's very, yeah. very lovingly animated, I will admit. But the director specifically called out that he wanted to focus on the machismo and the overall exaggeratedly cartoon male aspects of Wario. I'll, I'll, I'll throw a lot of comments on screen right now just to kind of get the arguments into it. Because I, I do respect a lot of where people are coming from. Mm-hmm. But I, I still hold the same opinion on him, man. Like, I, I the, the problem isn't that he has gross and farty elements to him. It's that he's only that. He's become this just... He, he's insane in Smash Brothers. He's yeah. a completely different character. Yeah, that's a, that's a great way of putting it. He's not the same Wario in even other WarioWare or Wario Land Mario spinoff appearances. Yeah, even when he's at his grossest, he's still not this Wario. This Wario is the outlier among all of his appearances. And the fact that it's such a strong outlier completely cuts off a lot of the outlier on the other side. And it it shouldn't need to be that way. Precisely. I I, I still have him exactly where he is. Yeah, same. So I I don't want to dismiss the arguments, because I see where you guys are coming from, but... Like, yes, he is gross. Yes, he is. Yes, th- there was that one Japanese thing where he's, like, measuring the length of his own turds. But that's not the only aspect of his character. The whole, whole entire thing is that like, he's this stereotype of that gross middle-aged man that just does whatever he feels like. He's like, oh, I just fart. Yeah, he's Carl from Aqua Teen Hunger Force, but buff. Exactly. <laughs> he, he, he is the stereotype of... I don't want to say gross masculinity, because he's also got that bodybuilder aspect of it, but very, very stereotypical masculinity. Mm-hmm. The, 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 the funny kind of it. Yeah. That you can make fun of. Exactly. And that's not what he is in Smash Brothers, in the slightest, and it's damaged his character since then. Completely agreed. Just, just, just to throw a bone to those people, if that wasn't the case, and that Wario had been this gross character, where, where would you put him? If Wario was a just a gross, gross man, um, then I would want him to be grosser. But I yeah, would true. probably like if he were a specifically a gross gag manga character in like the ideal of uh, Doctor Slump's Arale or something. I'd probably put him in like B. Yeah, probably around there. Probably there. So, so for you people that are just so in love with this portrayal of the character, he's a B tier for you guys. But like. He's killing half of his character and completely ignoring the rest of it with this design. Yeah. All right. That is most of the big ones. We can actually get to some fast Whew. ones now. Oh, yeah. Um, uh, Snake, comments agree. Still fantastic. 
Good. Uh, taunts are a little sad, which I, I kind of saw that, now that I've actually played a bit of Mel Gear, I'm kind of feeling that. I can agree. And, and, and now that we're at the top five, I, I kind of want to do some little tinkering real quick. Okay. Because when we ended off the last episode, you you told me to like play Metal Gear and play um King of Fighters, to, like decide, decide where Sephiroth should properly be. Right. I have since done so. Okay. And while I still think both of those designs are fantastic, I think Sephiroth still beats them both. Really? You think uh, for Terry specifically? Yeah. Interesting. Terry's just translating a fighting game into a fighting game, and it does so amazingly. Mm-hmm. Sephiroth is an entire archetype of a character done beautifully. Okay. All right. Yeah, that was my full whole argument with Terry, so that's fine. Right, I want to just bump him up to the number three place. Okay. Okay. That's all, okay, because Sephiroth, people still agree with Sephiroth is amazing, too. Yeah, yeah, okay. Uh, Ike, no disagreement on his placements. Uh, a couple people got salty about, like, <laughs> not salty, but like, completely dis- disagreed with, like, me saying, like, oh, he's one of the faces of the franchise. I think I said the face of the franchise, which, you know what, I can still make arguments for. The fact that his game didn't almost kill the franchise is up to Nintendo's marketing. That was the middle of the Wii marketing, like, appealing to the casual market, and Fire Emblem was just not that. Yeah. That is what killed the franchise. If they had, like, tied Radiant Dawn to Ike better, I I guarantee it would have sold so much better. And if they ever remake his games, they will sell like hotcakes. Agreed. Yeah. Either way, still a great character. We like Ike. Still an A tier. Yeah. Uh, Same with Pokemon Trainer. A lot of people talking about different ways the trainer could happen, but everyone is in agreement. This is an awesome character. Awesome. I agree entirely. Uh, Diddy Kong... Uh, I saw you had a description with uh, a discussion with Serious People Studios about Diddy Kong. Yes. Uh, I I feel like you got to the meat of that. I'll just put the comment on screen and your response to it. Perfect. Uh, there was ar- one argument with Jamester, uh, who doesn't get our problems with Diddy. Uh, we point out that Diddy's arc is about him trying to prove himself, and this is true in DKC2. But s- since then, Diddy has rescued Donkey Kong. DKC2 is widely agreed to be the best game in the series. Since the end of the game, Diddy, Diddy gets to sit sit amongst the Nintendo's greatest heroes. Diddy's had his own spin-off game. He's in Mario Kart before any other DK character, and he's in Smash Brothers. Jamester makes tries is making the argument that Diddy doesn't need to prove himself anymore. He has been a certified rock star, and even the DK rap portrays him as one. He, he can arguably be considered a bad psychic because he often outshines Donkey Kong. Yeah. And he argues that as he is in Smash Brothers, this is a character that, let, that has let his stardom go to his head and he ends up getting imprisoned because of this in DKC3 and DK64. You're completely correct. Uh, he does argue that he should be made, like he has him in D tier. He should make him more high risk, high reward daredevil, but he does have things like that. He does like have the barrels, things the- like that, but again, going off of my previous response, the issue is that Diddy's game plan is completely safe. It revolves revolves around around the banana, the banana and staying in place. And Diddy's whole thing through DKC2 is his momentum. Even little things like in DK64, where he thinks he's a rock star and he kills a little dragonfly. and It's like, ha ha ha. And then Dogadon, a giant dragonfly who's the size of a dragon, shows up and roars at him. And he goes, oh, shit. (laughs) Yeah, I, I, I still have the same thoughts I do about Diddy. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I've played DKC2 and DC, DKC3 at this point. Like, I, I, I see where you're coming from, Jamester, but I still feel like the, the banana kills the entire playstyle. Any kind of just reckless daredevil you could get from that, it, it's a linchpin that ru- ruins the rest of it. Mm-hmm. And that's on top of the monkey replacing his actual personality. Yes. Like, I, I, I'd still keep him where he is. I just wanted to give credit to the argument. Because I, 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 I thought it was an interesting take, but... 
I, I still don't agree. Likewise, I appreciate it, but I have strong thoughts on Diddy. Uh, Lucas, finally. Uh, obvious change. We got so many comments, which I'm not gonna, I'm just gonna throw on screen. Yeah. Uh, Lucas's main attacks are PK Love. That hexagonal shape are the exact same thing. Did not know that, never played the games, but it is, he does use PK Love as his main attacks. I think that automatically bumps him up to B tier at least. Oh, absolutely. Like, that's the most no-brainer. Oh, well, duh. The fact that his up smash is the needle pull and I never got that was like, oh, I'm an idiot. No, big dummy me for that. That's and so I, strong and so good. Yeah, and I still, I, I do want to comment on one. Uh, I don't, I don't think, oh, my, it's a spoiler is the thing. Basing his moveset off of Ness, where having him hit himself with PK Thunder is kind of offensive based on certain things oh, that happen oh, in the that, story. Based yes. on what happens when you get <laughs> yes. hit. Yes. <laughs> That's the best comment we got. Oh, yeah. It doesn't change my opinion. I'm not going to nuke him down because of that, but that's so funny. Oh, that's so good. <laughs> uh. But yeah, he's he's a solid B tier. What yeah, would make him definitely. A or above for me would be uh, just emphasize little things to do his connections. Because right now his grabs are Duster and uh, his specials are Kumatora. Make his tilts bony. Yeah, something like that. And then I think just, just got a comment on that too, just saying that like I could have bony in it. Yeah, and or and just for PK Starstorm, if they hugged before or after it. Yeah, like it. We talked that like he has a very good like get off me kind of moveset to like mirror how just his how depressing Mother Three is. Right. His character is intact, and even though he doesn't use his moves, it does still feel like Lucas. Based yeah, on what I understand of who Lucas is. Yes. Man, I didn't grab that character. I, 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 there was a comment talking about, like, including Boney more as well. I'll, I'll try to find that and put it on screen. But, like, right. like yeah, he, he could be better, but I, I'm, I'm kind of looking at the, um, I'm also looking at Cloud right now. Yeah. Yeah. I think I'd put him above him. You know, I think I'd agree. I think with like, our new revelation, I would. I, I, I will always still prefer, like, characters using what is based on them over taking things from other characters if they have things to take from. Right. But but the more I've learned about mo the Mother series and how close those bonds, that t the bonds that tie are, I, I think of all series, Mother does make the most sense to have, like, be referencing other characters throughout their movesets. Because you can't exactly, like, have them. Although I do still like the summon idea we had more. Yeah. And, like, his friends could die by doing that just to, just yeah. to pound down on the depression too. <laughs> But as he has now, like, he's still pretty good. Like, you've opened her eyes. Definitely. Yes. Definitely a high B tier. Thank you for that correction so much. And it wouldn't be hard to get him up into A tier either. Yeah. He's, he is on the cusp of being on A. He is a good boy. Uh, Sonic is next. Uh, Sonic, um, once again, design dorks featuring Jamester. Mm -hmm. um, I'm not going to read the whole thing, but the idea of uh, Sonic being this super fast, like, Momentum-based character is the vibe of Sonic, but how Sonic games actually work is almost always the exact opposite. Because Sonic, it's so hard to make a game that just is constant forward momentum, so Sonic games always, like, sparse that out with, um, like, boss fights are always about avoiding the boss's attacks until they expose a weak point, and then the, he rushes in to punish the boss, which is exactly how he works in Smash Brothers. Now, I disagree with that. Like, for some bosses, yes. 
But like, take Sonic Adventure 2's Sonic bosses. You have um, Bigfoot, where you can jump on boxes and skip cycles to go faster. You have uh, the Egg Golem, where you can wait for him, but you can just platform up his back and do it faster. And you have the Shadow Fights, where you can wait for him to do an opening, or you can force your own. I agree, I agree. Uh, also, just something that Jamester said, that's on my... It actually makes the point that his moves looking so samey is what enables aggressive play. It's just that people play him campy, because you don't quite know what he's doing, which lets him mix you up in a lot of ways. I can see where that's coming from, but I still feel like it's a failure of design when compared to, like, embodying the aggressiveness in other ways, because this is a case of where he's aggressive because he's unreadable, and I don't think that's good. I agree. And the fact of the matter is, Ultimate is such a strong game with animation and expressing character personality through animation. And Sonic is severely lacking, especially compared to characters similar to him in archetypes and the more cartoony bits. Agreed, agreed. Uh, on, on that note, Master Sonic complains that, just to double down on just the bad side of Sonic... He expresses no emotion in Smash at all. He's one of the only characters that has actively destroyed their taunts as the games have progressed. I mean, you're correct. Like, uh, so much of this character has been broken down from then, and from, um... I, I remember we were talking about Sonic being like a Sonic the Fighters interpretation of the character. Mm-hmm. Uh, King1216 points out that he also fails at doing that? Oh, that's fun. Oh, I remember that. Oh, yeah! <laughs> I don't know if you remember that comic, but in the, oh, I in do Sonic now. the Fighters, yeah, I'll, I'll put it on comments so I don't have to read it out, but like, how Sonic functions in Smash Brothers isn't even a reference to what he was designed off of. Oh, oh yeah, oh, you got me there. Oh, this guy, this guy gets it. Yeah, shout out to King1216, that's also a very good comment. Uh, I, d- does that nuke him down any further? I don't feel like he can physically drop into F tier, because who Sonic is, just he can't get to that point, and he does still function as a fighting game character. Sonic is one of the few characters who I think is bigger than Smash Brothers. Yes. In ways that, like, I, Mega Man and Wario are not. I, I think Sonic is as low as he can be. Like, yeah, this, the moveset is so bad. Mm-hmm. But, like, as soon as you put Sonic into the game, like it, it's Sonic. <laughs> Yeah, you got it. It's it's Sonic. Y- did you get it? No, but you got it. Like I I I dislike Sonic's moveset more than Mega Man's, but Sonic I I, I don't think I can physically put him underneath Mega Man. Mm-hmm. I I feel like Sonic is like, does he go fast? Does he have the right sound design outside of his voice clips? You got it. Yeah, and once you get those few pieces, like doesn't matter how bad everything else is. Yes. It, it, it still works. So much less has to be done to do Sonic good. Agreed. So I'm keeping him in the same place. Yeah, same. Respect the arguments, but nah. Uh, DDD. We got, I got so, I got defenses for DDD and I'm so happy to see them. Oh, good. Um, uh, one very simple one that's uh, Absolute Gamer, just a very simple comment that put to words something I was struggling to. Mm-hmm. DDD, above all, makes you feel like you were playing as DDD. And it's fun, and that's what matters. Yeah. 
Because he's absolutely a character that would... Like, he's a Kirby boss, often an early game boss. So it makes sense for him to rely on just one Gordo-like move. He's a character that can absolutely 100% respect having a linchpin to his game design. Because the, the, the guy's a little stupid. He'd be like, yeah, what, what, look at my grand invention. It is a Gordo, and I will defeat you with this Gordo. Okay, okay, weird voice for him, but okay. I, I, I don't know why I picked that voice. I, I, I had a mental image of just, like, characters that's... Well, I, I was picturing Eggman in my head, and I tried to, like, get a middle ground between those subconsciously, and it just did <laughs> not work. Mm-hmm. Uh, we, we talked about him, like, possibly having more, but I, I feel like DDD's a character that benefits from simplicity, and, and I'm saying this as a DDD main. Because, like, yes, he suffers in a fighting game so much because of the... The combination of his weight and his floatiness just makes him so easy to combo, but he's also a Kirby boss, and that makes sense. On one and hand... he has some extremely powerful tools that allow him to, like, get around that. Like, he's one of the best ledge trappers in the entire game with the Gordos. He is. He is. On the other hand, I'm going to, um... I'm going to bring in the but recent Kirby, though, argument. Because DDD feels so good to control in Star Allies. Uh, like, uh, I think I believe I said that uh, Super DD Jump is a charge move, and doing it as a charge move makes it invincible. And that feels yeah. really good and really strong. Uh, the extra effort that he gives during his masked DDD fights that just isn't present in his Smash incarnation. Just, it doesn't sell the fact that DDD really is this incredibly powerful being. Like, lest we forget, he beat Dark Meta Knight and then destroyed the entire mirror dimension by getting really mad at it and hitting it with a hammer. <laughs> like, he's really, really powerful. It's just that he's a doofus. I'd give some credit to his power. Like, he has some very powerful attacks. Oh, he does, but... Like, he has one of the easiest shield breaks on his forward smash ever. He does, but, like, that forward smash never feels good to use. I would. Oh, I would disagree with that entirely. I love that move. Especially when you get the multi-hit that just completely breaks shields regardless of charge. Because for some reason that works with the move, if you space it exactly right. Oh, with the, with the shockwave and has, whatnot? Yeah. Yeah. He has one of the best feeling dash attacks to use in the entire game. It hits so hard, and it's it's so funny to ledge trap with that move. Oh, I agree with that. Uh, the the uh, I can't remember what it's the rocket hammer. Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, bit uninspired, but it does kind of sell that power of like, oh yeah, I can kill you in one hit with this. I just need to hit you. It is such a great intimidation tactic, especially with characters with counters. I love using that, and when people try to counter it and just waiting for them to counter, sometimes they just hit you, but then <laughs> most people can't resist, like, oh, I could kill him instantly if I counter this. Yeah. I just think that the game mechanics hold back the idea of him. I, I don't know if I agree with that. Because he has, like, ma- maybe this is just me not playing very competitively with people. Because I, I definitely don't enjoy playing DDD on, like, set for glory. I, I haven't, I, I, I can't even remember what regular online play on Smash Ultimate's called. I it's don't know. For glory's, for glory's too embedded in my head. Yeah, I don't know. It, it's the GSP nightmare minds. I, I, I don't feel need to um quote specific comments because there, there's not much to quote. It, it, it's basically boiling down to just DD is good. He feels fun to play as. Also, I, I remember us, um, what we were talking about is just that he just uses hammer swings. Mm-hmm. A, lot, a lot of people took umbrage on that because there's a lot of characters like just use sword swings. 
And and DDD's hammer feels so good to land on like every single swing. The sound design is fantastic. I I agree, but on on the other hand, like DDD has more than just hammer swings, whereas say Marth does not have more than just sword swings. Uh, I'm going to make a comparison to Kirby then, because Kirby has access to an almost infinite amount of things he could do, but his inherent simplicity is what makes him shine so strongly. I, I feel like that's kind of mirrored in DDD. Like, he he could absolutely have room to be a more complex character. I, I feel like just being able to, like, choose whether to throw a Gordo Waddle Dee or Waddle Doo would mm-hmm. just give him some interesting side elements to the moveset, and, like, I, I'd bump him up to S tier at that point. Just, mm-hmm. just, just to have that reference, but I feel like as he's, I, I, what I'm trying to say is I'm trying to bump him up into low A tier. <laughs> <laughs> okay, sell me on him over Mario. Uh, over Mario, sure, sure. Uh, Mario is held back from uh, being any higher because of his personality. Like everything else is fantastic, but Mario's just, com- just angry. Mario is just pissed. Grumpiness. Doesn't feel like... Uh, we'll get to this comment later, but I loved somebody wording it as, he needs more bing bing wahoo. <laughs> yes. And it's just not there. DDD, however, again, you feel like DDD. If you want to feel like DDD, you pick DDD. Just this goofball that is just swing really powerful hits any way you feel. He's so clumsy. If you want to feel like just an absolute dork... He's the perfect character to play as. Well, Luigi's right there, but yes. No, DDD, Luigi has this weird, like, grappler combo game. If you just want to turn your brain off, DDD is the perfect character. You throw out a Gordo, you force the other person to think. Well, well yes, but, but you, you said don't dork. have to. Okay, true. Yeah, true, true. I don't know. I, 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 what really sells me on DDD is I feel like the Gordo is one of the best implementations of. Yeah, it doesn't make him the best boss fight design in Smash Other World because that's King K. Rule without a doubt. Mm-hmm. But the Gordo is one of the best like individual mechanics brought in from a boss design because it's literally the boss giving you the tool to kill him. Okay, under and Falco. It's, it's, yes, I am so happy with that. She's just a lovable goofball. And I love that Gordo forces people to, just to double down on that, he, DDD makes other people think for him. You, you don't have to plan around the Gordo, you just have to toss it out, and it scares people. Well, looks like you're the one being Gord, sire. Alright, DDD's an A tier and Robin's in B tier, this is going so well for me. <laughs> <laughs> That's fine, Wario's still an F, I'm good. <laughs> um, Olimar was next, uh... Ditto Master had a fantastic comment ragging on him further, but you can't exactly jump, drop him down any farther than he already is. Olimar is the worst character design in this game. He is! Uh, Lucario follows? We can put Alf above Olimar if you want. <laughs> I, I'd put... Uh, p- poor Alf! I don't I know, know if I'd even do that. <laughs> but just to give Olimar one more spot to fall down? <laughs> uh, we do have a few defenses for Lucario. Okay. Uh, Kyle the Reflectionist is somebody that enjoys the character, and feels like that we were talking about Lucario as if it was still Smash 4 Lucario. Um, in Ultimate, he starts feeling like a character, according to them, about around 25%, which is still not perfect. But once you get to that point, there's really nothing like it. Outmaneuvering your opponents, extreme speed into a wall clean, and jump off it to get the element of surprise. Pretend to zone with Aura Sphere for a while while you remind your opponents why they should never get close to you with Force Palm. And since they added the mechanic where you have an Aura Boost when behind on stocks, at least you'll never have moments of being completely powerless when you need- I didn't know that! 
I read this comment before, but I completely zone over that. I didn't oh. know there was like there's a Sephiroth thing going on with him. Oh. And then Jamester just wants to defend like the uh, kind of talking about how Lucario could be better, make it more of a finite resource uh, compared to Nova from MVC three. Oh, okay, yeah, I can see that. Just wants to defend the character that normals work for what they're supposed to be. It's the closest we're ever going to get to Goku in Smash, and for that kind of archetype, it's really the only thing like it. Because there is an, a, I've, I've rarely played the character, and I'm, I'm the comment about him us talking about the Smash Four Lucario kind of had me pause because I don't know if I've played Lucario since Smash Four. <laughs> no, I've I've played him in Ultimate. Nah, he um, while I can see that i feel like you would have to know lucario's nuance for that to apply i i hate to be the one helpful unhelpful commenter on a tech form but works for me (laughs) um but i i still think there's so much of lucario that is left on the table here and just the core of his moveset isn't all that functional and isn't all that enjoyable. I would be willing to bump him up to low D tier just because the what his baseline moveset is, is unique. Like he's not the mute to copycat anymore. He's got like a ton of weird movement options. Just from what I've seen of competitive Lucario's, the few that there are. There's only with the force, with the, um, is it force? I think it's force. Whatever. Force, force the, bomb is the side B. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the weird things you can do with extreme speed are very, very cool. While I agree, I feel like that's two moves that are cool, and then a charge shot knockoff. And then the well, rest of his kit is there. I- I'd throw in a few others. Like, his back air can be a great thing to surprise people with. Um, I-, I don't know if there's any individual moves that should be praised. It's more the general feel of the character itself. Being the, um, uh, being the Goku knockoff. <laughs> Bro, if Goku played like this, I'd hate Goku. I would as well. But it, it gets that fighting style into the game. I, I, I'd still want him, like, low D tier. I'm just looking at, like, I want his gimmick changed and improved on, but I think that a lot of the same moves could still work. I still think uh, it's so, only, I, like, three or four, and then tweak the gimmick. Otherwise, I think that you need to make this something of a more dynamic fighter. Like, I don't know, maybe his moves give him more movement when he moves. Maybe he gets the bone club and it gets longer, power pull extend, to make it more Goku if he has more aura. Oh, oh yeah, like it, I still think it's a bad character design with room to grow. Like, the, um, the Project M version of him is pretty great. Has a lot of those different, um, there's really quick zipping around, um, like a very mini extreme speed that he has. That allows him to just dart around really quick, and that's awesome. I love that move. I I think my issue is that he has extreme speed, and he has really unique aerial options, and then so much of his animations and his movements are slow and methodical, and have been sped up. Like, compare all of his zippy moves, and then compare it to uh, Double Team. Yeah, he, he does kind of feel a bit of a mess in that regard. I didn't think of it that way. Yeah. It's that there are two or three moves that I really like using with Lucario, and then the rest of his kit. I think the rest of his kit is just bland, though. I think it's bland, and it's also counter to those moves. Yes. And that, to me, is you give him a full animation overhaul. Okay, yeah, if we're we're talking in animation steam as well, I, I could see him staying in the same place. For an animation sense, for just a sense of his identity, basically. If you like the gimmick 
and like the idea and like those couple of moves, then I agree that that could be exceptional. But it's just latching onto those. I'd like everything else to be destroyed and build off of those. My my, my only just thing that's stopping me is just in the in the in Kyle's comments, just the um, describes the flow of the character and just just having that weird splice between those two things. I, I could see the value in the character. To a point that I might want to keep that flow, just because that flow doesn't exist anywhere else on the roster. Now, I disagree, because Meta Knight's there. Oh, he plays nothing like Meta Knight. He doesn't, but Meta Knight has a flow of fast, 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 and then slow. With the uh, forward smash, you get that hesitation. I, I, I'm i trying to think of a... Lucario, from what I'm trying to understand, is more of just kind of a waiting-for-the-moment-to-strike sort of deal. Uh, what what I, I have a mental image in my head of someone extreme speeding to a wall, somebody trying to punish them for trying to extreme speed over it, and then wall jumping up and then back airing them and killing them instantly. Like, there's not really a character that can do stuff like that. Sonic. Yeah, uh, not not to that power level. Not to the power level, but Sonic. I wouldn't want to keep Sonic. Well, y- yeah, yeah. Uh, Diddy when he recovers with rocket barrels. True, true. I, I do, uh, I'll, I'll throw this out as the, like, bone. I think individual elements of Lucario's kit score higher on this tier list, but when stuck with Lucario itself, the whole package would stay where it is. I I agree. I agree. And it's not like he has personality to drag him higher, right? Yeah. <laughs> okay, um, Rob was next. Uh, a few people mentioned him emoting more. Uh, some argued he's A tier over an S tier. Uh, but he's my golden child, and I will happily defend his placements. Yeah, like, I feel that that's a matter of personal preference. It's just the amount that Smash has done for him to celebrate him as a good boy is incredible. I would like to see um, if his eyes functioned like queens do in Deltarune. Give him a lot more eye things. You just like queen. I, that, that is true, but I still think it would benefit Rob. Yeah, but it's you not just like want that, that, that for every robot level. that has, like, a little screen. This is also true, but that's because it would make them better. You're correct. But, like, you're you're going to watch Wally, and you're going to look there and look at Eve and be like, she'd be a lot better if she was more like Queen. <laughs> yes, but I, I still want to keep Rob where he is. Same. Cool. Uh, Toon Link, surprise, surprise. Everyone still thinks he's lacking potential. Um, We can just skip that. He's still... Yep. Just like, he's not offensive, but just like, come on. Yeah, please, please. And then uh, for Wolf, Spacey's are indeed great. The comments agree. We can skip that one as well. Woo! Nice. Now we move on to Smash 64 with Mario. Woohoo! Uh, as I said, I want to get to that comment first. Um, Which one was it? Copy and paste Kevin says, in short, Mario needs to be more bing bing wahoo. Oh, that's a pretty good. I just love that way of describing it. And it was a sentiment represent, um, repeated by a lot of people. Uh, basically, um, I'll throw on from Dextro as well, that Mario should have something like hidden complexity, like him being able to wall jump out of up special, or being able to aim flood down to hover or something. Just something that wouldn't break his kind of tutorial nature, but to just embody the joy of his... Um, of his mo- movement in Mario games. It's so interesting because I agree, but that's also almost entirely exclusive to 3D Mario games. Um, 
I'd say there's a couple of cool things you can do in the 2D ones, but for the most part, I do agree. Mm-hmm. Like, you can do it in New Soup, but that's New Soup. Uh, spin Jump's what I'm thinking of right now. Like, Spin oh, Jump uh, being missing. Yeah. yeah. Like, if you did the down there in just the right time, and it actually bounced you off of them. So, like, something like that. Yeah, that'd be fun. There, there were a lot of comments around Marth, just like, I think... He's one of the most polarized characters out there because people feel like he, sh- he should represent so many different things. So there's always people like, oh, you should have more of the RPG stuff or, or you should have this from from Galaxy, from Odyssey, from this and this and this and this and this and this. Mm-hmm. Uh, like we said in that episode, definitely a custom move defense. <laughs> yes. For why those things should still be around. Yes. Also, you called him Marth. My gosh. I, I was reading a comment <laughs> with Marth. That's why that <laughs> happened. Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, I, I do want to say something real quick. Um, it was from Jamester talking about asking why everyone gets on his case for looking so mad in Smash. Because, like, he's in a fighting game where he's punched, kicked, stabbed, shot, burned, blown up, and never even killed in it. And True. I argue that, yeah, fair point, but I think it's a a much lesser case of what happened with Wario, where mm-hmm. it feels like there's an aspect of the character that just isn't there. Yeah, like, true, but have you considered so is everyone else? And they're still happy-go-lucky as everything. Like, Peach isn't like, oh shit, my dress, fuck, damn it. <laughs> Broke a goddamn nail, Bowser, you prick. <laughs> yeah, Mar- Mario, I-, 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 I want to feel a similar level of joy from Mario that you can get from Mario games. Yes. Because that's the thing, Mario is always Captain Optimism, the courage and bravery to take on everything with a smile. Exactly. And now he's fucking pissed. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we, we've kind of alluded to earlier in the recording, but I think he's exactly where he needs to be. Like, yeah. his gameplay is so good, but it's the personality missing that keeps him out of A tier. Agreed. Uh, we had some defenses for Donkey Kong. I like that. those. You got DDD up a tier, I get DK up a tier. Let's hear them. You know what? I, I might actually agree with that. So, um, going over these, I had two. Uh, this one is from TJ Henry Yoshi. Um, good friend, good friend. It feels like DK deserves to be above Mario for many of the same reasons that Mario is where he is. Not correct, but okay. He represents his okay. character well enough at a surface level, represents an archetype that feels extremely natural to him, and above all else, like Mario, he's extremely fun. More so than even Mario, as there are plenty of people who don't particularly like Mario, but then in comparison, you'll be hard-pressed to find one who doesn't love playing DK, in the same way that you guys mentioned that Mario doesn't need his power-ups and other references. I would argue the same thing for DK. Could it be better? Absolutely. But just as Mario is the Shoto of Smash Brothers, DK feels like the definitive grappler that defines the boundary of being a heavyweight. I don't know how many of the references you guys mentioned could be introduced in a way that doesn't conflict with the same archetype that he represents. So, I have two problems with that. As, like we said at the beginning, fun is entirely subjective and you can't really quantify it. Mm-hmm. That said, you are correct. DK is perfect, but moving on. And also, as a... I, I feel like... The definitive grappler in Smash comes with inherent problems, because grapplers in Smash do not work as well. We talked about this with Incineroar. Yeah, I wouldn't even call DK the premier grappler. I would call him a character who has grapple options, I guess. Yeah, I don't feel like he embodies that nearly as much. Mm Mm-hmm. Like, if you want to compare him to a traditional grappler like Zangief, then uh, Zangief has the inherent ability to, if he gets close to you, oh no, the game is over. If DK gets a grab on you, it's only ever been true in one game that, oh no, the game is over. If I'm towards the top of the stage, 
and at a certain percentage range. And you're right, it sucked. Like, DK does not have the presence that is inherent to a grappler. He doesn't have the risk of, I cannot let this man touch me in the way that he wants to. Yeah, and he kind of... I I can't say he kind of suffers for it, because I got DDD up its here while ignoring that. Mm -hmm. Because I I don't feel like it's an inherent knock against the character. Because, like, some characters do struggle in some matchups. That's just a natural of having a roster this big. Yeah, frankly, I prefer the kind of grappler he is to if he were a better pure grappler, because I think stage spikes are really fun. Yeah. It's literally just you going vibe check to someone and seeing if they live. 100%, 100%. Uh, I also have a comment from Jamester again. Uh, DK is the power fantasy of being big monkey and I love it. He's the character I turn my brain off and go full Ungabunga. I go as far as to say that I think there's something almost spiritual about playing DK. Yeah. To play the big dumb horny gorilla, you must become the big dumb horny gorilla. Also, I as the Zangief of Smash. <laughs> mm. Go ahead. Go oh ahead. wow, you said like three things that I disagree with. First off, DK is not horny. Second off, he is not Zangief. Third off, he is not horny. <laughs> Unless you're talking about the cartoon. In that case, he is only horny sometimes, and other times he's like, Man, Candy could be blasting me right now, but the game is on. <laughs> and that that's the true personification of DK's. Exactly. For me. I was dreaming of the world's biggest banana tree. That's it. Hey. Uh, Jameser talks about having rewatched the old DK video that we made. Mm-hmm. And be surprised by how well the problems that were presented aren't really there. DK's personality as a layabout is subtle. Have you ever noticed the big punch is one of the five moves that he actually uses a fist to hit you? Yes. I think we actually discussed that in both the video and the episode. Why, yes. That, like, he has these good elements to him. He's got, he's got the low-effort swipes and swats, the claps. He also flexes a bit in his moveset, which Jamester points out, which, the fair point, gets that bodybuilder hobby of his across. Mm-hmm. Um, wants to give credit to, uh, while DK doesn't use a barrel in his movesets, um, Congo Hold, Cargo Hold, sorry, essentially turns people into the barrels. That's not how he carries barrels, that's how he carries Pauline, but okay. It's just kind of like, okay, yeah, kind of, but, uh, he also doesn't mind the more realistic approach to his character design, as it leads into something similar as the original Donkey Kong Country games. I don't know if I'd agree with that. Having just played them? Mm-hmm. Like, he, he's subtler, but, like, where's his dance, then? He yeah. victory dance. His victory dance, or, like, when he beats up Cranky Kong and then dances? Oh, gosh, you haven't seen uh, DKC's en- DKC1's ending, where Diddy and DK just mess with each other and do slapstick for, like, a minute. I, I, I want him to have a victory animation where he's just sunbathing, like when he gets ken- kidnapped you for get DKC2. It. You get yeah. it. Yeah. I, I do see where Jamester is coming from here. Like, he, he certainly doesn't like his current voice in Returns. He sounds stupid and not in a particularly endearing way, which I do agree with. And I don't mind him, like, making mon- monkey noises, as he says. Mm-hmm. But that shouldn't be his personality. Animals can have personality, and I wish they conveyed that in more subtle. Like, he's agreeing with us at this point. Right. He just thinks there's a nice balance that doesn't require a full-on voice, which I do agree with. But I feel like a voice is the simplest solution to, like, get them to be like, no, actually acknowledge this part of his character right like i understand that we're not going to get grant kirkhope donkey kong in smash brothers as much as i want it despite us getting the proper banjo but 
Never say never. Maybe the reboot, but... God, I would hope so. Just hire Grant Kirkhope as a mercenary to do DK voice lines. Do it beforehand and have him just send them to in a flash drive. Just like, hey, if you want to feel like you want to use this, just go ahead. Why would you pass up free stuff like that? I mean, they passed up Daykong Pilot, but that's another story anyway. Yeah. (sighs) But yeah, these comments are kind of getting me to think more... Yes, the missing parts of DK's personality do bug me a lot, Mm -hmm. but it's not as egregious as some of the other characters out there. Like, I feel Donkey Kong captures his personality more than, like, other characters like Pit, for example. And that's despite being animalistic and dumbed down. Yes, he does have elements of that. It's just a matter of, but more, though. And, but clearly, please? And I I think it's the fact that as a package with Diddy, specifically, who is very monkey, that it makes him appear worse by association. And then you compare it to King K. Rule, who is significantly better. It's like, oh yes, Donkey Kong is being subtle. What's K. Rule doing? Oh! Everything! (laughs) Oh, well, okay then. Like, like K-, K-, K rules literally only held back by Donkey Kong. He's still good because he's th- now mirroring Donkey Kong. Yeah, like, he could be even better, but then Donkey Kong would look even worse. Mm-hmm. Like if you compare the K rule clap and the DK clap, which one is giving you more of their personality? Exactly. Like DK's got this like weird grunt along with it. Mm-hmm. He doesn't. He doesn't like seem like oh he's clapping for fun. He's clapping because like he's angry. Yes. You never get the playfulness in the claps and swipes of the animations. He, he's still he's still trying to fight. Yes. That said, I would be down to like move him up to like somewhere in the C tier. I'm not going to say no. Well, I f- I feel like you have to because like you're you're the more aficionado of his moveset. No, I love yeah, but like also I've played the man for twenty years. Like there's something that drew me to him, and that's that he's Donkey Kong. And, like, is he completely Donkey Kong? No, but he's still Donkey Kong. How do you feel about him compared to Yoshi? I actually just dragged him above Yoshi. Perfect. Just to kind of think about it. Because that, that feels kind of right. I, I feel I feel something positive towards Donkey Kong. Whereas Yoshi, I'm just kind of ambivalent on entirely. Yeah. And, like, Yoshi doesn't fully represent his games, but sort of a facsimile of them. DK is basically the same thing, but... A little bit worse in personality and significantly more fun. Yeah. And then I wouldn't put him above Bayonetta because she yeah, she captures a lot of it. It's just that she's not doing enough. Right. Yeah, mid-C tier, mm-hmm. I think it down for. And I, I do feel that he does need a barrel cannon. Yes, absolutely. 100%. I'm not you make arguments for the barrels. Thing, yeah, I'm not a proponent that he needs the barrel throw because post- DK Arcade, he actually rarely uses barrels. They're more of an incidental and a power-up. I mean, he still tosses them all the time in the games. Like, you find them constantly. It's like, what the other Animal Friends are in. He does, Sorry, but... Sorry, not, not it, Animal Friends. It's it's more DKC 2 and 3 than DKC 1, honestly. Oh, so just the only ones I've played. Yeah. <laughs> the one that actually has DK in it probably has the least necessary barrel tossing. I, I do still feel like it should be a reference somewhere. Like, maybe even just a victory animation. No, it should be the final smash. You, you should get up onto the onto the, the whole thing and throw barrels down. I think that's the final smash in, like, Smash Flash or something yeah, like that. Yeah, I'm, I'm not a fan of that one. Uh, my solution is 
uh, have him have a, a command throw that is he shoves you in a barrel and then he throws it. Oh, right, it. yeah, that, that's what yeah. we put in the, that's what put in yeah. the video. And yeah, I, I like that. It's kind of a best of both worlds, because he doesn't get a projectile he can spam, and it still keeps the command grab element of it. So yeah. you have to, like, set up the barrel first. Yeah. Because you, you don't need big punch. Like, that's just a smash attack. Mm-hmm. If, if you want, make it the opening to his final smash. Yeah, something like that. I, I, I still prefer our take from the video. Of moon? Yes. Yes. <laughs> but, like, he punched you into the moon, and then he punched the moon. <laughs> just punches you and then jumps up and punches it back i love that exactly that'd be amazing okay yeah but i i, I can get up with a i can down for the upwards my because he does feel better than a lot of those other d tier characters yeah ah oh my life is so good now yeah there we got we got both our favorites up tier life is good oh oh i'm so happy oh Okay, uh, Link was next. Most people generally agreed that, um, a lot of people were talking about, like, how he could be better. Mm -hmm. But most agreed that he was, like, where he should be. Uh, I got a comment from Jacob P. talking about how, um, his entire moveset other than his bombs is just bland sword swings or kicks that any character could have. And while true, I think this is another case where... The moveset having a linchpin is fine, because everything else in Link's kit enables his bombs. Yeah, I Like, the reason I the bombs agree. are so versatile is because he can just use those symbol slashes to send them in all sorts of different directions. Mm -hmm. And frankly, I feel that that fits Link better, because in almost every incarnation, he is an inexperienced swordsman. He just has the courage to delve into dungeons and make the best of it. Like, it being simple and it being just very straightforward swordplay is very reflective of him. The only thing that is different is, unfortunately, Breath of the Wild, where he is actually propped up and is skilled swordsman. But... He's also got amnesia has been sleeping for a hundred years. Yeah. In that game, he feels clunky. Like, I feel that having the basics be basic with Link just makes perfect sense. Yeah. And I, I do agree with a lot of the people saying that he could be better. Like, there's so much to pull from, from Zelda, obviously. Right. And, like, I, I, I definitely feel like he should have at least a shield bash somewhere. Like, that, that feels just weird to me. I agree. But the fact is, he could be better. He could also be so much worse. Yeah, he, and he has been significantly worse. Mm -hmm. Like, wh where he is now, it still captures that feeling of just utilizing items to, like, get around opponents and, like, really embody the creativity of Breath of the Wild. Yes. I, I'm just, I'm still okay with where he's at right now. I am too. I, a lot of these characters we've been measuring off of how good they could be, mm -hmm. but he doesn't necessarily need to be better. He's just got potential. Yeah, he's very, very good, and that's about it. I think that if you changed him, he would still be relatively in the same place. Like, it would take a lot of work to get him into S tier from this yes. point. Yes, yes. All right, after Link, uh, Samus and Dark Samus. So I, I got a few comments around Samus arguing that she's not that bad, and I think I'd even agree with them if it was in a vacuum. Like, if I was just considering Samus as just who she is, that may, like, may be like a low, low D tier, something like that. Are you but I Really? I, well, no, no, it would be E tier. It'd be E tier. Yeah, but, that's, that's what I was saying. <laughs> yeah. So I was reading a comment at the same time. <laughs> oh, I'm sitting here going like, yeah, but her signature move is fundamentally wrong, though. 
all of her signature stuff is fundamentally wrong. Exactly. Uh, I still stand by the statement that if Samus was designed better, Metroid would be more popular. She is the most commonly known advertisement of the series, and she does so, so terribly. That alone would drop her down to F tier for me. Mm -hmm. But then Metroid Dread came out and just exemplified the problem even further. <laughs> I was going to say, so you want to drop her lower? Ah, uh, I, I, that, that put her beneath Wario. And I don't, I don't think she's as, well, hmm. So you want to drop her lower? <laughs> Maybe? Ah, I, I can still praise things about Wario. It's just that he's got one damning aspect of him, then missing a bunch of else. Sam All of Samus is bad. She's got surface-level references that just don't amount to anything. Yes. Because, like, a lot of people describe that, yeah, no, th this kind of works the same way. You still got that charge shot kind of mentality going on, looking for the right opportunity to use it. But it's not... No, sh That's she should not function true. pretty similarly to how Mega Man... We've been talking about how Mega Man should function. Mm-hmm. And frankly, that's not true. You have the charge shot. You release that thing. Like, if you need quick damage, you use the super missile. Yeah, and it's just, you're missing so much of the, of the variety of those games. So much of Metroid revolves around using the right ability for the right time, and you just don't have that. I, no, S Samus is still bad. Yeah, she suffers on her diagonals, very, very which she is very strong in in Metroid. Exactly. No, I, I wouldn't drop her beneath Wario, though. I, I, th I think that's... Because I, I don't think this actively damages how people see it. It just does absolutely nothing to help it. Well, well, no, because it kind of does. Because, like we talked about with Zero Suit Samus, like, she's such an afterthought in this game. It's been completely eclipsed when she takes off the helmet. Yeah. At least people can still recognize Wario. That The character love can still kind of exist there. Mm-hmm. There are elements of Wario that are true. Yes. They, they are badly represented a majority of the time. But sometimes a broken clock is correct. Samus is a clock that has no hands. Yeah. Uh, how would you feel about dropping her beneath Wario then? Uh, you care about Metroid a lot more than I do. So. I, I think I would. Because I, I think Wario's still alive with his current, with his real character. Well, I'm not going to say he's real. No, actually, I am going to see his, say his real character. Because this Smash version is the only time this particular incarnation appears. But, like, both his WarioWare incarnation and his, um, spin-off incarnation, it's no longer the Wario Land, but that still kind of appears in the spin-offs. So that's all still alive, and I think that still could exist in some way. God damn, Samus being the way she was has hurt her series so much. Yeah. I might keep Dark Samus, like, put Wario between them, because it's not Dark Samus's fault, it's just that she's an utter waste of a character. I am sure that Brawl Wario would enjoy being sandwiched between them. <laughs> Uh, well, maybe put Dark Samus, like, next to Daisy or something, because it doesn't like- no, 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 don't start with that, no, she's awful. Yeah, like, she has animations, but there's, like, the fact that Zero Suit Samus got in- Oh, I kind of want to drag Zero Suit Samus down now, because that could have been Dark Samus if they wanted another Metroid character. Ugh, no, I'm not going to, but still, that could have- Like, like you could have had some sort of corruption mechanic, you could have created Shadow Clones. Ugh, okay, nah, no, Dark Samus stays where she is. Yeah. There we go. Okay. Uh, next up is Yoshi, who uh, exists again. The comments are equally lukewarm, which was very surprising to me because I know a lot of people in my comment section really like Yoshi, which just kind of goes to show just how nothing of a character Yoshi is. It's so unfortunate 
Because, like, usually I'll think to myself, hey, I kind of like Yoshi. What if I play as him? And I play as him and I go, no. Like, it's, it's, I think you just, I think you described it perfectly when we made the episode. He feels like a power-up made a character. It's not the actual character embodying his games. Yes. But yeah, I, I, I he, he is the most middle-of-the-road character on this entire roster. I feel, I feel like he's exactly where he needs to be. Definitely. Yep. Okay. Kirby was a surprisingly controversial pick for us. I know. Like I said with, like I said with Meta Knight, this was one where that was almost split down the middle. Half the people really, really, really like him, and the other half absolutely hate him. Well, I wouldn't say they absolutely hate him, but they hate his well, design yeah, they don't because hate him, they, they hate love Kirby. Been... Yeah. Yeah. Like, let, let's get clear. Everyone loves Kirby here. Exactly. Exactly. I have both arguments to drop him down significantly, and I have arguments to up him into S tier. Uh, what should we start with? Um, let me hear the drops. The drops, okay. Uh, here, here's a good point. Uh, from uh, Dirk McGurk. Fantastic username, I love well it. Well done. Uh, about Kirby, there's one big issue that I have with their design, aside from other ones. <laughs> one, one thing I have, aside from other ones, and that's their nail. One issue, aside from everything else. Inhale just does not function like how anyone who's played a Kirby game would expect. You automatically eat smaller and weaker projectiles and are forced to spit out larger and stronger projectiles. In just about every main series game, you are able to inhale almost any projectile, item, block, or enemy, and carry them around before spitting them out. It's Kirby's primary way of means of attacking and move, and the move they've had since before copy abilities. Implemented accurately, it would let them have a unique counter to projectile-heavy characters. It would also follow the philosophy of the Kirby series, easy for beginners to understand while letting veterans advance and perfect it. I have a lot of disagreements with most of the other criticisms against Kirby, but I think this one is actually kind of valid. No, I... Inhale? Yes. I, I really feel like it should be more of a blanket, like, well, DDD, inhale it, spit it out. I agree with that. It's um, it's a very simple point that uh, is very poignant. It makes a lot of sense. And the fact that it was considered, because now you can eat a projectile and it heals you a little, but it leaves you vulnerable, is so odd, because that means it was thought about, but it wasn't altered in any way. Yeah, exactly. Um, here's another against it from Mr. Zygarde64. Uh, disagrees with Kirby. Feels like his over-reliance on kicks in his standard moves just makes him really boring. I think that a moveset where he uses- there's a lot of comments like this. Well, basically, wishing for a moveset where he uses the various copy abilities wor works. I- there was another comment by Doxero. Wishing for an ultimate Game & Watch treatment and have his moves reanimated to fit a copy ability while keeping them mechanically identical. Using the down there as a parasol twirl for an example. How do you feel about that? I'm going to disagree with that. Um, I do as well. I feel like that takes away from the joy of Inhale, and I feel like that makes those special abilities stand out less. I feel like Kirby is a character that should have some level of limitation to him. Like, he has infinite potential, but his base form is limited to, you know, soft, squishy round boy with infinite potential. I feel like differentiating that, I feel like adding too many tools to it, I feel like adding all of his copy abilities to it muddies it a bit. And I like just keeping it as just, no, this is Kirby using his base fighting moves. I like that suplexes are his grabs and also the ninja um, Izuna drop that he has. I like that most of his base moves are based around fighter, 
and his special moves remain special. I I, I agree. I agree. Uh, I'm going to read out a few more um, disagreeing ones just to kind of get a general... Yeah. I feel like these should be heard. Um, D-Bomb Ivy disagrees because um, the only base moves Kirby has is Inhale, Headbutt, Air Bullets, and Slide Kick, which half of those being missing does bug me a lot still. Slide I agree with strongly. Which is why most fans would be fine with all the made-up moves. But when you have someone one like Mega Man right next to it, who also copies his enemy's abilities, people who play the game start to stare. Which, uh, they, they say that we're surprised they didn't see the comparison, but like, we don't like Mega Man, so the comparison just like... Anyways. Yeah, Mega Man is direct without the soul, and without the yeah. application. And, and Kirby is all soul. Kirby is all soul, and he is the application of himself into a fighting game still. Uh, they ask why we feel that replacing some moves would make Kirby too complicated. It sounds like we're in love with the gimmick and cuteness of Kirby and not the character. I mm, Never accuse over, me of I that. Am reading, uh, I'm reading over this more, and it's kind of turning it into an us versus them, like what we, the Kirby fans, want. I, I, no, I don't like that. I, I, come on, don't, 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 don't spin arguments into, like, sides. That's not how you communicate online. Mm-hmm. But uh, I, I, I'm, just, just take the, um base um question if you replace all those moves kirby becomes an incredibly busy design like going back to the doc zero um idea for um just to make him co- turn into different copy abilities i think parasol could work just because it is it doesn't change kirby's hat at all it just has him grab one right that, that is the one thing i could see him like pulling out mm-hmm. but for the others like you're changing hats constantly and kirby would get a very uh, how, do, how do i put this well, well to its credit uh we do have Fireball, and that does have a hat, and Kirby does not wear the hat when he uses the fire ability in the game already. This is your, I, I want to go back to this. Going to be dead honest, that bugs me. I don't like it. I liked the Fireball? It when, yeah, I liked it when he had Yo-Yo more. The Yo-Yo uh, spread I, I, more. I did as well. Like, I'm, I'm still going to stand by the gist that Kirby is inherent simplicity that can be branched out in so many different directions. And I feel like that works better in Smash than trying to uh, staple on as many things as you possibly can. Agreed. Like, like, yes, he's missing a lot of references. This is, again, where I really, really wish he had custom moves. Like, if I could choose, like, to give him, like, Wheel for a side B, I would love that. Agreed. But I would never change his smash attacks ever. Yeah. As as much as it could theoretically work, I feel like it takes away from the value that Inhale does. Because one of the defenses towards Kirby from Agent Happy Potato is that their favorite part of Kirby is that every other character has to be designed around the fact that Kirby gets to yoink their neutral special. And in that sense, he's arguably a very complex design How in terms of how he informs the design of the rest of the roster. And Kirby is this fantastic design that lets him evolve based on whatever matchup he's in. There's nothing like that in the rest of the game. Yes, like, let's take the Parasol example with it. Okay, Kirby has more range. Now add Monado Arts to that. Yeah, and you wouldn't get that with another moveset. And that would become further complicated if his base moveset wasn't so simple. Because if you start getting, like, the crazier stuff in there, it becomes harder to balance out, like, being able to use all these different abilities. Yeah. I, I can definitely respect people wanting... I-, I will say that the fact that he's keeping all of his copy moves from just the early games is definitely a disservice to his history. Agreed. I feel like at some point, like, some of his specials should have changed to more recent copy abilities. Agreed. I, d- I definitely agree with people there. Mm-hmm. Just to throw them on the bone. There's kind of a... 
an attitude that Kirby is not showing off everything the series has done, which I 100% agree with, and it is a real problem that I hope is fixed in whatever Smash game comes next. Definitely. If there's one move that I feel like, no, you can change that, it's definitely up special. Like, side special as well, but Hammer Flip is important to Kirby's identity to an extent. and gives him a mirror with DDD, but Final Cutter can be any number of moves. Agreed, agreed. It's going through all the comments, and it's just, it's just, it's just kind of that same general attitude. Mm-hmm. Which I, th- I, I just want to double down that that frustration with how Kirby has been treated in Smash is 100% valid, but I don't think Kirby's design itself suffers much from that. It does a little bit... Like, if I could change, like, the side special to, like, the beetle toss, like, as a command grab, that'd be fantastic. I'd love to do that. Yeah, that'd be great. I would do anything for, like, Circus or the Spear Waddle Copter. I mean, I'd kill for Bandana D, but, like... Yeah. If you're not gonna have that, then give me this. Really just, like, custom moves, please. Please, 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 please. But no, as much as people say it, Kirby should keep his kicks. Yes. It lets him be such a simple, easy-to-pick-up character that lets him embody so many other abilities from other characters. The only way I could see it working in a different direction is if, like, copying different characters let him take on actual Kirby power-ups based on those characters. And I think, like, it's way too overcomplicated way too quickly. Yeah, yeah, I agree. And I like the base of what we have right here, right now. I'd be interested to see it in a game with 20 characters. Yes. Like, if Smash is rebooted, I could see that kind of lane, like, okay, Kirby swallowed Link, he gets a mix of sword and bomb, or something like that. Yes. Th- that that sounds interesting to me, but with a roster of this size, this is this I, I, this is the only Kirby I would ever want. Yes. Plus, I'd be like, okay, he got Steve, so he gets animal power and sword? And compared to Dirt Block, <laughs> I don't like that. Yeah, and then, and then you might lose, like, the adorable block Kirby. Yeah. Which, no, that'd be horrible. Yeah. So thinking on it, I am willing to move Kirby down slightly, but not a tier. I just want to throw out um, a, a praise from Jamester real quick. Oh, yeah. That Kirby's one of the best designs in Smash Brothers. He's a simple character, great for beginners. Not necessarily the tutorial character, but it kind of is. But there's a reason you start both subspace and world of light with this character. Doesn't really have much to add to that, but then he kind of edits later and is like, Honestly, the more I think about it, the more I think that truly that Kirby is truly phenomenal and might belong in S tier. I think I know how to answer that question. Would Kirby still be in A tier if he didn't have the ability to copy fighters? He can still suck and spit, but he can't copy abilities. In my opinion, yes. Kirby is still a great enough design that stands on its own without copy abilities. The fact that he has them is something that as Smash fans we have taken for granted despite the level of complexity that came with it. I do see that point, but just the more I think about it, the more that it does bug me that Kirby has, um, he should have evolved a little bit by now. He should have, I think he should have suck and spit. Yes, he's missing a few key moves and at least one power up from recent games. Like he's got the ultra sword at least, which is nice, but that's all, even then that's kind of built enough of something that's already existed. Yes, and also I don't like the ultra sword. It's such a bad, it, Kirby games have so, so, so much. Do you know how much I would kill for that to be Robobot Armor instead? I'm sure you'd give so much. I I also like like a Warp Star. I I agree, but if we're doing later games, oh my god, the ending to Kirby Plant Robobot. Yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure. Um, I I, kind of want to put him below Link. There's kind of a comparison of a character who did evolve and a character who I still want to evolve. I I don't want to drop him down far, but that, that little just snag is getting to me i still want to put kirby over link i'm okay with that i i feel like there's still more to do with link and with kirby it's change 
a couple of functions that are already there. Yeah. If Kirby had custom moves, I'd put him in an S tier without hesitation. Yes. And better custom moves than Smash 4. Yes. <laughs> like, if you could swap out so many of those different power-ups for the specials while keeping the normals the same, that's 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 peak Kirby. Yeah, that, that, that's, 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 that's the dream. That's top five Smash designs, Kirby. Yeah. <laughs> and Banjo moves up again. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I understand the desire for more, but I, I, I'll, I'll stick our iron guns and I and claim that's not the right way to go with the character. I will also double down on that. Yeah. All right. After Kirby, we have uh, Fox, who, yeah, oh, what a surprise. The spacey moveset is indeed amazing. Keep him in S tier. Hey. Uh, Pikachu is adorable. What do you know? Hey. Can I skip that one as well? Uh, oh, no. <laughs> so, Luigi. Luigi. We got a lot of different ideas for making Luigi better. Thank you for those. Those are needed. Yeah, uh, one from Nathan Piraboom was like the, the simplest one that I'm kind of surprised we didn't just mention. Just make his weaker attacks deal more knockback and damage so they can't combo as much. Yeah. Which would like get rid of that just combo grabbing attitude to him. Yes. Or even then. I, I think it's fine for him to have a grab game, but having a constant combo off of that, I feel like he should be have grab, hit somebody, that's it. Because that kind of ties into Luigi's Mansion to trying to grab the ghosts. That, or he randomly gets, like, super knockback sometimes, and it ruins his combos, but sometimes it's a kill. I, I would love, like, reverse knockback. Like, every, every fifth move he does sends the opponent in, like, the opposite direction or something. That's probably needs like workshopping but just something weird like that yes some uh, goofy luigi shit uh, a, a common sentiment was that luigi needs something weird about him which i think we said as well that he needs he needs that melee slipperiness back yes which, uh, was something that tj henry yoshi was asking for as well just to de-evolve de him back into melee version yes good good be correct uh mark turtle says he should become more of a uh, mix-up character which I would also agree with. That kind of fits him more. I can see that. I, I think that grappler. Luigi accidentally doing a cross-up and be like, oh, no, no, nothing personality, kid. <laughs> like, just he slips behind you and then can get you vulnerable. I know that doesn't quite work in the Smash sense because, you know, guards are not directional, but something to that extent or feel. Uh, a really good comment from Crockett Lawn Chair is that Luigi should be designed so he's attempting to imitate Mario, but playing him like you would play Mario isn't effective and bad. But through his Mario tools, he unlocks a completely new playstyle that's really good on accident. Wrong tool for the wrong job, but he gets the jo job done excellently all the same. Love that. I, I just love the comment. Yep. Uh, Augusto suggests a flashlight down spe special and the light stuns his enemies. Uh, saw a few ideas like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think TJ Yoshi said the same thing. Yep. I can, I can see that. It's just a matter of then you have to rework Super Jump Punch because that and that's free. Yeah. Maybe the Super Jump Punch doesn't work on stunned opponents. Not like that gets that's 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 counterintuitive and that gets annoying. Yeah. I, I um I really did like TJ's idea to make the with the flashlight stun. Um uh, that's that's the only time his grab becomes the poltergust. Oh, that'd be fun. Because it, it gives a weird jankiness to him. Yes. While also make, giving, getting rid of the oppressiveness of, the, of his Zare. Yeah, because that opens up the grab game for when he is getting serious. And it's literally when he is free to do it. Yeah. 
Oh yeah, Jamester compares Mario as the Ryu of Smash, so Luigi should be the Ken? No. Well, no, it's a comparison he starts with, and he kind of says that, um, uh, where Mario specials are multi-hit specials that tend to be, um, uh, well, they're specials that tend to be multi-hits, while Luigi's aren't, so in reality, Luigi's the Ken of Smash spiritually, but he's the Ryu of Smash mechanically? Kind of showcasing, like, how his short Yukin works, how his green missile works, just in that comparison. Okay. And he kind of, I kind of asks for, that's how to fix Luigi, more focus on good hits and fundamentals that deal big damage rather than fancy long combos. Something that requires really perfect execution for major damage, but anything less will literally have him fall on his face. I can see that. I can see that as a possibility. But at the same time, flailing is such an important part of Luigi. Yeah. And that naturally lends itself to multi-hits. Yeah, it's it, he's a very bizarre character. Uh, but after like seeing like people have ideas that can now like envision how he could be better, I kind of want to move him up a little bit. That's a dangerous game. I know. We I locked know, Luigi but... in the Forbidden Zone for a reason. Yes, and it's because his current playstyle is so weird. But the personality is phenomenal. And based on these comments, I don't think it would take too much to fix him. Yeah, but, like, it's weird because if you fix him in certain ways, like, if you fix him in the single-hit uh, Ryu way, then he's not repping Luigi's Mansion enough. If you fix him in the Luigi's Mansion way, then he's centered around the grab game that everyone hates. Maybe, maybe kind of combine the ideas together. Then we have so Luigi. Say, yeah. <laughs> well, hold on. Like, say he has that down special flashlights that's, um tunes up his grabs, and make those grabs deal insane damage. Like, if he gets that level of a grab, he, like, full-on, like, it does a much bigger arc of, like, vacuuming up people and slamming them into the ground, and it just becomes an absurd kill throw, kill throw if you manage to land it. Okay, I can see that. That makes sense, because it's weaker in multi-man things, and hell, Mewtwo already has a similar move, so. Yeah, and this would fit better on Luigi. It would. I don't know, I just... <laughs> I feel like we're debating on literally not moving Luigi any places, but changing his tier. You know what? I like that, because I, I feel like the bottom of C fits him a little better, because we are so mixed on him. We are the most confused. And after everyone's help, we are still confused. Still confused, but I feel like there's directions he can go now. Agreed. And it helps, like, appreciate the positives a little bit more, because... Green Missile is so funny, Super Jump, Jump Punch is so funny, and it fits him so well. Yeah, well, they established that for him. Yeah, and like, this this is the game that established so much of what Luigi is. And I, I feel like just being, yeah, I, even just looking at this, I feel a lot better about this. Alright, that's fair. He's gone from next to Sans Undertale to next to Sans Undertale. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. Was that the last? Oh, no, there's still Ness as well in 64. There's Ness, uh, Falcon, and Puff. Well, yeah, but Falcon and Puff aren't moving. Well, yeah. Spoilers, but like. Yeah. Yeah. Ness, I think I only had one. Yeah, from Jamester. Uh, Ness is the epitome of RPG character bullshit. Earthbound as a game, it left too much to viewer interpretation from what attacks did to even personality of its cast, so the devs really took that idea and ran with it. So now you get PK Fire, PK Thunder, his grabs, all of his aerials, etc. acting and smash the way they did. They do it regardless of how that's worked in Earthbound. Giving credit where credit is due, this created a very unique and interesting fighter. 
James Strachan likes that Ness is an amalgamation of the Earthbound cast. He doesn't exactly have an individual personality to begin with, so nothing was really lost. In fact, he probably gained more character in Smash. Mmm. Mmm. Uh, James Sir argues that he's supposed to be an embodiment of fun, but it really couldn't be the opposite. Ness is that character that no one likes to play against. In terms of characters everyone hates, Ness is among the top of everyone's list. Mm -hmm. And anyone who usually says otherwise is a Ness main. Mm -hmm. Ness embodies the spirits of children that use magnifying glasses to burn ants. I could see Ness in a Calvin and Hobbes comic, yeah. Yeah, that, that last bit is what I wanted to bring up, because I haven't played Earthbound, and that doesn't seem nearly as wholesome as that game seems to be. But if you take that approach to it, it moves it fits a lot better. It does, but no. So Ness is very much just a child of his time, trying to put on a brave face, but like, one of the well-known things of it is that you can just get a status condition called homesickness. And it's just- Oh, right, and you have to call you your have parents to call your, on the phone. Yeah. And they get to support oh, you. Oh, that's adorable. And then Ness has, uh, toward the end of the game, a final arc where he goes uh, into his own mind and his own self-doubts and has to overcome himself, basically. And that's what Magicant is based off of. I mean, Magicant's an actual dream oh, right, location yeah, yeah. in uh, Mother 1, but in uh, Mother 2, it's all based on Ness's subconscious. Flying Man is a representation of his courage as a boundless superhero, and as they die and revive, the amount that he's willing to take and the amount that he's willing to lose before eventually they all wither and die. Uh, okay. He talks to people that he's talked to on his journey and his doubts and them saying really mean and doubtful things to him, while others say things that are words of encouragement, like, as much as it is... A vague representation visually, Ness is strongly defined as a character. Okay, okay. I, I'm glad you told me this. I did not know that. Yeah. Uh, so in that case, do you feel a need to move him at all? Uh, no, I think my thoughts on him are valid. He cares about his friends, so it makes sense for those to be there. He works as a kid and as a representation of childhood and wistful nostalgia with the yo-yo and the bat and using those as incredibly powerful tools. But at the same time, he doesn't represent uh, himself as the tank of the group, the big uh, lug who heals you and will take on everything until it becomes too much for him. He doesn't rep that at all. And that puts him in mix to me. Alright, I, I haven't played Earthbound, so I am tempted to agree. I could see an argument for him lower, but not higher. Okay. And I don't think he should drop any lower because of... I, I, I can't put him in D tier, because the Earthbound effects are just phenomenal. Yes. Like, that, 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 I... Combined with, like, some of the ideas we had to make him better, like, I love the idea you had for PK Flash, just having that, use have random effects if you hit people with it. Yes. I think there is value to the unique playstyle he has, but I would prefer to get a different- or just keep Lucas the way he is, because Lucas isn't that bad now, yeah. with hindsight. Yeah. Or bring another character in to deal it. This would be a fitting moveset on Bowser Jr., in how <laughs> annoying it is. Yeah, I see that. If I were this pissed off at Bowser Jr., I would play more Bowser Jr., <laughs> And that's not to say the annoyance is a knock against him, it's when compared to what he really is, and that this sort of playstyle doesn't really mesh with his character. Yes. Alright, so low C tier, I still feel alright about that. I can agree. Yeah. 
Now, then Captain Falcon, surprise, surprise, people love him. Oh, wow, really? Although, I I had a thought. Okay. Uh, just looking at our top five characters, because when we were... It, it was while I was trying to figure out, like, how I felt about Sephiroth compared to Snake and Terry. Mm-hmm. Because I started thinking about Falcon and just asking questions like, how much further could he be pushed? And I just had the, like, wondered, like, what if he had, like, boost power in this game? And if he used it too much, he just straight up exploded. Yeah. Yeah, that's the one thing and, for him. And, and, and it, it, it started, like, my brain down a path of just, like, in this top five of characters, he is another one that I feel like could be more. So I'm kind of tempted to put him underneath Terry. Because I feel like that trifecta of K. Rule, Sephiroth, and Terry couldn't really be better in any meaningful gameplay sense. There's just very, very minor nitpicks of just like, get this guy a voice actor or just have this move act a little differently or things like that. But I feel similar to Falcon as I does do Snake, that there are gameplay elements that aren't quite explored yet. And that's purely because that's Captain Falcon's just an old design. From the mindset, if he was added in Ultimates, like what he would look like now, I feel like he could be a little bit better, and I kind of want to put him over these three basically perfect designs because of that. Okay, um, I'm going to say that I think if he were added in Ultimate, uh, he would be a worse design. I think that making him game accurate would be to his detriment, because the way that Captain Falcon is made in smash originally with so much of him having to be invented is that he is a superhero oh true like this stuff wouldn't exist if he was one in ultimate exactly this whole persona of his is invented on like the universal superheroes of common writer or spider-man specifically the japanese interpretation of spider-man and mixed in with the themes of Batman, uh, the Tim Burton film specifically, that would not be in place if it wasn't for him being an early addition to Smash. Like, he exists as he is because of Smash Brothers, and that is a heart and a soul that is incredibly hard to quantify. The most that we can say is, yeah, we could give him boost power. That's one thing. That is uh, the to, to one be clear, thing. To be clear, I'm, I'm only just putting forward the idea as an idea. I, I'm happy to keep him where he is. It's just a thought I had. Oh, no, no, no. I'm, I'm just arguing for the counterpoint. The only reason I have K. Rule above him is because K. Rule also has that soul, and he has that spark, and he is the Donkey Kong fanbase coming back and celebrating and having a wonderful time of it. In okay, addition yeah, no, you, you to me. the you ultimate... Yeah. Yeah, all right. I, I just wanted to put the idea forward because there are certain elements of the, the question I kept asking is like, is Terry just a better Captain Falcon? But no, with that mindset, Captain Falcon still has so much going for him. Terry is a perfect guest character, but Falcon has more. Sephiroth yes. is closer to that, but Falcon has more heart. K. Rule is that plus the heart. He is yes. Terry plus Falcon. <laughs> I like that math equation. <laughs> Yeah, that's how you get a fat crocodile. Yeah, you, you just blend two very, very loud individuals. Yes. All right. And, and then wrapping up um, the 64 cast, Jigglypuff is just a hilarious. <laughs> I, I, love, I love that Jigglypuff is an S-tier character so much. I'm so happy. And, and that, w that was a sentiment repeated a lot in the comments of just being like, 
I'm 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 so surprised to see Jigglypuff there, and even more surprised that I actually agree with it after hearing the arguments. Right. But yeah, Jigglypuff's a great character. Yeah, it, I love it. It's a perfect joke. I'm so I love the whole Jigglypuff line so much more. Uh, actually, no, screw Igglybuff, but Jigglypuff yeah, no, is great. Keep Igglybuff out of there. <laughs> and Wigglytuff? I love Wigglytuff. It's a big old buff, Jigglypuff. It's hilarious. Mm, I I actually just replayed Silver version, and I soloed Lance with a level 51 Wigglytuff. <laughs> it was the best feeling. <laughs> Even in other games, it's a joke character. You it's, gotta love it's it. It's so funny, but it worked. <laughs> Uh, we actually split this recording in half. It was originally planned to be um, just a quick little, like a couple days later, just to give ourselves a break. But I got COVID. It so happens. if you're wondering why I'm coughing during the that recording, that's why. Uh, and if I cough at all during this, that's why. Yeah, Not quite a hundred percent. But I'm good enough to breathe. Right yep, now. I didn't. I'm uh, well distanced in the uh, Design Dork Studio space, so uh, we're we're good here. <laughs> but. Uh, righty. And uh, now that I've, I was actually able to edit together the first half of the episode during that little spiel, and I just want to throw out a few additional disclaimers, just because, um, I ended up skipping a lot of comments just because our conversation naturally ended up dealing with whatever they were covering. I just wanted to throw that out just to explain why I mentioned we had 14 Mega Man comments, but I only used, like, six or seven. Don't worry, I read them. Yes, we, we... you, you were mostly all, wrong, promise. but sometimes right. <laughs> and then um, I had a tendency to nitpick longer comments for uh, topics that we hadn't covered in the conversation for similar reasons. Uh, for the most part, they didn't ha- cover anything. I didn't miss anything big. But there was a comment from Ditto Master about Sora that I did just glaze over completely and just tunnel vision onto a single nitpick. I'll fix that at the end, but just want to throw that a bone. Just sorry about that, Ditto Master. It was a good comment. I should have given it more intention. I am completely faultless. <laughs> yes, you are for this. But uh, to continue this episode, let's start with Melee. I like Melee. Yeah, Melee's got some easy ones. And it's, it's got some got some good, good characters. Peach and Daisy. Uh, Daisy, first of all, just easy, just sideline, bad design, did nothing with it. Yep. Blech. Yep. Stays exactly where it is. Uh, I did get one from uh, Jamester about Peach, though. I want to throw out real quick. I'm just going to read this out. Alrighty. Oh, I have to be the one to read these, damn it. <laughs> oh, yeah, no, you thought about this very poorly. <laughs> uh, it's fine. Peach, in a lot of ways, is the first girl in Smash. An actual princess in a pink dress, fighting with frying pans or butt, and slaps her opponents. Peach fights like a stereotypical girly girl. This also gave her the abilities she had in Mario 2, her defining playable appearance. I never really got Duke's argument that she was too passive of a character to directly hurt your opponents. I'll say right here, that was purely because of my experience with Peach just through the Mario games. Like, my first game was Sunshine, and there wasn't much past that. Sunshine Galaxy, there's reasons for that. But wow, it was a- you handpicked, like, the worst impression of Peach you <laughs> right? possibly could. She can throw down when she wants to. Most of the time, she just doesn't. She beats your ass and has win quotes where she says, Aw, did I win? Peach is that bitch. Besides, we ended up giving that archetype for a character that fits that role better, Isabel. Which, yes, we absolutely did. Yeah. Uh, James reveals the concerns for Toad, but at the same time, doesn't really want to punish Peach for it. Doesn't think that Toad being treated with dignity makes Peach any better or worse design. Thinks it's a cute touch, especially with grabs, but doesn't change how they feel. Also doesn't think this holds back Toad or Captain Toad to get into the game. Doesn't have much else to say. Peach is well done and ranks her an A tier. 
Nah, I disagree. I still hate Toad. It, it'd be like, oh, King Dedede has the Waddle D, but he throws it at you and it's like Hyper Beam or something. I'm just I'm just picturing just the exact same functionality of Gordo, but for the Waddle Ds. Or like Pokemon <laughs> Trainer, but his forward smash is he throws out a Magikarp and then he picks up the Magikarp and he hits you with it. Well, well, I didn't grab any of the comments, but I did get a lot of a s- sentiment from the comments of just trying to defend Toad. And I think a big part of that comes down to which games people have played with Toad in them. Because in Son- Sonic, he's the most useless thing ever. Mm-hmm. But in others, you get like the, the Mario 3D world where he's right there with Mario doing all the same things. Others, he owns like item shops or things like that. But then you also have the classic, just he's uselessly staying in the castle, flipping you off as you appear approach him. The issue is in the context of this, because I'm not saying that Toad can't fight. Nah, Toad can throw down. Toad is swole as hell. But uh, the issue is he's been shown in this role as Peach's protector, and this is the only time where he's actually good at that. This is true. He's great at fighting giant birds, throwing bombs in Wario's woods, uh, killing dream frogs or whatever the hell. But, like, in terms of his track record of actually assisting Peach, uh, it's got a bit of a losing record there. Yeah, I can't think of a single example. Uh, do you feel a need to move Peach at all? Or is she where you'd prefer? No, I... I like Peach where she is right now. I like what she has. I like what she represents. And I just still don't like Toad. It's one really glaring issue for me. All right. I'm, I'm happy to leave her where she is. I think I think she's fine. She feels like a character that could be expanded in a lot of interesting ways. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Got a few things for Bowser. I like Bowser. Let's talk about Bowser. One small thing that I think we forgot to mention in the episode, but I feel like really should be referenced. Mm-hmm. Uh, Laurent Richard just quickly points out he's the only character which all steps he takes makes the ground shake. Yes. That is an awesome... It's one of the coolest small touches that any character has in this game. It's something that I've so taken for granted that I'm just like, oh yeah, that's just Bowser. Like, yeah, no, you're totally right. And yeah, that's rad. Yeah, just just wanted to throw out it's it's just a really cool thing to add to his character. And then G-Man Sir says that Bowser spinning in his shell fits so well. It's a well-established factor in the Mario franchise for the Koopa species to attack while being in their shell. And Bowser is king of all Koopas. In fact, both of the Super Mario and Mario spin-offs now use Bowser spinning in his shell to attack, just some, some examples being Mario Power Tennis and New Super Mario Bros. U. It's perfectly fine and justified for Smash Bros. to create new tributes for characters if they are fit in our own character. Bonus points if they are later adapted into the Source series. Uh, I like that take, just having him use the, the Koopa spin. I kind of felt it was inspired at first, but no, that's the, that's, the, that's the main Koopa attack, and he's the King Koopa. I would disagree about it being an attack. Because it's really just a function of Mario taking advantage of someone else's biology and then kicking it around. Like, it's not until, (laughs) forgive me if I'm wrong, uh, Mario World, where they use it as an attack. And then it's only the yellow-shelled Koopa that does that as an attack. Otherwise, they just kick the shell at Mario. So I, I feel like you have a point, but I also feel that it was codified by Bowser. Rather than, uh, oh no, Bowser's taking this aspect. It's like, no, Bowser did it, 
and then everyone realized, oh shit, no, that's actually good though. I- I'm sorry to whoever made this comment. I-, I tried so hard to find it, but I- YouTube search results absolutely failed me. There was someone that brought up, um, uh, that didn't like how Bowser was portrayed in this because Bowser has traditionally been portrayed as a very stationary boss in Mario games. Mm-hmm. I think that was true in the early days, but Bow- the more games that Bowser appears in, the less and less that has been the case. Like, especially in the 3D appearances. I'll outright say that ever since Mario 3, Bowser hasn't been a stationary boss. Like, if you're attributing him specifically to Mario 1 and the new Super Mario Brothers series, you are right. And, I guess, Sunshine. Uh, if you're looking at many more appearances, uh, he uses the full screen in Mario 3, the full screen in uh, World. He teleports in 64 and has a full charge that takes advantage of the entire arena. There's the planetoid movement in Galaxy and Galaxy 2. Like, Bowser's pretty damn mobile. Exactly, exactly. I, I just wanted to throw that out because I thought it was an interesting take, but I feel like the only argument I can make is for maybe Melee, where that might have been consideration. Like, every appearance Bowser has had since then. Like, even in some of the new Super Mario Brothers games, there's, like, chase segments mm-hmm. where he's after you. Yeah. Uh, feel any need to move Bowser, or is he fine where he is? Um, I don't feel a need. I can see the argument that people have for, like, they want goofy, affable cartoon Bowser. And I do feel that, but I feel like enough of that is represented while still getting, like, the terror and the strength of Bowser. It's it's leaning into a specific interpretation of Bowser rather than encapsulating him as a whole, but it gets pieces of that whole, and it does enough to strengthen him where I think that ultimately he's in a good place. I... I don't think you can make an S-tier Bowser with Smash's framework. I just don't think you have enough moves. Yeah, yeah, I agree with that. Uh, a lot of, We also had a lot of people just agreeing that it's so sad that we miss, like, his voice. His, his laugh especially, that's one of the most iconic sound effects in gaming. Yeah, having that as his win screen, or just... Any version of his theme from 64, like, just imagine him winning, and it does the full da-da-da-da, da-da-da-da, da-da-da-da-da-da, Yeah. I liked the um the conclusion we came up with, that this is Bowser designed by Bowser. Yes. Which, like, it gets a lot of those things, aspects right, but it also doesn't show those traits that Bowser might not want to fully show off. Exactly. You're not going to get, oh no, Junior, don't look at the pornography from this interpretation. (laughs) Uh, I'm missing the Dad Bowser. I kind of wish that was a little more in there. Look, I love Dad Bowser. I love RPG Bowser in general, but like, yeah. Yeah, RPG Bowser is one of the best characters that Nintendo has ever made. And it's that comparison that keeps him in B tier for me over everything else. Yeah, I'm, I'm outright going to say, I think RPG Bowser is the best Ren Nintendo character. Wow! Okay! You, you, I, I, I'm not, I'm not going to make a big argument about that, but yeah, he's definitely up there. I haven't played Xenoblade, but yeah, I put him above the Kid Icarus cast at least. <laughs> well, well, let's not make this discussion. <laughs> That could, that could be an argument, but we're gonna... If you'd like to hear a podcast about the best-written Nintendo <laughs> character, p- 
please leave your comments below and nominate people so that we can discuss why Bowser is better than them. <laughs> All right. See so what I'm doing? I'm, I'm making future content here. This is... That's, that's there you go. We're planning ahead. Planning ahead. Well, one of us is. Anyway. <laughs> uh, next up is Ice Climbers. And we actually had quite a few people... Like, making a stand for, like, no, Ice Climbers desire, deserves to be up there on the tier list. I'm willing to hear them. I'm curious on this one. Yeah, it was, a, it was actually pretty unanimous. Uh, from Spider Prawn, just a really quick, short one. It's weird hearing these improvements to Ice Climbers when the improvements reject the fundamental point. Uh, two characters at once as sort of an MVC-style assists. That's not an improvement, that's a replacement. Jamester argues straight up S tier. Uh, Popo and Nana are still the best dual characters in the series. If you want to talk about characters that have development that have developed in Smash, this is it. They took a nothing of a character from a game that was mixed to be generous and made them an absolute star. They have a unique gimmick that was ne has never been replicated to my knowledge any fighting game. And what players can do with these things are some of the coolest shit in the entire series. And unlike another duo character, Rosalina, the Ice Climbers are actually fun to fight because losing Nana has real, tangible consequences. I think the only thing that prevented them from getting to S tier is the fact that they were broken in a way that basically gave them infinites, but since Ultimate disabled the systems that caused those infinites and instead we got legitimate combos, ranks them S tier. Um, I got three more. Lest at Canada is not sure how they feel about the Ice Climber section, since on one hand, kind of understands the whole flaw of Nana, but the way we're explaining it... Seems like they'd be unapproachable to a casual level. Uh, since they're not really a comp competitive guy, nor do they use ice climbers to the best, but they can still... <clears throat> Sorry, this is a bit weirdly worded. They can be... A, they are simple to work with this way. Seems like it'd only be something you'd pick... They're basically arguing that the fix that was provided would still be complicated and not really accessible at a casual level either. Okay. Which, which I kind of agree with, like, quick aside, Ice Climbers are one of those weird characters that if you change them at all, you kind of remove the point of having Ice Climbers in the game. They're such a specialized design with absolutely no fans of their appearances beforehand that really their entire fan base and popularity is entirely built off of how they've appeared in Smash. And I don't know if we've given them enough credit for how much that has boosted the Ice Climbers as a series. Like, I'm pretty confident claiming that if a modern Ice Climber game was made today, it would sell pretty well just off of the star power that Smash Brothers has given them. Mm -hmm. I mean, I'm I, I hear you, but I'm also seeing that Kid Icarus barely scraped a million in sales. Kid Icarus also had one of the weirdest control schemes in any video game. Well, yeah, but you don't know that until you play it. And I don't think it was marketed very well for how hilarious that game was. You're right, but it got, like, a big E3 show presence. It got, like, Reggie teasing it for years. True, true. I'm, I'm just saying, if they made a new Ice Climbers, it would outsell Xenoblade. I mean... I feel confident, Clem. I mean, yeah, get, get, but... um, get, um, get up Joseph Ferris, okay. the It Takes Two guy. I didn't make Ice Climbers. <laughs> oh, my God. Sorry, just... No, 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 that's, that's the only way that you would sell me on an Ice Climbers game. Like, you, you nailed it. You got it. I got, I got two more here. Uh, Galago Polista, uh, doesn't like the idea of making Nana just an assist for Popo. That would take away so much of the uniqueness of the Ice Climbers, which is the reason they were added over the other retro characters in the first place. Uh, they do think they could be better, but they personally think, with like, an easier and more consistent way of desyncing the Ice Climbers, maybe through 
command inputs that are actually intended to desync them and aren't just glitches, or maybe a move dedicated solely to desyncing them, so that the potential of their crazy combos is more up to the player's imagination and awareness of the game around them. I does admit that Nanite's AI does need a lot of improvement. I don't... I kind of feel like we might be overblowing that problem for Ultimate specifically. I haven't heard those complaints nearly as frequently with Ultimate as I have with previous games. I've seen at least three patches that have done adjusted the Nana AI, so... Oh yeah, because it's an AI. It's really hard to perfect those. Uh, Basically, they're the incarnation of co-op multiplayer in a fighter, and they love that. If you make... Pope was strong enough to be by himself most of the time, he completely destroyed the notion of Ice Climbers weak alone, Ice Climbers strong together. And the only uniqueness, uniqueness they have left is their visual design. I, I give a little credit for being the only cryomancer in the game, but I see where they're coming from. Well, I know the original Ice Climber game wasn't this focused on multiplayer, but let's face it, the Ice Climbers are pretty much Smash original characters at this point. So Galego here doesn't think their Smash design and Smash is hurt by that. Smash design and Smash... Ugh. I can speak, I promise. You're trying, you're trying. already has enough references to the original game. Also, they could just create a new Ice Climbers game based heavily on cooperation because that actually sounds like a cool idea for... Again! They're, like, they're, they're they're you nailed there. it, you nailed it. There was one more from... Actually, this was also Galigo. I'm, so, I'm, I'm sure I'm mispronouncing this, but Galigo Palista. I love their co- profile picture by the name. It's um, King DDD, but with Donkey Kong's face. Just the perfect blend of our two mains. We did it. Yeah, he nailed it. <laughs> uh... But, like, doubling down that they really hope that Ice Climbers get moved up gets their complex and hard to get good at, but all the rise, they think they're a great representation of the idea of teamwork. It can be seen, on, the, for instance, on their attacks that they need to coordinate with each other to be effective, and not just in terms of how their attacks are stronger together. Loves of de- decent combos with them juggling the opponent, feels like they're doing a coordinated attack that they've been pr- practicing together for a long time, and loves that how, despite An- Nana's AI being terrible, which is, again, their biggest problem with the ICs, you still heavily depend on her, and if she dies, you instantly become much worse. That just shows how much they really need each other, and the teamwork is their way to go. Okay. Like, I really emphasize, and, like, it was something I had a hard time putting to words when we were talking about it initially, but, like, they are teamwork exemplified. I I might even, like, say they're better at Banjo and Kazooie in that regard, just because of how tied at the hip the Ice Climbers are together. Like, if you lose one... You're screwed. Hmm. Okay. Uh, how are you feeling? Uh, I disagree. I feel that uh, if you're saying that they are exemplifying the idea of teamwork, then you're really doing a disservice to the idea of teamwork, because the Ice Climbers, in their current design, isn't really teamwork-focused until you hit the point of uh, desynchronization. At their base, at what they were initially designed around, it's just the idea of a double hit. It's the idea of, like, a Morrigan Shadow clone giving you a second hit. And that's neat, that's an idea, but ultimately, most of the Ice Climbers team attacks don't serve to do anything but the function, but more, though. Like, uh, their neutral special is just you shoot two of the thing instead of one of the thing. Their down B is you shoot it from both sides instead of from one side. The squall hammer is it goes a little further if you got two. The only thing that really functions is their belay uh, up special, which I do agree emphasizes the point of teamwork rather well. I'd also throw that in for the side special as well, just because of how that affects recovery. Okay, okay. I, 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 feel, I feel like in a platform fighter, that, that teamwork is communicated just because the only way you can recover is through your ally. 
Like they're the, they're the reason that you can survive. Right. Like right. it's not perfect, but that's a big. Uh, right. Like it's it's probably the biggest way to show that in a casual sense. Right. But I want you to consider. Uh, if you want to compare Banjo and uh, Kazooie to this, Banjo is a bunch of strong hits. Uh, it's just a big bear slapping you around. Kazooie is a bunch of smaller hits. It's a bunch of harassment tools. And when they work together, they can use the Wonder Wing as a charge. But the idea is that Kazooie's weaker hits naturally lead into Banjo's stronger hits. They complement each other. Nana and Popo have two moves where they complement each other, but they complement each other by doing the same thing. And I understand that that would be too difficult to properly implement in Melee. I get that, like, it was just barely hanging on by a thread as is, and I'm totally okay with the Ice Climbers accidentally getting this identity from their desyncs, and I think that that's really, really cool. But I think that you can design the second Ice Climber in a way that's a lot more complementary. If you're doing cooperative stuff, then you're going to have to have one benefit the other. That's the real superpower of teamwork. Not just, oh, they're a tag team, but they're basically the same person. Uh, I, I will argue, I don't know if you're giving enough credit for how um, reliant they are on each other to keep up with the rest of the cast. Like, yes, it is just a secondary hit, but once you lose that, se- that, that, that that's the big difference between Banjo and Kazooie and the Ice Climbers for me, is because you can't lose Kazooie. You can lose Nana. And that feels devastating when you do. I understand. I understand that, and uh, I get uh, the point of it, and I agree that it's an interesting design decision. But I'm saying that if you're equating it to the idea of teamwork, or the I. The words being used is the exemplification of cooperative gameplay. I strongly disagree with that sentiment. I agree that it's good, but I don't think that it's great, and I think that it can do a lot more. I I definitely think Banjo and Kazooie are a better way of showcasing, like, two halves of a single whole, like, working together and using their specific strengths for each other, Mm -hmm. like, to cover each other's weaknesses. I just think the, um... uh, Keeping Nana around, protecting her, and working alongside her gives a stronger feeling to me of, of watching out for each other's back. Like, like you, you see, it, they turn that into a gameplay mechanic instead of part of their design. And I, I do think Banjo Kazooie's design is 100% more fleshed out, but I, I feel like it's a disservice to ignore just how unique and defining that aspect of Ice Climbers is. I understand that it's unique and defining, and I agree that it's good. I agree that my initial thought of having Nana as a striker was a bit short-sighted compared to what they could be. But when considering what they could be, they're at the Cryomancer stage, but they don't really have anything to capitalize on that. If what The closest thing that we have is unfortunately wobbling, where one hits you and the other one holds you in place. Like, that's the idea of their teamwork coalescing, but that's one of the only examples we have of one of them doing something to perfectly complement the other, and it gets the technique banned, and they have to design the AI around it. I'm just saying that uh, if, for example, you had a projectile on one side and Nana did something else, like she could increase the speed or the size of it if she were there. 
just give it options, give it a benefit other than anything you can do, I can do also. I, I'm, I'm, I'm picturing, um, you know that the traditional thing you do in snow levels where you just like roll a snowball forward and it gets yes, bigger and bigger exactly. and bigger? Yes, I'm, exactly. I'm kind of picturing them like passing. Okay, I'm, I'm starting to picture a moveset of like where you actually have them doing unique different things with each other. Yes, I yes. do like that idea a lot more. Like he hits the ice shot and the Nana keeps hitting it with Blizzard and it's like a curling stone that she's trying to yes, get. Yes, yes. <laughs> okay, okay. Yeah, yeah. You're, you're selling me on this idea that ice climbers could be way better. I do want to give them a little more credit for what they do now, though. Because, like, there is nothing like Ice Climbers in any game I've played. Like, it's just a double hit, but, like, that babysitting aspect of it, like, is uh, uniquely, um, enabled by it being a platform fighter. Mm-hmm. Kind of turning in, like, they, they, t- they turned it into an escort mission that's kind of fun, which I didn't think was possible. Yeah, like, I, I do think that there are some similar fighting game examples. Uh, Jacko Valentine, Guilty Gear, uh, Shadow Labyrinth, and Persona 4 Arena. Sorry, I'm only listing those two, basically, but I know Guilty Gear in P4A, so. Well, even if you haven't experienced um, Jacko, I don't, I don't know if it's quite comparable, just because of how, like, yeah, I guess they're just, it's just a double hit, but that also means that they're they're complete equals in this design. Like, half of the alt co- costume just swap Nana and Popo's roles as the driver of the moves. Right, right. I'm just saying uh, the uniqueness of having the sort of escort mission aspect to it. Is, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, I, I agree that there's that's nothing that's exactly like it, but I feel like, no, no, there's been ideas, there's been experimentation, and I feel like not taking something from that is a bit of a disservice or just the fact is you can do more with them now because the technical limitations are not as debilitating for that right now um melee feels like a proof of concept design to me and they've refined that proof of concept but they haven't finished the game for the ice climbers for me yeah yeah which maybe there's technical limitations but no it's not technical limitations it's it's totally just traditionalism not wanting to change of design that yeah. people love yeah. see, it's it's a weird case where if you change the ice climbers why are you bringing the ice climbers back yeah cuz cuz ice climber fans only want to play as the ice climbers there's i don't think there's a more specialized character on the roster than these two damn i'm trying to think yeah no you got me on the spot steve uh, i i feel like steve's just widespread appeal like you could you could put Steve in the game as all sorts of movesets and people would still be happy with him. Yes, but Ice like... Climbers people who are only <laughs> the only people that like Ice Climbers are the people that know them through Smash Brothers. Yes, because they aren't getting fans from Ice Climber. <laughs> I, I I do want to move them up. I I don't know if I go full on S tier like James Tier says, but like between how unique they are, the um the mechanics they bring into the game that are solely built on them. I do think there is a point of praise of, like, tying recovery to working together in a platform fighter. Mm-hmm. It, it is, it could be fleshed out tremendously, but of all aspects of a platform fighter to show that through, that's the perfect way to do it. Mm-hmm. And then as well, like, they t- they turn these nobodies into Nintendo stars. Like, you show people pictures of Ice Climbers, you, they will be able to tell that those are the Ice Climbers. I might put them at, like, a C-tier Nintendo franchise because of that. Which is stupidly impressive considering the single game they have to their name. Yeah. Uh, with that said, I still wouldn't move them out of B tier. Because I'm like saying, do I value what I'm, they I'm do? I'm looking at high B tier. I'm saying, do I value what they do more than Lucas? More than Cloud? More than Robin? 
And I'm like, nah. But when I'm looking at like, I'm looking at in between Simon Belmont and Kazuya right now. Um, well, see, here's the thing. I, I did that entire spiel about Robin. Uh-huh. I might rank him above Robin. Nah, dude, you convinced me that he's higher than the Ice Climbers. <laughs> okay. Well, because when I look at the Ice Climbers, like, the only real problem I have with them now is just now that you've put this idea in my head of just, like, how much better they could be. Like, they're a design that could be... My like, my mind is racing with all the cool ways you could show off teamwork through an Ice Climbers moveset, like, by being able to, like, be in two places at once. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. Yeah, I. it's just a matter of I think they're a very good demo of what they could do, but they're not fully realized. And due to that, I think that the normal play them as two characters at once design is their weakest aspect. And it's the one that you encounter the most. Because like solo, you feel that. Desynced, you feel the real superpower of teamwork. Actually playing them, you're looking for how to get into one state and avoid the other. That's fair, that's fair. Um, I, I, I'd be down for between, um, between Kazuya and, uh, Simon. Yeah, it's, it's just a matter of, cause, I, I like... I want to give credit to the No, I, comments. I want, I want to give credit as well. This did boost my opinion of them. You, you think I easily go, yes, you are better than Bowser, who I love. No. <laughs> but it's a matter of, like, I'm looking at them and I'm feeling the same way I feel about Kazuya, where I'm like, yeah, there's all these pieces, it's an idea, but I don't feel that you're getting it quite right. Give me more. Give me That's, give me something to really sell me on it other than just the innovation of it. That's ironic because we got some big comments about like, oh no, let, let, let's let's talk about Kazuya. But the AI problems don't really bother me at all after seeing the comments, but now it's now it's a lower design just seeing how much further they could push the idea of the superpower of teamwork. Mm-hmm. Uh, I will throw out that um, if we're t- talking about specifically desync eye climbers, I would rank them significantly higher. If you're like that good with them, you can really feel that. I'd go high A or maybe even S. But if they were designed specifically around the desync, then I think that's a realized ice climber. I, we would be talking about. I think comparing them to Banjo is worthy. Yeah. They just—that's more of a happy accident that's just kind of been left alone. <laughs> mm-hmm. And, like, good on you for leaving it alone, except for that one thing that you did have to fix, which good on you for not leaving that alone. Yeah. I, I, I really sp- will respect the um the hesitancy to change anything about them, but I feel like uh, there's a character in League called Nunu and Willump, which is one of the most adorable, like, cooperative characters ever. Mm-hmm. Like, they're, the, they're making a full-on game about them. Mm-hmm. And just, I, I want to get that same kind of wholesomeness of working together just with your buddy. Yeah. And unless you're doing the dinks, you're not quite there yet. Yeah. But like, very good comments. I just want to shout those out. Yeah, no, well, well done. This is more talking about the Ice Climbers than I expected to do. For sure. Uh, got a few easy ones after that. Uh, Sheik is a ninja. Uh, I still personally wish she had a harp, but like, as, as the character, she functions. Yeah. I, I feel like it's a real disservice just not to make her impa. I think I said that in the episode as well. Just, like, give it a character that fits the archetype better without doing a disservice to the things that make her special. I think it's better. At this point, yeah. But as, as she is, she's just a stereotypical ninja. Uh, Zelda? A couple of people talked about how she was far better in Smash 4, but the general consensus seemed to be that maybe give her a little credit, but she's about where she is. Zelda's a weird character where she kind of 
kind of had a moveset made up for her, but the games didn't follow through on, like, oh, yeah, do we want to use these? Yeah, it, it's like the reverse yeah. Bowser shell thing. Yeah. She's like, oh, yeah, we give her a bunch of Link spells, and let's make her uh, lightning kick. Sure, why not? And that just never really got expanded upon, which bugs me with the more and more that she gets to use. Like, I'd love a proper light mage. In the industry, we call this anti-Luigi design. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, I would have loved to see Zelda start using these more elemental magics in the Zelda series. That would have been awesome. Mm -hmm. I would also love a moveset based around this more light sage that she kind of became. Yeah. But you don't really have either. Yeah, it's, it's odd that a lot of her moves just weren't recontextualized and reskinned for that sort of purpose. And, like, especially considering how many changes have come across Link and Ganon. Yeah, Zelda's just kind of got... That left behind. Well, she Weirdly, turned a into a different person, moves. but... I, I will throw a throw a credit where credit's due. Uh, the uh, change for Ultimate into the Link Between Worlds Zelda gave her a lot more personality. Mm -hmm. I think the moveset fits her less, but also yeah, I will never go back to Twilight Princess Zelda, where it's like, oh, cool, you're literally cardboard, aren't you? <laughs> Oh, yeah, definitely not the most memorable one. Well, apart from the horseback shooting. You exist was, was to touch. make Midna look more interesting. Yeah. And you succeeded. Yeah, why is Midna not in the game? I don't know, man. There's so many good Zelda characters that could be here that just aren't. Yeah. You can make a platform fighter out of just Zelda characters. You could. They, they did make a crossover out of just Zelda characters. That was Hyrule Warriors. Yeah. And that game still felt it was like it was missing characters. Right? How do you not have <laughs> Bruce? Exactly. But yeah, do you want to move Zelda at all? Or no. Or Okay. Dr. Mario. We actually got some Dr. Mario slander in here. Ooh, okay. People don't like Dr. Mario. But he's got the yeet. How do you not like the yeet? But let's consider it for a second. Josiah Creighton argues this may be a little over the top, but they think Dr. Mario has an F-tier design. Why is he even more angry than regular Mario? Why isn't there a bigger emphasis on his pills and him being a doctor? Why doesn't he actually use defibrillators in his side smash? He doesn't have his own and obvious, his own unique and obvious victory theme, and he shows little to no emotion, and that boggles their mind. Super jump, jump Punch, him using his lab coat and the tornado are all terrible special moves for him. His final smash is a huge missed opportunity to have it play like his origin game. He has literally no viruses in his tower moveset, and I forgot to hit read more on this. Oops! <laughs> Uh, I'll, I'll put that on screen. <laughs> Sorry about that. Uh, then I got um, James as well. Yep, that's the that's the green J. It's Mario in a doctor's coat. I don't know. He's a bit stronger than Mario, but l less athletic. So is he the evil Ryu of Smash? I got nothing for this character. He should have been replaced with Daisy back in Melee. The worst part, this is technically the only traditional puzzle character, and he does literally nothing with the concept. Has him in A tier. Well, I mean, that's not... I, I still don't know how to rank him. <laughs> yeah, um, I mean, it's traditional, only traditional puzzle character. Uh, yeah, you should be mad that Lip from Panel Dupon is not in the game. Because she's great. Panel Dupon is amazing. Tetris Attack is amazing. Pokemon Puzzle League rocks my socks. Like, with all the good concepts I've seen for both Lip and a Tetris, like, actual blocks character, mm -hmm. like... Repeated missed opportunities. Yeah, yeah. D Doc is a weird young Link case where if you make him, you 
Well, no, because they did make him unique. We had this conversation when we first discussed him. Yeah. And they just didn't do anything with him. I kind of love how lazy he is. I'm not going to lie. Yeah. I, we had this discussion as well. Like, yes, he's... I, I, I call him a bland, a bland, bad character design, but it's so funny in that way. Right? Like, the joke works because, oh yes, Mario has seen the evils of the world after he's gotten a PhD. He's become stronger, but also disillusioned. It, it only works because of this entire side narrative. Yeah. <laughs> it just doesn't exist. Exactly. I do think there is value that it kind of allows... I, I love seeing Mario and Dr. Mario in, as separate characters in, like, Smash Brothers comics. Like, like in the Awkward Zombie or um, uh, the Brawl in the Family. Yes. That's so funny. It's like, Dr. Mario has endeared himself because of how stupid it is to have Dr. Mario around. At the same time, like, I do think there's value in an overhauled moveset as well. I agree, but then he's less funny. Yeah. <laughs> because then he's an actual character and, like, why is he a different person? It's like, oh no, that has value now. Because he's not a shitty meme. <laughs> Like, to me, he feels like when they just, like, slightly recolor a fighting game character and say it's a new character, he's he's the Mortal Kombat ninja of the Smash cast. And I'd argue he's better in that way, just because of how stupid it is. Uh, it it, it depends on the character. ninja. Like, I love Reptile, Ermac, and Rain specifically because of they are stupid in-jokes. And I love the in-joke of Dr. Mario is in the game, because Sakurai just wanted the fever theme in the game. <laughs> Probably. I think it's been on an interview that that's why he's in. Because Sakurai liked the music. And you know, credit to him, it's a good theme. It is. I don't know, man. Do we remove him? <laughs> I, I can see where people are coming from. I can see it. But, like, looking at the characters in E-tier, there's a feeling of, like, crippling disappointment to me. For all of them. And Dr. Mario doesn't disappoint me. I'm just like, yeah, it's Dr. Mario. Look at this dude. <laughs> I, I think it's okay to keep him in detail just because even then, I feel like that joke could be further expanded upon. Oh, I agree. I agree. But like, I, I credit to the comments. Like, if you're looking at it, quote unquote, objectively, like, yeah, as a puzzle character, he completely fails in that regard. But like, it's. It's it's stupid. It's funny. Yeah, he's one of those weird cases where the whole smash thing overtakes him. And it's just like, oh, yeah, it's a lazy <laughs> Nobody design. Nobody would be asking for Dr. Mario exactly. if he wasn't in the game already. And people might be kind of upset if he was an alternate costume instead of a fully-fledged character. Yeah, I mean, I know like, people are upset that he's a fully-fledged character, or at least we're in Smash 4, but... At this point, maybe. Like, now that he's been retooled. Like, if, there, if there's a future Smash game, and they're like, like, they gave lots of custom moves to everybody the way I want them to, people be asking for, no, give Mario the Dr. Mario back throw. We, he needs the yeet. No, you, j you give everyone all these options, and then Dr. Mario is just as he is in Ultimate. Like, he is completely <laughs> unchanged. They just put him in the game. <laughs> and he's the only one He's like the that. only one who doesn't have anything special. It's just like, <laughs> fuck it, Dr. Mario. That'd be right. Okay, I'm, I'm okay with leaving Dr. Mario where he is. Yeah, you, you can move Zelda above him if you want, but, like, that's about it. I, I, I like Dr. Mario more than I like this design of Zelda. I do, too, but, like, they're on the line for me. 
You know, just, just to give credit to the comments, I'll, I'll, I'll do it for them. I'll do it for them. Okay. There you go. There you go. Uh, we also got some slander for Pichu for similar reasons. Well, not similar reasons, but uh, from Moose Man, uh, Pichu is better when he was objectively terrible because when he's good, you have no reason to choose him or Pikachu. You just choose the best one. When Pichu sucks ass, it's fun to win with the worst guy ever. Uh, Pichu is the best character is still funny, though, but that doesn't really the case anymore. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then Jamester has him in F tier. Pichu is a useless character. And not talking about how the character is a low tier. In Melee, he was the joke character who hurts himself, so winning with him was a power move. But currently, in terms of speed and power, he isn't that much different to Pikachu. So combined with his small size, he holds a significant advantage over a good member of the cast. But he's still hurting himself and is one of the lightest characters in the game. So in the end, all you're left with is a worse version of Pikachu. But he's not bad enough that it's funny when he wins. There is no reason to play this character. If you like the moveset, you're probably just going to play Pikachu. You can't even enjoy him for the lulls anymore. F-tier does not work. Nah, dude, he's so cute. <laughs> he's so cute. Have you seen they gave him a Team Aqua bandana? He's so cute. It's, it's a weird case where, like, if you're gonna make arguments for useless designs, for how big of a roster this is, I'd argue there's a lot of overlapping designs here. I agree, I... Especially once you're starting into the sword characters, Fire Emblem characters. Mm -hmm. I don't know if that's a knock against it. Yeah. Look, I, I know that I made the argument of Pichu does not have a different function than Pikachu. And I agree, that's what holds him back from being great, because one is inherently going to be better than the other. And whichever one is inherently better is the better design. But... I also think that the unique aspects of Pichu, uh, it hurting himself and him having that smaller hitbox and whatnot, do differentiate him enough. Like, it's an idea, it is an evolution of design, and it's enough for people to get attached to it, because there's a risk-reward with Pichu that doesn't exist with Pikachu. You are always on the line. You are always, as you're playing the game, you get these extraordinary bursts of power that Pikachu doesn't have. And like like his side B. Pikachu's side B sucks. Pichu's side B is hilarious. He just goes <laughs> noom. And you never see that boy again. Like, I do agree that ultimately one of them does greatly outclass the other and that their lack of differentiation does hold them back. I wish Pikachu had a few more unique attacks, like that did paralysis, so that his strategy would be differentiated from Pichu's, so that Pichu could just be melee Pichu, but good, in, like, a sort of Link-Young Link way. But, like, I'm happy Pichu's here. I like that he's a cute little gremlin. He's really <laughs> I cute. Like, he works on... He works on a level that a character like, say, Mega Man or Diddy does not. Because I don't look at Diddy and go, oh, look, a cute little monkey. I go, oh, look, a disappointment. Yeah, and Pichu is no... Well, uh, aspects of Pichu's design are disappointing, but Pichu itself isn't disappointing. Yeah. Like, you were happy when you saw him. Yeah, I was like, yo, Pichu's back! It was one of the biggest pop-ups of that that realization that, oh, yeah, everyone... Everyone they means mean everyone. Like, yeah, like, as soon as I saw everyone's here, I'm like, oh, shit, Snake. Does that mean Pichu? And then Pichu popped up, and it was 
magical. And the reason that realization is there is because it is kind of a useless design, and like, yeah, it doesn't bring much to the table, but it's nice to have it. It's adorable. Uh, I don't feel the need to nuke him down any further. Like, he's still mixed for the, like, what could have been. Right. But I'm happy he's here. Yeah. Like, would a Raichu design be better? Yes. Any Pikachu clone design would be better. Uh, well, okay, fair enough. There's a lot of dumb ones out there, but... Yeah, I'm looking at, like, the Dene, and like, nah, Pichu's cuter. I forgot the Dene even existed. But, like, Mimikyu, uh... Well, yeah, but, like, you can't just say Mimikyu. Mimikyu's, like, a top-five Pokemon design. <laughs> sure. And Mimikyu would probably be unique to the point that it wouldn't have much to yeah. do with it. It would, like, have its taunts as the same as Pikachu's. I mean, oh, that'd be great. Just trying to do the same adorable stuff, but it's absolutely terrifying. Pika. <laughs> but yeah, P- Pichu's fine. Yeah. I'm not going to move him. Yeah. Um, got a few. Uh, Falco, after that. Uh, Spacey's was still excellent. Skip that. Yep. Surprise, surprise. Uh, few people just praising Marth even more than we did. Oh, we had one quick um nitpick from uh, uh, Just a Cat again. Okay. I thought was worth mentioning. Doesn't like how Marth swings his sword in a very similar way to his F-tilt, up-tilt, jab attack, jab one, down smash, final smash, and side. Just how many similar sword swings are in a lot of his moves. Uh, Roy has more variety with his sword axe than Marth, honestly. It's like Sonic turning into a ball situation. It makes his animation slightly bland. I I can kind of see where you're coming from with that. Uh, Marth is the de facto, he's just swinging a sword Mm -hmm. character. And like, I, I will always argue that there are ways to differentiate sword characters further. I agree. Like, there, there, there's so many ways to do that, but I, I think it's fine. I think that Marth specifically needs to have a level of readability and practicality to himself, because, like, if you're fighting Marth, you you know the length of that sword. Like, you know yeah. where it's going. The, uh... The animation for it is almost ancillary to the function, and Marth just having very steady swordplay, so to speak, I think, uh, very much fits his character as the most bland, bland man. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and it works. Like, he's he's a function of swordplay and a function of Fire Emblem, and, like, you can add personality to him, but then it's a Roy situation where, okay, it's a new character now. Yeah, and what do you even do with that? We'll get to that shortly. Mm-hmm. Uh, first, there's a... James throws an argument for S-tier. Uh, the original Sword Lord of both Fire Emblem and Smash Brothers really likes what they did with the character, really likes the idea that since Marth was a nobleman and his default weapon is rapier, Smash made him a fencing master to the point that he does bonus damage if you land attacks with the point of his sword. Most of his moves are made up, but there is some clever adaptation. We all know about the counter, and we can argue that it doesn't work like that in Fire Emblem. I'd argue that a parry attack does fit the Noble Fencer motif more than any other Effie character. Shield Breaker is probably based off of the Rapier's natural ability to break armor, or the Luna skill. Uh, probably not the Luna skill, I don't think that it existed when Marth got it. Yeah. Well, maybe, um, when it was changed to the Smash Brothers. Ah, no, probably not. But anyway, Dancing Blade is the only one I'm not sure about. It's, is it supposed to be Aster? So if so, why does it only have four motions? Again, this is, maybe this was the inspiration for things like Astra and Luna, just tying these ideas from, I don't know, maybe a brace up, regardless, it still goes with the fencing theme. 
Does Marth represent Fire Emblem as a franchise? Not really, I don't think he's supposed to. If anything, the character that should represent Effie as a whole should be Anna. But he does represent the Lord class, and in that regard he does it very well. So well, in fact, that Westerners became attached to this character from a franchise that they never even heard of. Melee is not the reason why Fire Emblem came to the West, that's Advanced Wars. But it cannot be understated that Melee give, gave a face to the name, if you will, when Fire Emblem did come stateside. Marth had become such a smash icon that the DS remakes of his games gave him new animations that make him fight more like he does in Smash. This is such a big showcase of why Smash is so special. Besides, the devs clearly loved his design so much that they did it again at least three more times and added a bunch of other characters from the series, for better or worse. And making him, just ranking him S tier because of that. Okay. Uh, I don't know if I, like, we did talk about how Marth kind of gets that Fire Emblem idea through the, um, spacing mechanics, which I do agree with. Exactly. Yeah. And I feel like if he's not representing Fire Emblem, and you're just representing Marth through this design, then God, is he boring. Yeah. <laughs> like, I want to just double down on how boring of a character Marth is. And, like, if you want to go, okay, let's base it off of Marth as a character, then give him the damn Fire Emblem. Or at least the rapier. Like, they, they do this weird... Weirdly, they give him the endgame sword, but not the other half of the endgame equipment. Yeah. But also design him around the early game sword. Like, just... There's, there's, there's some weirdness there. Yeah, it, I feel like you can't have it both ways. It's a matter of either, okay, this is Marth, uh, he represents Fire Emblem and its spacing and its identity, but he's kind of bland, though, and we took out all the flavor, but, like, the base of what's there is super, super good. Or you have, okay, here's Marth, uh, we forgot the icon of the series, oops, sorry, guys. I'll also still make the case that for being the rapier fencer, I'm not quite feeling the um the Princess Bride duelist that I would want from him yet. Yes. I, I feel like there's room to push that further. Yes. He has room to grow as a character still. Like, I feel like he has a function, but for S tier, I am always going to go, okay, give me more though. I saw a few people argue that he's better in Shadow Dragon. I'm not sure I like the, the remake on the DS. I'm not sure I agree. I, I, I've literally tried to play that game before and gotten bored. It's so boring. Of the oh my god. Like, guys, I've sat through FE12, which is, like, his best game. And, like, nah, dude. I will give you that Katarina is amazing, though. I love her. So, if you want, if you want a bone... <laughs> I never even got that for, far. If you want a bone for, uh... What is it? Arcania? Arcania? If you want a bone for Marth Continent, there you go. I don't really feel a need to move Marth. I just wanted to give credit to the... Because it is impressive, like, what Marth has done. It, like, ma I, I do like the bone thrown to Advance Wars because people do not give enough credit to that tactical side of the GBA era. That game was popular when it came yeah. out. Yeah. Yeah. I, th I think just to finalize my thoughts on Marth here, uh, for Marth to be in S tier, he would have to make me feel like Fox does. Yeah. Yeah, I see that. I see that. And he doesn't. Just straight up. Yeah, no. Fox is much better at being a daredevil than Marth is at being the classy lord. Kind of how Robin makes me feel about Fire Emblem, but Robin fails with his character. Mm-hmm. You just got, you got to get, get, blend that together, and maybe you got the perfect Fire Emblem character. You very well just might. Uh, and then to, just a quick aside for Lucina, a couple of people made arguments that she fulfills a role as a simplified version of Marth to represent the simpler introduction to Fire Emblem that was Awakening, and I do think that's true, but I, I'm going to keep 
I'm gonna stand by my sit by my guns that she's just straight up echoing the wrong character. Roy yeah. and Lucina should switch places. Yeah, absolutely. There. Like she she literally uses the Aether attack against Krom in that cinematic. Like they literally fight the exact same way. Um since we kind of covered them all at the same time, uh Krom, utterly forgettable. Yeah. Just, like I, I don't feel a need to move in at all. Yeah, funny uppy. In it, indeed. Uh, some people want to give Roy some credit, though. Which, <laughs> we kind of locked him in this, that same Luigi zone, and we're going right back, but... do have two comments. Running with Scissors argues that Roy should be much higher. This fact that Smash took this nothing character and made him so dynamic and explosive is a much better way of representing him than bringing over his incompetent persona from his games. Roy was, is literally the worst lord in the series, so taking his concept from Melee and not only making it work properly, but evolving it into this agro-swordsman play style deserves commendation. And then from... Uh, is this James again? Yep. Roy is an anomaly. He uses a sword but is actively punished for spacing with it. He's supposed to be an inexperienced lord, so they gave him an incredibly aggressive playstyle. He's a character, the one character that Sakurai straight up admits that he got wrong. He's also the most fun of the sword lords. Roy's unique take on swordsmanship by using the hilt is not only unique within the context of Smash, but to my knowledge, unique to all fighting game characters. Is that true? Maybe? And as this anti-footsies character, Roy ends up becoming one of the most fun takes on a sword fighter due to being a character that is pure aggression, and that is so much fun. Smash 4 even redid his animations to better land hits with the hilt, so they were able to differentiate him from Marth similar to, say, Falco. I won't say he's perfect by any means, since he's basically an anti-Marth, so he's not that unique and the playstyle doesn't really fit him as a character, but is that even worth caring about? I still don't know about Roy. Yeah, I... It's such a weird take or that this is the better character without question mm-hmm. but it's a completely new character how 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 does that even line up uh it lines up as ganondorf and look who's in d tier and look we put roy above ganondorf well i also feel like what ganondorf doesn't have has value though what roy doesn't have has zero value whatsoever exactly that's why he's above ganondorf like is there a unique identity with Roy as a fighting game character? Yes. I'd even argue it's a good one. Yeah. The fact that Krom exists, honestly, I think hurts Roy, because now here is a character with the personality to use this moveset with. And honestly, one that might have been better if they'd focused solely on him yes. for it. Because the fact that Krom kind of just... I hate what they did with his wrist for that moveset. Like, it looks so weird. Oh yeah, no, it's, it's ugly, but it works for him. Like, I don't think that adding Roy back into the game instead of adding Krom, but he has Roy's moveset, really has much value. I think if Krom came first and they rework, and with Roy's reworks, and then they had Roy as the everyone is here back, and he functioned a little bit more like a melee character rather than his pure Smash 4 redesign, then I think that he would have more of an identity. Just imagine the shitstorm of having Krom be that DLC slot that Roy was <laughs> alongside Corrin. Yes! Just wow! Do it! Ruin everything! <laughs> Three Awakening characters in one game! All debuting at the same time, except Krom is late. Oh, that would have been hilarious. But also, I feel like the 
moveset has more punch with Roy because it's explosive and fiery. Yeah. Crom's got this weird wind thing to him. Yeah, but Crom has that weird wind thing because explosive and fiery was taken by Roy. True, true. To, to give, like, the closest example I can think of, because I think that, honestly, Crom and Roy hurt each other by both being in the game. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Pichu and Pikachu. You know, Pichu still has those elements of its personality. It's still cute. It's a redundant design, but it's still neat. I still like it. Roy is that, but he's not neat. He just happened to come first, and then someone came and was like, hey, I'm you, but cooler. I mean, I I wouldn't even argue. I think Roy's cooler, but it's also not Roy. In in Smash, Which is sure, so odd. but the reason that Krom isn't cooler than Roy is because Roy took the effects that Krom should have. <laughs> it's so weird. I don't know. Do, do we move him at all? No. Okay. <laughs> no. He's good. But he's also worthless. It's such an interesting character study. If Roy gets a remake that makes him a better character, then that's better. Yeah. Like if, they, if, they, if they make some, if they use this at all, it's a better design. But as this ends now, it's it's just odd. And then uh, this was uh, this was the point that we uh, covered Corin originally, right? Which I actually got. Quite a few comments through this. I want to shout out Anankos again for just being an upstanding individual. Yes, thank you very talking much. Talking to Corn really. with me. Uh, I got a uh, very long, very well written uh, comment from Ditto Master about Fire Emblem Fates, talking about how it's a bit unfair to pin all of the problems on Fire Emblem Fates on Corin. Which is absolutely fair. I think over time, I've just kind of mentally scapegoated that game on that character just because it's easy and it's fun. Well, it's a matter of it's how it was marketed to you. Like, that was the sell job for Corin, And that was the introduction of just, hey, look at the new hotness. Look at this new hotness. Look at their feet, though. Look at this really important choice you have to make in the game that will completely define it. It will be so hard to make, but it's in the fifth mission and you barely got to know any of the characters beforehand, making it totally superficial. I exactly. The entire... And you have to pay for the choice beforehand. The entire identity of Corin is based around something that is ultimately superfluous. I mean, it, it makes a lot of dramatic sense from a quote on the back of the box sense, but it doesn't really affect their character in any meaningful way after purchase. It It's basically the difference of, okay, did you buy the version with Growlithe or with Vulpix? That's such a mean choice. I want both. I know, but Growlithe is better. Uh, th there was a point that Digital Master made, um... That um, they have a lot more respect for something that tries to be ambitious but fails to deliver than something that barely tried at all. I disagree with that in terms of, like, they're talking about characters like um, Corrin and Greninja throwing out that um, they want to represent these lackluster games. Um, I feel like if that's the case, go crazier with the character choice. Give me another Jigglypuff. Yeah. Don't, don't even bother with Corrin. Even people that played Fates don't like Corrin. Just to get, get, give me, like, one... A, just put all the characters on a dartboard, put all those Pokemon, and just close your eyes and see what you get. Ah, uh, uh, shit, we got Rajad again. 
But it, but exactly, exactly. Get one of the cooler classes from that game. You bring in the dragon version of Corrin, where the dragon version has almost nothing to do with the gameplay of that game. It, it, it's a weird idea of it's advertising the game. What? This isn't like the game at all. I've made it very clear my thoughts on Fire Emblem Fates, mm -hmm. but I will double down that the the difference of classes, like making those faction based, like having the Japanese medieval inspired uh, Hoshido and the European medieval designed Nor, mm -hmm. that is the best thing Fire Emblem has ever done. I wish they did more of that. The fact that they went back on that for Fire Emblem Three Houses is like the biggest misstep in my opinion, because that would have been amazing to have like the have like Claude's faction like getting kind of maybe like. Arabia in style people from the his homeland that I can't remember. Yes. They got the, the traditional ones from uh, uh, Dimitri and maybe more like uh, Germanic, Bulgarian, this like Central Europe for um, Edelgard, yeah. Edelgard, that would have been amazing. But no, didn't happen. Makes me sad. Yeah. But yeah, just, just to compare uh, Corin to Greninja. Greninja, yeah, it doesn't quite work like it does in the game, but like Greninja is still cool. He's still a cool frog. With Pokemon, you have the base design and you have the base identity, and it still gets to capture that, and it does a good job of that. Corrin actually, like, has a place and a purpose and a personality, and if you screw that up, that's a much bigger flaw than just inventing a personality for a Pokemon. Well, I don't even know if they've even screwed up the personality, it's just that the personality there... Like the the whole I win victory animation. That's accurate. The fact that the personality is just I'll, insufferable. I'll, I'll take your word for it. Actually, I have a few comments from Adam Coast talking about Corin. Okay. Uh, they feel that Corin's inclusion honestly feels quite a bit rushed. Not only did Corin not come with a brand new stage like the other Super Smash Brothers for Wii U DLC newcomers, but the only song that came with them were less than half of the credits theme and a remix of it. It's jarring because Ar Fire Emblem Fates has arguably the most unique music and locations. Again, the the. The separation thing, like, Fights Face was so good with that. Like, the music being different between the versions. Like, god, that game's a missed potential. But, like, that kind of goes back to, like, the, um, uh, the concepts art character that this character is. Yeah. It's fun to hear you be frustrated. <laughs> uh, I, I want to find... Anikos actually made a write-up about how they feel about Corrin as an actual Smash design, and I want to throw that out as someone who actually knows the character very, very, very well. Okay, alright. Um, doesn't agree that Corrin is a bad character, that Fire Emblem Fates and Smash Brothers would be better without them. I, you all know my thoughts on that. Mm -hmm. As someone who played Fates and personally likes Corrin, they would put their design in Smash Brothers as either and could be improved in many regards or begging for an overhaul. While I don't know myself, perhaps Corrin was picked over Elma because they could reuse aspects for Corrin more than they could for Elma. Uh, that is true, actually. They, like, there's a couple of reuse animations. Like, I know the down smash for sure is Mii Fighters. Um, Brawlers, to be specific. Right. Corrin extends their arms so and feet so many times in the moves that I can understand why something that is basic or does not represent the dragons of the Fire Emblem series well. I think that is fine for Corrin to do so in moves like their forward smash and side smash attacks, but I think that other moves can be changed to incorporate water and other parts of their dragon form's body, like the tail for perhaps their down tilt attack. It just seems that Nintendo wanted a character from a recently released game to be added for the DLC of Smash Brothers for Wii U 3DS, and Corrin was the easiest to make a simple moveset out of that at least still had references something. Uh, you do not have to read this if you don't want to. I do want to because you're a well-worded individual. Yes, thank you. I thought of a word that may counter this problem that I mentioned and may perhaps even help others see Corrin in a more positive light. Degeneration. 
Uh, beyond this will be uh, spoilers for Fire Emblem Fates and other Fire Emblem games, so please be careful. I'll be careful about the spoilers for other Fire Emblem games. Uh, I'm not going to be for Fates. Uh, sorry, not sorry. In the Fire Emblem series, most dragons tend to live for a very long time at the cost of their minds slowly regenerating as they get older. Many of the main villains of the Fire Emblem series are dragons that have degenerated or gone mad. Signs of said generation can be even seen at younger ages through sudden and primal desires to destroy. This happens to Corrin in Fire Emblem Fates during Chapter 5 in All Roots. <laughs> if they kept it, it would have been a better character. In it, Corrin is racked with grief and goes on a rampage after witnessing the Just the benevolent. So why not use degeneration as a theme for a new moveset? My proposed idea is that Corrin has their own meter that increases with time and as they receive and deal damage. However, the moves that increase the meter are the ones in which Corrin uses Dragon Fang. For this, when Corrin has a new down special attack similar to Jokers and Clouds called Dragon Ward, which is similar to the same, skill of the same name in Fire Emblem Fates, when it put in the down special attack, Corrin makes the same pose that you make in the counter surge move, receiving half the damage from the attacks when hits, and their meter will fill up much faster than when Cloud, like, basically that same move. On the downside, they flinch when hit, and if Corrin is hit during the downtime of the move, they will receive a, a half more damage. Once the meter is full, the player can then put the down special attack again to cause Corrin to suddenly go mad. In this state, now Corrin has new properties, attack effects, and animations, voice lines, victory animations, and a different victory theme that originates from the sun. It's a very good write-up. I'll probably just throw the whole thing up there. Basically showing that, yeah, what if Corrin was actually like Corrin in the game? I feel like it's giving a little too much credit to what Corrin was in this game, because this is literally based off of just one moment. But it's also like putting forward a better Fire Emblem of Fates at the same time. So what you're so saying really credit. is that maybe basing a character off of their design when they're made to have a storyline and an identity was a poor design decision. <laughs> it's wanting me to have a better Corrin. Because like, I like the idea of that. I like that idea of the, um, the, the lycanthrope that can't really control... Their power when they get stressed. I do too. That's really and engrossing just for isn't me. That, but it's like we're looking at all of these characters who you know express themselves through their design, through their animation, who gain identity through Smash and whatnot, and how Corin is the opposite of that, and just tones it down to that very base, very marketable level. I do have a few comments from. Uh other people in that regard. Well, shout-outs to Anikos. That was a very good write-up for... I, again, I feel like you're giving Corrin a little too much credit there, but... Yes, uh, yes. If you had been in charge of Fire Emblem Fates' writing, I think I would have enjoyed the game more. Like, I I got genuinely invested in Corrin's character through that. I would have genuinely enjoyed a Smash design like that, yeah. Okay, there's a couple of smaller ones. I got a funny comment from uh, the Avski 14 What's funny is that I honestly think Smash Brothers uses Korn's dragon form way more than Fates' story actually does. And thinking back on it, I think that's actually correct. That one moment that Anikos describes is really the only moment it ever happens in the actual story of the game. Really? Yeah. Wow. Hate that for you. Yeah, if you just want any more of a service level Korn as a, as a character, there's the most interesting part of it. Uh, Careless Fool says, Finally, the water deer dragon in the room has been addressed. As much as they dislike Fates for running with the lowest common denominator in a botched attempt to replicate Awakening's success, I do kind of like Korn's design for being so weird. Yeah, it's not exactly a good representation of the Manichaeats. It is a terrible representation of the Manichaeats. But I feel like s someone like Tiki would come with their own design hurdles that Korn kind of oversteps with their Dragon Fame-inspired attacks. I actually saw a couple of discussions about that, saying that a Manichaeat couldn't work because... A proper dragon transformation would be 
too big or hard to grab or something like that. I think that the way that the mana keep functions in of itself overrides that completely. Mm -hmm. I have a mental image of a character that has to hold on to an item, which holding on to an item makes it so you can only use specials. Right. And those specials transform into the dragon and do giant screen clearing attacks. Like giving you super armor stuff, making all those um, uh, worries kind of unnecessary. Ne- un- because that's what the mana key is in the game. If you don't right. have the dragon stone, you're kind of useless. Yeah. So yeah, don't argue with that, but I can, uh, I can see where people are coming from, like just using corns like, oh yeah, that's the easy option. But like, no, mm-hmm. no they don't. Uh, it actually annoys Careless Fool that they put so much effort into distinguishing them from the other Fire Emblem sorties, because now they'll feel a little bad if they get cut out. Nah, nah, they can die. I'd put on the face of being sad for the fans, but no. Uh, Timur Tabor, 123, says, Corrin is a really interesting case study in the conflict that can exist in fighting game design versus the presentational needs of a crossover game. Fighting games tend to benefit from having varied rosters while crossover-centric media benefits from popular and important characters. Corn fulfills the forced thing, but not the forced thing? The forced thing. Yes, yes, it is very forced. Thank you. <laughs> the first thing, but not really the second. If you come through the Sakurai Nintendo perspective of the game feel over presentation, which I tend to agree with, Corn arguably succeeds more than they fail. <sighs> I have such a hard time being objective about this. Because I actively enjoy ragging on Corrin so much. Mm-hmm. But I can't see where you're coming from there. Uh, and there's one more. Uh, it's probably from James because Yeah, yeah, of course it is. <laughs> uh, I was going to make a joke about how you guys had the deepest discussion about this character. How I really appreciated it when Duke brought up the point about when fates, what fates parts of the series. And about how Pierre made a great point about how Corrin's feet turn into hands. But then you guys actually decided to have the deepest discussion about Corrin. So yeah, thanks for that. Yeah, no problem. It's so weird when their feet turn into hands. A YouTuber called Shamey once described Ridley as a bunch of words meant to excite a five-year-old. Dragon, pirate, alien, dinosaur. But how he was still a great character. Corrin is a miracle of a character where somehow you took that same philosophy, prince slash princess, chainsaw sword, dragon, voiced by a ninja turtle, and liquid snake, and somehow it's all terrible. But all jokes aside, Corrin is just there. He doesn't do anything that offends me outside of existing. He's the definition of just another Fire Emblem character. Even the dragon transformations is just an aesthetic move more than a mechanic. There really is nothing special about this character at all. Worst part of that is that he didn't have to be. If I had to prefer, pr- improve the character, I, I'd compare it to an inverse of uh, Valkenhayn from Blaze Blue. I don't know if you know that, but I, I'm not familiar. Uh, uh, not that specific one, no. Valkenhayn is a Valkenthrope who is... I don't know why I said that. He explains it right afterwards. Whose drive unique power gimmick in Blaze Blue is allowing him to turn into a wolf. He can also do the same half-shift thing that Corrin does for his normals. So really, the dude balances out slow, strong human attacks, which then combo into his wolf forms, weaker, faster attacks, and back and forth. Except again, this would be an inverse. His beast form is slow but powerful, while the human form is quicker. It's not much, but it pays way better surface to the mannequins than what we have now. Because as of this now, he really is just another Fire Emblem character. There's a reason people want Yudin from Dragalia Lost in Smash. His primary just to be a Corrin what Corrin was supposed to be, a sword fighter that can transform into a dragon. Tempted to put them in Nectar just because of how much, how much he dragged Fire Emblem down, which I might even make a case for as well. But Jameser doesn't think that the fighting des- game design is a complete failure in the way that Olimar's is, and things like the pin still give him enough of a flavor that, say, Pichu doesn't have. Ranks him in E overall. I could see dragging Corrin down to E, just because... If we're talking about wasted potential, like, I- ignoring the implications for the story, but if we're talking about wasted potential, it's there. There's a ton of surface-level detail for Corrin here, 
and a bunch of unique moves that, admittedly, you don't get anywhere else on the roster and are fun. But thinking about it, what does Pin do aside from be another move? What does his cool back air that push you, pushes you in a direction do aside from being a unique move? How does that add to Corrin's identity? What does that do for his game plan? What is the idea of Corrin? Is he a pinpoint precision character? Is he a quick rushdown character? Is he a mid-range fighter who then knocks you into close range for a finisher? I don't know what Corrin does. I didn't grab a comment for it specifically. I also saw people trying to argue that he's not supposed to argue the man. He's not supposed to represent the manic heats. He's supposed to represent the dragons themselves. Uh, I think that fails in that regard as well. Corrin's dragon is so, so weird. And in addition to that, Anankos just wrote up a far, far better design for what a proper Fire Emblem dragon in Smash Brothers could be. Yeah. <laughs> Ironically, I got excited for Corrin's potential in the game, which I never thought was possible. Well done, Anankos. But that makes me want to drop them down on the tier list. Because now I have an idea of what they could be, and this just is not it. Yeah, we need sexy werewolf Corrin. And that's on top of, like, I do kind of want to have a conversation, like, does Corrin hurt Fire Emblem's reputation a bit? Because, like, holy just the amount of bad vibes that has been created that wasn't there with Robin and wouldn't have been there with Byleth, I think. Well, it would probably have been there. Just it, some, it would be. Everyone, that, was, that was a I poorly timed. Yeah, everyone is here hurts Fire Emblem more than Corin does. Yeah, I don't know. I, I, I think there's a point to be made there. I, I think there's this balancing scale of what Corin brings to the table versus the harm that he's brought with him as well. Mm-hmm. Like, obviously, it hasn't affected the sales of the series at all. Right. Right. But it has. It has made it harder to talk about. Which I feel, feel like maybe they, the series could be doing even better if that wasn't there. Firearm's just a fascinating, like, case study of the disconnect that exists between, like, how it, it interacts with Smash Brothers. Because even, like, traditional Fire Emblem fans kind of don't like modern Fire Emblem because of the direction the series has gone. And they haven't been satisfied with Smash Brothers as well because where's Lin? Where's Hector? Where's all those characters they've been act- asking for for so long? Damn. To get Corrin there instead is. Really weird. You really sound like a Shimigami Tensei fan right now. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if that drops him down to F tier. I just want to throw that mindset out there. Mm-hmm. I don't think he's tanked the series, or at least yeah, the perception of the I series. I think that I think that Waifu Simulator did a lot more damage than Corin. <laughs> I think that Pet the Girl is a bit more contentious than... This is also the character that represents those games, though. Yes, but at the same time, it's not because I'm petting him specifically. It's because (laughs) of the difference... Corrin is the one that is petting. That's actual in-lore, that in-game. It's literally Corrin doing it. It is? Yeah, yeah. You you invite someone to their room, and that's just... Oh, no! Oh, no! That's Corrin. It's so weird. I don't like that. Yeah, no, the fire on the face is fucking weird, man. I don't like that at all. God, and ooh. I'm willing to I know, drop I, to I, E. I don't think that they... I don't think that they're an abject failure in everything. I think that an earnest attempt was made and enough can be gained from it. Like, I don't... 
I don't think that the smash design of Corin is as damaging as the smash design of Palutena. Yes, I will say that. Uh, where in E tier, then? Um, hmm. For better and worse, it kind of gets the character around. Like, sorry, Anankos, but the character you're putting forward is a is a better character that isn't in the game. Mm-hmm. Um, that's hard because Diddy makes me angrier, but I love Diddy. And, like, he gets more better, but what he doesn't get makes me more upset because I love Diddy. Like, like you're asking me to compare stuff that I have heavy investment in in Diddy and Sonic to something that I have zero investment in and try to make an intellectual guess. Uh, I, I'll say that Korn is another, uh, not, not in placement, but I'd compare what Korn could be to what Roy is right now. A better Korn would be taking this character and literally making a better character. Whereas Diddy is, Diddy's playstyle actively hurts who his character is because it acts, it's completely antithetical to who he is with the banana. Okay. I'm looking at Lucario right now and trying to figure out if I put him above or below. I'll put him below Lucario. Because, like, Lucario is a Pokemon that tanks its potential, but at least there's, like, there's some stuff there. And I can say that about Corrin. There's some stuff there. But also, we don't like Corrin less. And it's (laughs) our list, and I'm God now. You can't stop me. I have more fun with the fun things that Lucario has. Yeah, I like Extreme Speed. Extreme Speed is very fun, yeah. Yeah. Alright, so between Lucario and Diddy Kong. Alrighty. Also, all of that, and he moves down two spots. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, okay. Uh, next was Young Link. Uh, we got a lot of easy skips yeah. to go through now. Uh, a lot of people were harping on the wasted potential, but that potential, what Young Link is in this game, just that's those, that potential and what Young Link has is just a different character. Yeah. Like, Majora's Mask Link would not exist. Yeah, if you give that, if you extend that to Young Link, you extend the same to Jigglypuff, and she's much worse. And I'm not moving Jigglypuff. Yeah, I I feel like if you take, like, there's, it's a sliding scale of just how many different characters could be different things. Young Link only exists to be uh, the smaller Link, to be that mirror, that Ocarina of Time reference to... Hey, yeah, isn't it cute? Like, we got both of them here between the different timelines. Woo! Which was neat. And he now exists to uh, harken back to that while also doubling down as a way to kind of get that classic Link playstyle. Yeah. Like, I I do fully agree that's whole... Just, God, would I love that Majora's Mask Link idea. Although, no, well, actually, I'd rather have a separate Goron, Zora, Deku, uh, just separate characters because like there's a big problem with just zelda characters not just having just the triforce come on let's get some get some variety in the mix but oh don't get me started otherwise we're going to have an hour-long discussion about how much i secretly love tingle no i love tingle as well just tingle skull kid just any of the sages any of the champions just no just tingle (laughs) he would be he would be goofy he would be goofy but yeah for what for what young link is like it's it's the bottom of B tier. It's fine for what it is. He he could be better, but he wouldn't exist. Yeah. He does the limited function that they want him to do well and isn't Toon Link levels of redundant. Like, if if you want to swap their places, fine. Oh, no. Toon Link's absolutely the worst of the two because the cartoon antics he could bring with, like, 
like the skull hammer, for example, is much crazier. Oh, I, oh, I, I fully I agree. But I'm just saying, if you, the nebulous viewer who I'm speaking to right now, would like to swap the two in your soul because you care about uh, Majora's Mask more than you care about Wind Waker, that's fine. Well, even even then, I, I'm put. My mindset is that to, Young Link is in um uh, B tier because like if he was higher, he'd be just like throwing in a few different items to like showcase like Zelda a little bit more, but not branching out further. Right. As the Majora's Mask Link is an entirely different character. That mm-hmm. that is not what Young Link's potential is. Right. In this case, yes, like, he's still B tier here because even what he's supposed to be, like he could still have this slingshot. He, he, he could, th- there's little, there's little things you could have to make him more interesting here. Mm-hmm. He's still that redundancy, it's just that that redundancy doesn't hurt as much here, and it's a nice nod to uh, the time skip of Ocarina of Time, as well as the younger incarnations of Link that exist. Okay, fine. Sorry, guys, I tried to throw you a bone, but no, you're just wrong. <laughs> it happens sometimes. Uh, moving on to uh, Ganondorf, uh... <laughs> General agreement, he's both a massive waste of a character and yet simultaneously perfect for what he should be. Yep. Such a fascinating character, but... I, I love I him. Just, I hate him. Yep. Right about where he should be. And then uh, Game & Watch. Still amazing. Uh, some people think he's even better, but I do still agree that his character design does inherently limit him a bit. He's, a, he's about as good as he could be right now without like giving him smoother animations. And when you do that, you kind of ruin what makes him so special. Exactly. He's... He is an absolutely perfect reference, and it's just the fact that Smash Brothers is a fighting game. If this was a yeah. pure platformer, he would be incredible. 100%. If, if this were a single-player game, like a Kirby-style game, he would be up there. Absolutely. Ah, moving on to uh, Ultimates. Uh, a lot of characters here, uh, but there's a lot Mewtwo. of ones that... Oh, I did skip Mew- I did. I skipped Mewtwo! I just didn't write him down. <laughs> wow okay sorry Mewtwo it's just almost like your design is that I did get one comment from Mewtwo okay um from Epic Gamer Saurus I think I got might have gotten more but this is the only one that really struck a chord with me okay. uh, I feel like Mewtwo's moveset is less about based around having ultimate power like Ganondorf and more about ultimate power over the opponent using his psychic power examples being his specials that flip around the opponent and stun them they want to fully lens this, making him grad centers would work, and they could make him his animations really cool for it. No Mewtwo uses disable is kind of dumb. They could have just set easily just set it Psy Shock, and it wouldn't have made a difference. Uh, they love the idea of a teleporting centered character. There are so many characters that do teleport, but since it's generally a slow recovery, it doesn't get to be used very offensively. Mewtwo's is the fastest, and I think it fits it fits best on this psych- psychic fella. So having his teleport not make him go help us. Oh, this is more. Sorry, this is more ideas about how he could be better. Yeah, which I do agree with all of them. Yes, but to, um, kind of just throw it at that um idea of having him uh, embody that ultimate power, more of having him like mess with his opponent specifically, like having him stun, having him pick up. I feel like if that was the case, then he needed to go so much farther. Agreed. Like, he needed to lock out moves. He needs to, um... Uh, if you remember back, way back when we did the, um, the design doors where we, like, brought character ideas, I brought in Psychomantis. Yes. Just that level of just messing with what people can do. Like, if that was the design idea... You cannot do anything beyond. to him. He has an answer to everything. 
One of my favorite Let's Play quotes is when the super best friends are playing uh, Metal Gear Rising Revengeance and they're looking at Jetstream Sam and they go, yeah, fuck him up. And then he blocks their sword and he smiles and they go, oh shit, he's unfuckable. (laughs) That's what I want from you two. And that would be what would fit his character. As he is now, he is... ah, I don't know if I'd... Like, the the weirdness of F-tier, like, actually, like, having damages to the character. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I'd be, I'd put him underneath Samus in a heartbeat if it was just solely based off of character designs. I think Mewtwo is awful. I wouldn't quite, because I do appreciate a couple little things on him. I like, uh, I like Shadow Ball a lot. That shouldn't be his main move but it is because pokemon the first movie was so important and it does have that impact that you want i love his uh f4 air. i love the shadow claw i love the way that you can float back and forth and how it looks effortless as he's just clawing at you i like right, how yeah. strongly his shadow effects are established i love his grabs there are things i love about him that don't exist within samus yeah, that's fair, that's fair. A lot of him is fundamentally wrong, yes, but there are a couple things that are still Mewtwo, and those don't damage him because it's Mewtwo. Like, in the same way that Sonic isn't damaged, Mewtwo has that to a lesser extent, mind you, but, like, Pokemon is a little bit bigger than Smash Brothers. Yeah, just a bit. And Mewtwo might be one of the ten most recognizable Pokemon, just makes it all the more a shame that they didn't capture that the, the the Sephiroth that came later. Yes. Yeah, he he he's staying right where he is. Yeah. Oh, okay. Now we get to ultimate. Sorry, Mewtwo. Your design should have been better. <laughs> uh, we got a lot of characters here, but there's a lot of ones that people disagree. Like, oh yeah, that's amazing. Let's let's move on. Uh, first off is Inkling, and I do actually have a a really good comment on Inkling. If I can find that real quick. Um, from uh, Rick Naturalis, counter-argument about Inkling. Even though territory control is the whole Splatoon thing, it's also a very fast-paced and movement-based. Translating territory control into Smash would result in a really campy character, which is the complete opposite of how Splatoon goes. Unless you're doing an Inkling ditto, you'd never get that, ter- ter- that territory control. But in my experience, you do that get that from constantly having to keep up pressure on the opponent to keep them constantly inked up. That gets off the plane of Splatoon extremely well. Just straight up fair point, yeah. The more the more I think about it, the more just that territory inking up the stage just doesn't work in Smash. Much as I'd love to have that as a reference. I disagree. Because I feel like, imagine that you have territory control, and instead of being a debuff for your opponent, it's a movement buff for Inkling. They can jump higher, move faster, get kill power from it. Because that's one of the big issues with Inkling's kit, is that They struggle with closing out stocks. They do a great job racking up damage due to the ink mechanic, but there's a struggle to close things out. If you're on the ink, if you're able to jump higher, if you're able to do more knockback to an opponent, that incentivizes still having that rushdown playstyle. I do think that uh, territory control at a base level doesn't work necessarily, but I feel like the more that you can expand upon it and play with it and add it into Inkling's kit... It absolutely can work, and just dismissing it out of turn is uh, not necessarily a good idea. I really love that, because it also fixes the um, the problem with, like, side-scrolling stages. Yeah. Because it doesn't really matter, because you're always moving, you're still going to be inking up constantly. 
Yeah. Ink- okay, well. Inkling should want to be in the ink. Like, imagine if they're in the ink, it's a an improvement in the same way of uh, Lucario Extreme Speed. Oh, that would be amazing. It'd just oh, get, like, a I'm super launch that. from their up B. One that deal- maybe one that deals damage as well if they do it out of that? Yeah. Like a Kazuya up B? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. okay. I, I was, I was kind of feeling like, oh, yeah, that's a decent point, but now that just dropped me back down to where I was before. Mm-hmm. To, just to kind of double down on why they are the where they are, I got a comment from June that I feel like really wraps up nicely why so many characters have these problems of expressiveness. Uh, the very inclusion of blank slate characters, such as Inkling and Byleth, I believe is a stumble on the behalf of designers. Fighting games are centered around characters, and the most important part of a character is their well, the character, the personality, and aesthetic, and how that informs their moves and movement. Your blank slate avatar characters are designed specifically to have no personality, to have no character, so it's plainly understandable why those er- car- avatars can never lead to a compelling or exciting fighting game character design. In the case of Byleth and Inkling especially, pre-established actual cherished and beloved characters such as Clogged and Marina are far more wonderful character inclusions. Imagine if we just got Rex and Springman and not the more unique, beloved, and interesting characters from those games. Uh, to an extent, I feel like Inklings are just naturally personable in of themselves, and that they kind of fail to reach that, like, the, the potential that they have just in of themselves. But I do think that's a very good point, that you do ha- kind of have to keep the Inkling a little generic, just because they are the custom character, they have all these different costumes, you can't have super extreme things one way or the other, because that, you kind of get the sense that they have different personalities from their costumes, and you can't really commit to one. Right. No, there's, uh... There's a very famous uh, quote uh, when Marvel vs. Capcom Infinite, I believe, was coming out. Uh, they couldn't use X-Men characters because Marvel didn't want to advertise oh, God, characters. Oh, I remember this. And oh. uh, they were talking about Magneto specifically, and they said... It's just a function. Yeah, we'll still have Magneto in the game. We'll have Magneto's function. People don't care about characters. They care about the function. And we're still going to have that same Magneto function. And that is so fundamentally wrong and was rejected wholesale. And this is an... It was one of the most tone-deaf interviews I've ever seen. Absolutely. And this is obviously a great way of uh, illustrating that. And yeah, we see a fighting game where a lot of these blank slates are chosen and a lot of them are based off of their functions. And we see that time and time again in Smash Brothers. And you're right, Some of the best characters in the series are the ones that are either given personality through the games or are able to celebrate their personality. Like, imagine if I decided, okay, I'm going to add Urban Champion to the game and he is going to have the exact same moveset as Captain Falcon. And we're taking out Captain Falcon because there's a new Urban Champion game. People would riot through the streets. Exactly. But why? You still have the knee, you still have the punch. It's called the urban punch now. It's very controversial. Yeah, it's also why I'm like a big proponent for like trying to change up these characters. Because like, yes, people like those functions, but like if they are more in love with the function than the character, they'll just find whatever other character has that same function. Exactly, exactly. Or they just won't play the game competitively, which doesn't seem to be a problem for Nintendo. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, like, you, you, the character's gonna change between games regardless, just because of, like, the actual gameplay itself. Like, balance changes, the 
different engines that are built off of like it's i, I don't know that, that's a bigger conversation that's kind of unrelated i just wanted yeah. to throw that comment out because i think it's an interesting insight of why some of these characters land the way they do yes and i really appreciate that comment being made thank you all that right uh moving on to ridley um i got a few uh in uh, both directions uh from tj henry yoshi hello again it astounds me that such a highly requested character with such a fanfare can feel so empty in the practical application of their character. Is Ridley this cunning god of death in his characterization? Abso-fucking-lutely. But is that translated well into the gameplay? Uh, struggle to say yes, and that is a massive problem. This has nothing to do with any sort of competitive tierless discussion, but answer me this. How does a character as acrobatic as Ridley have such limited recovery potential? Kazooie has more recovery potential than him, and that's with a fucking bear weighing her down. Yeah, Kazooie's so cool! God <laughs> a god of death doesn't get hit off stage and flimsily flap its wings, burst upward, and just give up. The base that the Smash team created here is godlike, but the things Ridley is missing here are egregious. He feels like an incomplete character, and that frustrates TJ deeply, and he's not even a Metroid fan. The impact that Ridley has had as a newcomer is only paralleled by two other characters, in their opinion, Banjo and K. Rule, and it's just, I think that was made before Sora came out, I throw that in there too. Right. It's just such a shame that what we got does not even come close to living up to that hype. Which, agree on all accounts. I agree. I, I'm sorry, I just have the mental image of Ridley with clipped wings hanging off a stage, and then Kazooie going long live the king to him, and then she just <laughs> grins and goes, another god rejected. And then there's totally something Kazooie would do. Yes. <laughs> Eventually, hey Kazooie, what's going on? Ah, uh, I killed a scrub. Uh, I love it. One thing that was um uh, really good insight, insight from uh, a commenter named Fungal? Uh, one aspect of Ridley we forgot to mention... Well, no, that we didn't mention. Oh, no, that's no, sorry, sorry, I misread this. It's just talking about, um, ideas to be better. But really doubles down at that Ridley's throws are so bland and weak in comparison to the Space Pirate Rush. Like, yeah. this is a character that should have absolutely brutal throws. Uh, after that episode, I actually went to check out how Alien works in Mortal Kombat. Mm-hmm. And just the impalement with the tail and wh swiping people around. The fact that that wasn't doubled down on more. No, I know. It, it like, I say so they can't do that, but also it was in his trailer and is in his moveset. Yeah, like, I, I feel like of all the characters that should be violent, really should be it. And the fact that he's a kind of car more cartoonish dragon should be enough to, like, justify it. Like, the art style, there's no blood going anywhere. It's fine. It's fine. And it's, he, he has some good ones. The bite on his dash attack is fantastic. Mm-hmm. Like, his wing slams, just... He's such a weird character where he has so much weight on some moves and absolutely none on the rest. Yeah, God, do you... I'm picturing, like, Charizard's down throw where he just slowly breathes fire on you, but Ridley's, like, clutching you in his hands and he just screams and fire breath engulfs you and then he slams you to the ground? Yes! I, I also love an idea of, like, where... You, you know the, um parallel between Incineroar and K. Rool's up throw? Yes. I'd love the similar thing to be between Charizard and Ridley's up throw, where it's a much more, um, like it's not as cartoonish, just disappear into the top blast zone and then come slamming back down, but it actually has him jumping straight into the air to really get that feeling of how far he's going to slam you into the ground. Yes. Uh, I, I do have a defense from Jamester. I wanted to get those first because it kind of illustrates why I disagree. Uh, Jamester feels that, um, uh, 
Ridley is one of the more honest bosses in Metroid. Compared to the likes of Kraid, Dragon, and Fantoon, his battles revolve around finding and exploiting a weak points. Ridley is a pure DPS race who can, of who can kill who faster. Depends on the game. Yes, very true, very true. Um, that's what they like about, so much about Smash Ridley. This is a character whose playstyle is, all, is always to choose violence. From his full-powered neutral B comboing to dash attack, which can kill, releasing side B early to drag opponents down with F-air. This is a character that can use his speed and power to scary degrees, and a down B that crumples opponents after that a good read leads to death. And despite his linear recovery, he can recover from most situations, making him that cunning god of death that you need to finish off personally. Does a list a problem with aerial mobility. This is a character that should have aerial mobility to the likes of Jigglypuff or Wario, but was probably lowered for balance purposes. I feel like that aerial mobility is too important. Agreed. You, you gotta find a way to get that balance in with the aerial maneuvers. Make him more powerful and sluggish. Like, give those heavy hits, give those strong grounds and make him sluggish on the ground. Like, it's... I, I do like this design in a vacuum. I do agree that it like, this is the reason that Ridley's my most played character. He's just such a hyper-aggressive character that feels really good to play when you land those super powerful hits. But that's in the middle of a lot of moves that don't feel good at all. Like, I hate his forward air so much. You, you play around Ridley in order to get to the good parts of him. Yeah. He also throws out that um, is Ridley more acrobatic in this game as a way of showing his rivalry with Samus? Uh, I don't think so, because <laughs> have you seen Samus in this game? <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, Jamester, Jamester, you're so funny. So funny, my friend. Oh, no. I, I feel like if you're taking just, like, a Super Metroid boss fight with him, that kind of just traditional um, slugfest, I can kind of see where you're coming from, but Ridley's got more than that. Like, this, this recurring boss battle, as well as the, um the power fantasy he was people wanted in the game the fact that he's this much of a letdown i'm 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 not moving him this is what even I then i if he was a slugfest i'd give him mac armor to some of his moves yeah like it really is also just kind of bad right now yeah and a lot of that isn't just it will make the move better it's like no give him different move that works though and feels better like i i, I really don't like the back air a lot like, th yeah. There's just so many moves that just like there. There's just better options here that you're not using. There's a lot of his base kit that just feels off. Even though there are a couple moves against Space Pirate Rush and Skewer, especially they're like yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. The the downwards angle of the uppy as well. Yes, just a lot of it feels great, but it's uh, it it. it it almost hurts more showing what the rest of the moves that could have been. Mm -hmm. you're, you're selling the power fantasy in very specific situations, and the base of your gameplay is like, okay, I'm, I'm waiting for them, I guess. Kaka. I, I, I can see where you're coming from, but like, really is a character I feel pretty strongly on. Yeah, that's why he's in D and not mixed, because he does have mixed elements, but more of it is bad. Exactly. Um, all right, Belmonts are next. Okay, I got two comments here. Uh, first one is a pretty big one from Trainer Zian, but it's a really good one, so I want to actually read this whole thing. Oh yeah, hit me. Uh, Castlevania is a really extensive franchise which made a lot of changes to the point. I think we forgot the differences between even the cl the classic vanias. Uh, the classic vania is a really punishing type of game where you move and attack slow to make you methodical, pushing you to a limit where you feel the fear, the horror of monsters that can kill you with brutal force, but is satisfactory for your fears. And the games they get that goal to the best are, at least for them, 
Castlevania 1 and Rondo of Blood. They are the They're peak right. when we are talking about that feeling of putting you to the limit, pushing you to the limit, and finish a battle that, that seems impossible. And Preach. I think that is the way Sakurai was looking for. Obviously, no Simon nor Richter can be worked only with the moves of their debut games, and Smash's enemies are more complex and stronger than the ones in Castlevania, so to elevate them, they choose the Belmonts with the most history to choose moves. Super Castlevania 4 for Simon Whip, flexibility, and Richter commands, and martial arts in Symphony of the Night, and then mix them in a way that don't step on the other. They complement in a beautiful way. Super Castlevania 4, even if I enjoyed, was a game that doesn't really understand that making so many options with the Whip erases some of the feeling of, oh shit, I don't have the best sub-weapon to this boss, this, this is gonna be really fucking hard. You're completely right. Yeah, right? This is a good comment. But in Smash, this Whip attack works because your enemies here have liberty to move around you. Another example is the high jump that instead of making you invincible and fly in Symphony of the Night, here is a weak recovery option. But if you know how to exactly land it to an enemy, he can net- I think they're talking about the, um, uh, it's- high jump is the up special, right? Yeah. Okay, but if you don't, you're going to be punished. Also, even if I agree that Richter is the cooler guy, I don't think he must show- to show the versatility because Symphony of the Night, first of all, in that game he's only a bonus and fun character that you unlock after beating the game, not the main one. And I don't think Runner of Blood and Symphony of the Night character- Richter- sorry. Ron of Blood and Symphony Knight Richter in gameplay share the same goal. I prefer Richter being the AoE of his main game. Oh, sorry, being the one of his main game. Also, Richter ha has his backflip when Smash. The double back, the backward double jump is one uh, to one to the backflips. I think this. Sorry, it's um. I I understand for that point specifically. I just want to do. I understand that the animation is probably there, but it's not there in function. What I see here is a moveset that fits and shows all that can bo both can do, even if they were more apart. But even if they were. Doing his most versatile moves from Super Castlevania 4 and Symphony of Night and Smash, they're one of they're the core of the real classic Vania. Respect of the force, the distance of your enemy, and your limits, and that for me sounds like that this transcends the Castlevania 1 and Rondo of Blood gameplay. Um kind of building off of that, um uh, James here doubles down that they are not Metroidvania characters. Just like, no, they're classic Vanias. And it doesn't feel like it's fair to compare those Smash designs to those games. But they and use moves regard, from those games. Well, yes, but they, they seem to be... But they function like they do in those games, just worse. Well, they had to, to get the, um, to, to flush out the rest of the moveset. And I think it still adds to the feeling that the moveset is trying to capture in that way. I fully disagree, because if you do the down tilt, that is such a massive mobility option that it basically mitigates that sort of fear, that sort of trepidation, that sort of that sort of helplessness that uh, Castlevania doesn't have. Movement in Castlevania is always defensive. By uh, adding these offensive movement options to the game, you're taking away from that. You're taking away from that feel. I can see where you're coming from, but I'm trying to picture, like, how the balance would even function if they didn't have that. Uh, just have something similar to the backflip that makes them invincible, and perhaps if they dodge a move, they're able to throw out a sub-weapon during the animation or something similar. Alright, I see that. M make it a matter of dodging the opponent's moves and being able to counter. If you're going to play to that level of stiffness, then play to it, then complement it. Don't don't compromise. Because this current bit isn't the mixture of these elements that makes them better than either. It's a combination of these elements that is boss four the creature stapled together. And it it does a good job but it could be better, and it doesn't fully fulfill either one. Whether you prefer to focus on the Classicvania or the Metroidvania sort of 
style of each, and I agree that Classicvania taking precedence is very important, matters a lot, but also you have to consider the lore implication that Richter is just the best Belmont, and oh god, he fucked up. He fucked up so bad, you guys. And the whole intro of Symphony of the Night, which is not a bonus, Richter is playable at the very start of Symphony. It's the setup for the entire game that you get to feel how powerful Richter is, that you get to feel how much he just absolutely takes Dracula to town. And he has that freedom of movement and that sort of New Age Castlevania feel to him. So as much as Richter is, in my opinion, the best controlling classic Belmont, more is done with him to capitalize on his character, and limiting that while still keeping his character intact limits that character unless you're going all the way with a Rondo interpretation. Alright, I can definitely see where you're coming from with that. Um, I kind of want to either just keep them where they are or make the distance between them a little greater, because that definitely hurts Richter more than Simon. Agreed. Because I, I definitely, like, with that comments, like... With the exception of the down tilt, Simon gets that feeling of the stiff moving Castlevania Classicvania character down really, really well. Mm-hmm. As Richter is, sure, the Rondo interpretation, but... Yeah, I, I'm fine with dropping Richter specifically under Inkling with that in mind. Alright, I'm down with that. Uh, how do you feel about Simon? I think Simon is right where he should be, because, again, it's a lot of compromises, but the compromises are better at fitting him specifically okay okay i like how that was a really positive comment and the only thing that resulted from it was dropping richter down a deep place yeah it is great <laughs> and i'm going no richter <laughs> also if you want me to be extra pedantic uh so that's not including the ps2 3d castlevanias where you have trevor belmont expanding on his things blah 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 but you know i'm not going to get my panties in a bunch because of how much i like trevor c belmont uh, the only thing that's giving me pause is that I really like what they did with Simon's character here. Well, character design. Oh, yeah, it's I, great. I, I'm, I'm looking at the ones above him, and, like, there's all these characters that, like, are missing big parts of their character, and then Simon's there, he's just, like, he's a really cool dude. I wouldn't put him past Lucas. Yeah, that's what I was looking at, because I, I was kind of looking at Cloud, just being like, now that I know where your character... It's not a big jump. Mm-hmm. But I just want to give that positive thing to that comment, because that just felt mean. It's like, oh yeah, we hear you, let's drop this down a few more places. We hear you, but let me tell you something. <laughs> right. yeah, 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 that feels about better to me. Yeah, okay, alright. A B plus over a B. Yes. Alright. Uh, after that is K. Rule, which, gee, I wonder if he's going to stay where he is. Ha <laughs> ha I love K. Rule so much. K. Rule is wonderful. But so lootly. Mm-hmm. Uh, after that, uh, Isabel was an interesting character because I got very few comments, but they were very polarized. Yeah, I believe that. Um, the two small ones first. Uh, first off from Brazilian Guy, just a small thing. Uh, really wishes Isabel had the Animal Crossing gibberish. Yes. That bugs me so much that it isn't there. Yeah. Come on. Pot of plants, same thing. Just can't, for the life of me, can't figure out why she doesn't speak. Like, the more you think about it, the more it bothers you. Um, Max Ham had a really good write-up over Isabel. Um, praising um, how fascinating Isabel's design is. 
how particularly how successful Isabel is at being incredibly beginner friendly to the point that she is possibly the most beginner friendly Smash character since Kirby. Because Animal Crossing is such a huge mainstream and casual audience, the Smash team clearly wanted Animal Crossing characters to be incredibly user friendly. You can see this with Villager, who has a pretty simple moveset and notably joined Smash with possibly the most generous recovery in the series, meaning that players of any skill level can return to the stage no problem. But in Villager's case, unlike Smash's gold standard beginner character Kirby, a lot of their moves aren't immediately intuitive and are slightly more awkward for players who are just mashing buttons. For instance, the bowling ball having almost no horizontal range means it's not a great option for players who just point the sticks at their enemies when attacking. How dare you call out my playstyle like that? And moves like Villager's side B or down B have extra properties, riding the rock and all the steps involved with tree, respectively. They're slightly convoluted and might be hard for players who are learning Smash's very basic controls for the first time to be used effectively. Even Dillager's Down Smash having a Burry property means the game expects you to be familiar with enough of the game and character to be able to follow up with something. So while Villager is great for beginners, they are slightly too unorthodox to be a perfect introduction to how to play Smash 101, which is where Isabel comes in. Isabel has everything that was intuitive about Villager, balloon, slingshot, umbrella, turnips, but swaps some of the more esoteric moves for stuff that is really straightforward. The Down B, mi the down B Mine is an active threat after just one input, unlike the tree and it's very easy to get to work effectively. The, f the fishing rod has a huge threat range in the direction you're pointing the stick, and if you're playing at a low enough level where your opponents don't know how to shield or dodge, the, the fishing rod is also an, an extraordinarily effective move. Kind of like how Kirby Stone is really good at low levels of play, and where Villager's Lloyd would give you two very drastically different results, depending on if you press or hold the button, fishing rod is more consistent for players who are pressing buttons mindlessly. Similarly, Fishing Rod's Tether Recovery can forgive players who aren't precise with their up E input and are just pointing the stick towards the stage. As for Isabelle's Forward Smash and Down Smash, they are both very straightforward smash attacks. This is closer to Kirby's smash attacks in design than Villager's Oddball moves, which is much better for players that are completely new to the series. So, I guess Isabelle is an interesting case where Sakurai and his team were able to iterate on a design already meant to be a beginner friendly, and iron out the kinks to make a character that anyone can pick up and play. The fact that they were able to revisit a simple idea to make it even simpler is really impressive. So it doesn't matter that Isabelle is annoying or isn't very strong competitively, because she's succeeding at making Smash more approachable for new players, which is perfect for what an Animal Crossing character can bring to Smash, and even more perfect when that Animal Crossing character is someone as friendly and beloved as Isabelle. Honestly, if he thinks that the only thing holding Isabelle back from being one of the best characters for new players in Smash history is the fact that she's an unlockable character. I can feel that. Yep, well said. Like, I have Just nothing to disagree with there. 10 out of 10 comment. Yeah. Maybe the up smash not covering both sides, but other than that, like, and nails it. To exist in complete counter to that, Jamester has Isabella in E tier. Ah, cool. If Isabella was an Echo Fighter, and yes, she was supposed to be, I would be a lot more generous of the character, but she isn't, so I'm holding her to a higher scrutiny and considers Isabel the laziest character design and the worst newcomer to Ultimate. She is that character that fights using Klutzfu, and when she is doing that like her smash attacks, it's great. The problem is that everything else is just villager moves, four of her aerials, forward and down tilts, neutral and upbeat, even the final smash is conceptually the same. Saibi is different, but she is, a is she a character that enjoys fishing, or is this just a scrap concept from villager who, who I know can fish if they want to? Ken as an Echo has more unique actions than Isabel does to villager- nah, it's not true. No. And and the moves from Villager's more prank-like persona does not fit Isabel's klutz food persona. Isabel isn't going to hit you with a slingshot. That shit would hurt. There's a great concept here, but this is a character that needs work. She's supposed to be the city planner assistant. Use that. Um, I don't agree with having her... Well, I, I, we talked about this in the last episode of having more of, like, that 
maybe like the planner phase, having like set up furniture around the area. But after reading <laughs> Max Hams, I kind of don't like that idea anymore because that would make her less beginner friendly, which like is a really good thing for Isabel to be with that mindset. Yeah, agreed. Like she does a good job setting up with uh, the Lloyd Rocket already. Like that's already a good amount of control and whatnot. And the fact that it is the Lloyd Rocket specifically for the fireworks means that it's an event planning type of thing as opposed to the villagers' more terraforming setup and nature. So it already fits her character more. I, I don't really agree with that most of the sentiment. The thing that really got me at the end there was like, you know, yeah, that would hurt. I, I kind of can't see Isabel shooting you in the face with the slingshot. I can. She gets drunk. <laughs> like, she get, she gets high on the party juice, bruh. <laughs> like, she just gets lost in the sauce, my man. <laughs> Like, she'd apologize, sure, but, like, I totally believe Isabel would have something that is harmless, and then she goes, oh, gosh. Like, there are a couple little personality things, like, if she gets a KO from it, if they played the shocked Animal Crossing sound, that'd be hilarious. I, 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 this is a hard character for me to, like, wrap my head around, because so much of my viewpoint of Isabel is based around the whole, um, parallel between Doom and Animal Crossing that happened, and just the best <laughs> yes. friend vibes between Doom guys. Yes. So I have this mental headcanon in the, in, the, in the background. She's just this super violent person that just needs an outlet. Yes. Just give me the one. I don't know if you ever heard the Chalk Eater song. It just has the two of them doing a duet. <laughs> uh, so yeah. yeah, I can absolutely... Even though she'd have a slingshot because she, need she needs to get the, the presents down. Yeah. Uh, I, I don't think it goes against her character. I think it works fine. Especially for the Animal Crossing characters kind of having similar builds. And, like, kind of doing the same things just around the town. Um, it doesn't bother me to have similarities. Between them. I, I see it as a, in a similar way I do the spacey movesets. Yeah, I, I, I was going to say, I was going to say, if you're dragging Isabel down, honestly you like drag more. Wolf down with her. Yeah, and I, I'm not dragging Wolf down. Wolf is awesome. Yeah. Um, uh, uh, is that worth moving her up at all? The, the, the beginner-friendly stuff. The beginner-friendly stuff works, but the lack of voice stuff is also getting me. True, true, true. Yeah. Like, I, at this point, I'm just like, pick her or Kirby. Oh, no, she's above Kirby. Then we're done here. I, I, I already put her above Kirby. Yeah. Then we're done here. Alrighty. Very good comments, though. Yes. Alright. Um, got some easy skips here. Uh, Incineroar, still a great design. Absolutely deserves the A-tier ranking. Still wish it was the Rhythm Heaven wrestler. I hate that I had that thought. Because <laughs> now it's driving me mad. But yeah, Incineroar's still great. Uh, also, Piranha Plant, still fantastic. It's still hilarious that that's the best Mario design. <laughs> you funny joke, man. Uh, Joker. I had, I think, two for Joker. Yes. Uh, one was a very small one from Sean Bird. Uh, just some nice insight that I like because I like Final Fantasy IX. Said it once and I've said it again. Joker's meter makes him feel more like Zidane from Final Fantasy IX than a Persona character, and that bothers them. The Rebellion Gage is just trance. Yeah. Yeah, it's perfect. Which, which just makes me want Zidane in the game, because I really love Final Fantasy IX. Yeah, but I'd want Vivi first. Oh, you're talking about Final Fantasy IX? Absolutely. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like, it's like you say I want Zidane in the game. I'm like, the fact that Vivi never in Dissidia. Right? Oh, my, ugh, upsets me so much. That's the one of the Black Mage character. How did you not, man? Uh, but then I got a, I got a bigger comment, uh, one of Jamester's biggest, ah. uh, about an E-tier Joker ranking. 
Uh, start with the positives. Visually, Joker does a really good job capturing Persona 5's aesthetic between the red slash trails, blue flames, IHA, etc. I also really think that despite the reused animations, his moves does capture the essence of a gentleman thief very well. That's the end of the positives. Brace is normals, but man, do they really just rip off of other characters for most of them. If I'm feeling generous, I'd say they're stolen because he's a thief? But then why does he not use any of his own, any of his own attacks from Persona 5? He's got his down smash and arguably the up smash, and that's it. He doesn't get to use his friends in any real capacity of, outside of the final smash, and considering how much Persona 5, Persona as a series loves to talk about bonds and the power of friendship, not implementing it in, a sma in Smash feels weird. But I could have forgiven all of that, all of that, if they at least got the Persona right. Personas are supposed to be an active resource that you're going to have in a dungeon at all times, whether you rely on magic or health. Arsene and Smash is what happens when Aura and Limit Break have a baby. And rather than letting you do anything really cool with it all, it uh, all it does is temporarily buff all of your moves to a downright brain-dead level. People say Joker is a risk versus reward character, but in addition to having incredibly safe options all around, this effectively rewards the Joker player for being bad at the game, and that is horrible fighting game design. If I could compare th things to DBZ, Cloud's Limit Break is going... Uh, from base form to Kaoken. I Kaoken. I'm completely I'm completely lost here. Sorry. I, I think it, it's okay. It's okay. Apologize for the Give me the comments. I'll read it. <laughs> a brief power up used for for a single brief burst. I'm already committed. Uh Sephiroth's wing one winged angel form is going from base form to Super Saiyan. There's a power up and it burns away after a while, but it's reliable enough to get job done or you're defeated. Joker's arsen is going from base form to using fusion. F f fusion just, how how that's an actual uh, word yeah and it just okay fusion i know how english i promise potaro or dance doesn't really matter here the biggest possible power up in the series and even when it runs out you can just do it again after a while i like that you got potara correct but you didn't get fusion correct <sighs> continue yeah yeah i'll i'll just take the l on that Arsene is achieved by losing. Arsene is an incredibly, if not the most obnoxious comeback mechanic that rewards bad players and outright punishes those for fighting Joker in the fighting game. It's Dark Phoenix from Marvel vs. Capcom 3 all over again. I could have even forgiven that if Arsene was a more finite resource that you had to full control over whether he's active or not. Except you can't get that meter back. Imagine you start a match, Joker starts with a full SP gauge and you can summon and deactivate Arsene but while Arsene is active, and especially when it's struck, that gauge starts to go down. And maybe when the SB gauge is empty, you can still summon Arsene, but now it's using your life energy instead. Oh, that sounds awesome! I didn't read this comment fully, I'd love that. Yeah. Arsene is no longer just a comeback mechanic, but rather a resource to be used. You know, like in Persona games. Not only that, but management of Arsene is a real risk versus reward scenario that Joker should be embodying. This is easily Jamester's biggest disappointment with Ultimate, and it really didn't have to be. I feel like this, this, this was an easy character to get right. There have been Persona fighting games and JoJo fighting games that really show how this sort of concept works. I don't even think this is a great representation of the Rebellion theme either. Nor is it a good representation of duality, which is a major theme of Persona as a franchise. I feel like this is a character that no one is going to have a serious analysis of authenticity because the character won EVO. At least until Arxis makes Persona 5 Arena. Yes, please. Yeah, that'd be nice. But yeah, has many tier. Yeah, um, I wish that I could just ask Jamester, oh, can you elaborate on how he does not have or represent Rebellion well? Because I feel that, that he just went all in on this Rebellion concept and the themes of Persona 5. Like, we've gone again over and over well, I, and over I, again. I feel like we did. 
in yeah. the episode. And he's probably just Bill responding to that. Not much of a need to. Because how we talked about it, just um, getting punched in the face and thematically kind of fits the that initial awakening. Exactly. It's, it's a very surface level design, which we discussed at length. At nauseam. We had an entire episode to get to. Oh, yeah. Ab- absolutely. But I feel like... In celebrating that, in celebrating the whole, you know, kicking back against the shitty adults who are kicking you down, it is very successful. Like, you only get the feeling of the awakening once, or very, very rarely. And do you know every time that you hit that point where the Persona character gets to hear their persona for the first time and tears their mask away, and then you get this massive power fantasy where wherever, uh, whatever enemy you have happens to be weak to their elements, so they get to show off, and then immediately after, you go out of the dungeon and then you come back and then they're just another party member at best and kind of dispensable at worst? Mm Mm-hmm, yeah. Yeah, like... It hits that moment. It hits the thematic moment of Persona so well. In a way, the Persona itself struggles to maintain. Interesting. I I see where you're coming from with this. How do you feel about his views on the more gameplay side of it, though? Um, again, I think that the focus is on the power fantasy here and the cell of Persona 5. Like, we've gone on and on that Joker is not Joker. Joker is Persona 5 in Smash Brothers. And while I agree with your viewpoints, I do think that there is a much better Joker out here. That would be making Joker, not making Joker Persona 5. I agree with that as well. Um, the, the thing that's giving me pause and making me wonder, like, maybe dropping down more is the more uh, the more gameplay side of uh, just the, the Dark Phoenix Marvel versus Capcom 3 comparison got me a little bit. Because it, it really is... I'd argue the worst comeback mechanic. Nah, KO punch. It's, it's okay. Okay, yeah, yep. Yeah, I forgot about that. <laughs> that that's because that one's so bad that you know. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but from like a gameplay standpoint, like it's, especially with like those considerations, just like yeah, just summoning Arsene and like making that cost health. That is such a simple change. That is so so good in like embodying Persona gameplay. I I totally agree. My one caveat is, like, it would be fine if Sephiroth did not do the idea better. True. Uh, Also, you're incorrect on your comparison between Limit and Kaioken, because Kaioken puts a strain on the user's body, and thus (laughs) makes it difficult. So please, please come at me again with the DBZ comparisons. I'm glad to duel. No, if if anything, Limit is uh, more akin to... The giant Namekian form, so to speak. But, you know, I you do you, do you, so boo. lost. <laughs> <laughs> I do kind of agree that from, like, a game design perspective, like, purely from the fighting game perspective, I don't like Arsene, like, as a mechanic. See, the weird thing is, like, I'm looking at Arsene, and I'm like, you know... It's kind of that Ice Climber thing of just being the, a double Exactly. Hit. If yeah. Nana <laughs> spiked you in the down air when she was there... <laughs> So that's kind of what I would want. Like, it does some ideas of Ice Climbers that I like better. Thematically, I like the idea of it doubling up. I like the idea of, no, Arsene is Joker. I am thou, thou art I. It's just me, but stronger and able to do it. Like, again, thematically, I think it works really, really well. Thematically, I actually think it works better than Persona does. The issue is that it's not Persona. Yeah, 
I'm fine moving him under Donkey Kong because I like Donkey Kong. You know what? I'm down for that too. Hell yeah! Donkey Kong's got it more of his personality than Joker does. You're I'll correct. Throw that out. You're correct. Yo, can we move Donkey Kong up more? Ah, <laughs> uh, no. Um, I don't have a reason. I'm just asking. <laughs> no, no. Damn I, I'm, it. I'm okay with moving Joker down because I might even want to move him a little bit lower. I'm looking at Ness right now. Is the thing. I want to put him directly above Ness. You know, that feels good. Because I've got that similar, just, okay, lack of com character completely, lack of a lot of gameplay things. It's just that persona. It's so hard to look past the aesthetic. Yeah, it, it does that you, one you get, you thing get super, super good at the sacrifice of everything else. But it's that one thing, though. I, I can definitely see why Jamester is disappointed. Because, like, there were definitely things I was expecting Joker to have. Yes. That just were not there. Yes. But I don't think he needs an, o an, an overall overhaul. It's so funny yeah. to say. Isn't it? it it's, ju it's just that he's just lukewarm in a lot of areas. Great in a few, but lukewarm in most. Mm -hmm. Also, I do think that he uses the Phantom Thieves enough. Like, I wouldn't want to muddy the solo design that much. As much as Persona is about the strength of Bonds... I would love, like, oh, you know what, you know, I, you know what, I, um, the call in that is the, um, the gunshot, uh, just kind of set somebody up and have them, like, aim and take a shot, and just have it randomize which one is, is used. That's I think possible. Like that. I was thinking maybe change his counter to, uh, one of the arcana, and it does a different, uh, counter based on whichever friend is associated with that arcana or something. Oh, but. I like that, too. Like, yeah, the, the, just the fact that you can say all these things about how good Joker could exactly. be, and just look exactly. at him. Yeah, yeah. Good write-up. I, 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 just, I just think that he's, he, he's got things going for him. He fulfills this idea really, really well. And that's all he does. Yes. Okay, uh, Hero is next. Um, uh, if I read the comments, there was one I remember that was arguing for Hero in F-tier because of all the, the random crits and... Just all the random elements to him. Um, uh, I disagree completely with just yeah. the hatred of randomization. Yep. E even disregarding that Smash Brothers is a party game first and foremost, I think Hero is balanced around those things. Yes. I, like, it, it kind of hurts his normals because of that. Like, part of his kit is lackluster because he's got these random chances for it, but it, it was considered. Yeah, he's designed around being the very basic hero, and then look at all this shit you can do. Uh, running with scissors. One thing I love about Hero is that he embodies why people like Dragon Quest. Dragon Quest games have always been described akin to comfort food, with that positive atmosphere, goofy enemy designs, and likable characters. When you're playing Dragon Quest, it's hard not to have a smile on your face. In Smash, Hero is probably the most casual character in the game. Running with scissors tends to get very competitive when they play Smash, but when I pick Hero, I'm always able to just put that aside and have a blast thanks to his crazy movesets. No matter what, when I'm playing Hero, I know it's going to be a good time. 100% agree. Yes. That is why I love playing that character. You got it. Jamester argues S tier. Never played a Dragon Quest game at the time of this writing, but this character has given me a very good reason to. Hero is some of the most dumb fun you can have in this game. His normals are on the basic end of things, but his specials are hilarious. Hero has RPG bullshit, but doesn't have RPG character bullshit, if that makes sense. Because of that, this is a character's bullshit. I 
don't mind because I'm usually laughing at it. I actually like to think his shared normals are him taking back moves from other characters since every RPG ultimately ties its roots to Dragon Quest. I think the UI issue is only for a specific scenario of being a professional hero main that travels internationally. But the game gives Izzy options to adjust language. The likeliness of a scenario where a French hero main versus a Japanese hero main and both need their respective language is very unlikely, and that's really not getting into the fact that Hero isn't really a competitively viable character anyway due to being luck-based. Having icons could help. How now the question is, does randomness fit the character? I said it before, a character so heavily reliant on RNG doesn't make for a good esports character, but does make it for an accurate representation. And the more I thought about it, the more I realized that RPGs at their very core rely so much on random bullshit. Your attack has a random chance of missing or dealing bonus damage, but you only get into that battle because of a random encounter. This is true in a modern RPG of all the way back to pen and paper tabletop games like Dungeons and Dragons that make you roll a dice, a literal random number generator, to decide how encounters go. The more I thought about this, the more I began to appreciate that Hero, the grandfather of RPGs, characters features RNG elements, and I think that is transcendent. So I agree with all of that. The thing that I keep going back to and that put Hero where he is right now is that problems of accessibility. Because yes, I actually do agree that if you're getting into like professional play, I'd almost argue there's a meta side of things of like, okay, wh what languages does my opponent speak? Let's figure that out real quick. <laughs> I, I actually love that side of it. Oh, it's funny. But then you get into things like, like I, I, I have glasses. I have very bad vision. It gets mm -hmm. annoying playing against hero. Uh, it also gets annoying like playing with like multiple heroes on a some, on stage, which is actually something that happens pretty commonly. It's not like a like a uh, oh yeah, everybody's playing as ice climbers because not just you're never in a group where everybody wants to play ice climbers. You're never gonna tank a system like that. Yeah. But hero dittos are so much fun, and that gets impossible to read. Exactly, and it's it's not just a matter of specifically the hero ditto matchup it's a matter of if you are anyone playing against hero and either yeah, yeah, there yeah. is a vision issue or there is a language barrier or something then that becomes immensely more difficult to react to like it's not just hero versus hero that suffers hero versus luigi also suffers and everything else and the fact that they have figured out ui things that do work like shulks for example would be such an easy way of doing this. Just yeah. have a four cardinal directions, just have symbols, learn the symbols. It gets rid of the rank language barrier as well. Yeah, I understand it being the drop-down list for the sake of it, but again, just have something to make it more readable. I would really love if it just appeared next to Hero, and uh, but not like in a way that could block um uh, like your vision of characters. Like It actually appears behind them, so you can just walk onto the UI and punch him in the face as he's looking through the menu. <laughs> yes. That would fix it pretty well, I think. Yeah. I, I do agree that I love Hero's design. This is just a weird case of, uh, like, actual game UI design holding them back. Yes. I wish I could move him up to S tier. If that wasn't a problem, I would instantly move him up to S tier. Likewise. But I, I can't, in good conscience. Yeah. I, p I pity the people that have dyslexia playing Hero. Oh, God. It's, it just wouldn't be possible. Mm-hmm. Icons. At the very least, icons. Yes. Um, uh, Banjo. People argue you should be even higher. Okay, yeah, let me hear it. <laughs> uh, Bebop and Rock City Rules argues to give Banjo even more credit than they already got. The way I see Banjo and Kazooie in Smash is if they got the Smash invitation too late and since they didn't have time to prepare, 
They got whatever they could find and leave their homes with the Smash family. And in that is the reason they only have five golden feathers, grenade eggs for their down B, and an endless supply of amount of eggs since they are common items to find in their games. It just adds to the humor of how Banjo got so late in the roster that they got, had to go in a hurry and also to be added as DLC. Doesn't Don't know if that changed anything with their placement on the tier list. It doesn't relate for me, but I just wanted to share a funny thought that really fits with the duo. Because it does fit with the duo. It's it, it makes me so happy. God, I, I love stupid Banjo lore so much. And then, wow, I didn't say the name of this commenter, but the the mentor of YouTube is here. Uh, agrees wholeheartedly with Pierre on his arguments, but thinks it goes even further. There are three kinds of moves in the Banjo games. Solo Banjo, Solo Kazooie, and the pair of them together. They each have their own uses. Solo Banjo is more utility-focused. Not to be used in every situation, but when they are used, they deliver and then some. His pack moves in 2e come to mind. Solo Kazooie moves are all general use. No bad place to use them, but there aren't any, many moments where you'll be immediately jumping towards it. In the Banjo games, Rat-a-Tat-Tap is still great, but there are moves that could do better. And then the moves that use both of them. These moves are the ones that make the magic happen. Regal Blaster, Beak Buster, Bill Drill, all just feel great to use. Then let's look at Smash. Banjo's solo moves are utility. His grab in particular comes to mind. His grab is not great in most situations, but when it is, by god he has one of the best killing back throws in the game. Forward air is great, but it's only good up close, so it's useless against instance fighters. Kazooie only moves are good to use in most situations. Eggs, grenades, up air juggling, nair drawdowns, and back air edge guarding are great, but there are a lot of situations where other moves are better. Then the moves that involve both of them in unison. Wonder Wing, their smash attacks, tilts, Regal Bastard, and the very recovery they get together. These moves bring the entire kit together. It perfectly reflects how they are used in their games. <sighs> you called it Regal Bastard. I did? Yeah, I heard. That's what I heard. <laughs> no, it's 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 Briegel Bastard now. I, I, yeah. I, I'm never calling it anything otherwise now. That's just what it's called now. <laughs> Kazooie, that's not gender accurate. It's Briegel Bastard now, Banjo. <laughs> that was not what was written in the comments, to be clear. That's just my brain doing things. That's accurate. <laughs> But, oh, gosh. Um, oh, yeah, I love, love those comparisons. I love those comparisons, too. It hurts me to say I don't think they're all quite accurate. Uh, just specifically Banjo. Because a lot of Banjo's uh, solo moves are made to essentially go to the fact of he is incredibly, incredibly limited on his own. And these are... Essentially, ways of getting him to do basic functions while still being limited. Like, mm. he has one that uh, lets him avoid some hazards, which is context-sensitive, but a lot of it is the fact of, oh, he can't run fast enough to avoid a dinosaur stomping on him, so he has a move that heals him infinitely. So he just gets stomped on, and then you hide and you heal. <laughs> That's pretty great. Whereas Kazooie just runs through and avoids it. And there, I can see where you're coming from, but a lot of Tui's design, because that's where Solo Banjo and Solo Kazooie come from, Tui's design is based around the fact of, okay, I have this more limited moveset with them. How do I work around that? It's more of a, um, more of a puzzle mindset to it rather than a function. So I don't completely agree. Kazooie and uh, combined moves, that's spot on. That's correct. But that, that one bit is like, I want to agree with you. Trust me, there is nothing more that I want to do than agree with you and say, yes, Banjo, more. 
but I can't quite. All right. Uh, that said, hmm, it's, it's very difficult for me to move him any higher. I agree. Nothing's getting past him, but this yeah, top sure, three sure. of A tier is, like, so solid. Yeah, for 100%. Like, j- just the smallest of things could be changed to get them mm-hmm. up into S tier. And, like, I, I'm having trouble putting him above Pac-Man because Pac-Man's just so good. Yeah, yeah. Pac-Man's literally just missing, like, a few things from Pac-Man World and mm-hmm. Golden. Like, like, I'll freely admit, I think that Game & Watch, Pac-Man, and Banjo excite me a lot more than Steve Fox Piranha Plant. Uh, yeah, I, I'd agree with that. Yeah. They just, they just have little caveats that don't quite get that same... Yeah, I would change nothing about the three in S tier, whereas I would change more than a couple things about the other three. All right. To just yeah, fix, yeah. The, to just polish them up, just to get them a little bit more. It's it's nitpicks that bug me enough that I can't just unabashedly go yes. Agreed, agreed. Still amazing, though. Absolutely. And my, and my, pro- and my proxy, he moved up by Kirby's movement anyway, so. Yeah, no, 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 he did. Win. He's still up. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Terry? Still amazing. Yeah. Got, got nothing for Terry. Still amazing. Yeah. Uh, Byleth. Got a few things on Byleth. Uh, there's one comment I'm going to grab first that was just a pretty common sentiment I saw from Jared Hebert. Uh, friggin' Byleth, man. Of all the characters for three houses, of course we had to go for the brain dead vessel whose lack of personality in the universe is important to the plots. And stealing the house captain's weapons just to rub salt in the wound. Damn, you put I, a lot I, of emotion I, in that read. <laughs> I, I feel the same way, man. Another comment from Rybred kind of just doubles down on that. The more I hear you guys talk about Fire Emblem's portrayal in Smash, the more I hate it. It's my single favorite franchise of all time, in general, just not my favorite game franchise, and yet regularly draws the ire of the entire Smash fanbase for garbage portrayals and misrepresentation of the series. I like Spyloth and Smash a lot, because the design feels like what we should have gotten for at least a single Fire Emblem character beforehand. It's cathartic, it's fucking cathartic to finally have a Lance user, an Axe user, and a Bow user in the game. Although, to be honest, I'd rather have fan-favorite specialists in those weapons instead of a bland Swiss army knife. I don't have time travel and mind control powers to get Sakurai to do my bidding, but if I did, I'd still drop Pyleth along with Corrin, good good choice, self-explanatory, and Lucina, and I think I don't, I didn't grab this part of the comment, I think he like grabs like E from uh, Hector and I think Claude, which would have been, would have been fantastic, I wish I yeah. would have killed for Claude in this game. And then I also have something from James Stewart that's actually more of like a actual critique rather than just critique of Fire Emblem in general. Mm-hmm. Uh, it takes a cue from me first, and it airs out my grievance of the characters while we're talking about them in Smash. Byleth is yet another Fire Emblem advertisement pick like Corrin. The only difference is that Byleth's game was actually good. Doesn't like Byleth as a character with the context of, within the context of Three Houses. Byleth is just another in a long line of Silent Mary Sue avatars, which is also kind of a groomer, so the character is also just... <laughs> had that at the end of his Corrin comments. Just, uh, I want to read this out loud. Uh, where are you? Where are you? That also most of the narrative problems that play Corrin also apply to Byleth, just replace incest with grooming, but some of y'all are not ready for that conversation yet. Which, you know what? You're right. I don't know if I even want to touch that. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh. And then, uh, just as a personal thing for Jamester, Anna as a weapon master was kind of a dream pick, and that's never happening now. But there is a good concept here. The Fire Emblem West weapon master has potential, and the character has moves that Jamester likes. But right now, Byleth is a distance demon who uses a variety of weapons, with his most reliable weapon being a spear that has a sweet spot on the tip. So another Fire Emblem character that mostly relies on footsies with a sharp object. 
And remember, that's pretty much all of them except Roy and Robin. The moveset just isn't that inspired. More than Corrin, mind you, but that's not a high bar. Byleth is mechanically a very dry character. Sephiroth even does the distance demon concept better than Byleth by having a sword that's as long as Byleth's spear, and a playstyle that's actually about instilling fear. The fighter design we got is half-baked at best. Not to mention that the one unique thing about Byleth as a character is completely ignored. If someone never played Three Houses, would they have known that Byleth is a, te is a teacher? Nothing in Smash hints at this. Neither their moveset, their trailer, even the they, they, he does have the victory animation of the, um, I still don't know what that thing is called, the pointer thingy that you use on a, on a board to show what you're talking about. He's got that in his hands. That's literally it, but that is there. But, Jamester continues, if Byleth had these two changes, Byleth can go from an okay character to a great fighter design. One, let Byleth be a full stance character that allows him to switch between swords, lances, and axes that he will use for all A attacks. Each with their own strengths and weaknesses. Swords are fast, axes are power weapons that break shields, and lances have range. And I've seen how Byleth's hitboxes work with the weapons being separate with the model, it can work. Two, let Byleth gain XP and mastery as he uses a weapon type. He can even upgrade his weapons from iron to steel to silver to the divine relics as the final form. You can even make it so that an upgraded weapon has passive effects on the other weapons. Upgraded sword make axes and lances even attack faster, upgraded axes make sword and lance attack stronger, etc. Now think about what those two changes did. These strengthen the current weapon mapper, weapon mapper, weapon master concept, but they also made it Byleth a character that allows for more individual expressionism. Are you the type of player to focus on solely on axes because you're a power fighter? Knock yourself out, warrior. Do you combine more sword mastery for faster axe attacks? Go for it, berserker. Or do you choose to balance all the weapons at once? Shoot, you can even still play footsies with sharp objects if that's what you really want to do with a major in lances. Then you can minor in either swords or axes depending on your personal tastes matchup. The choices are yours and yours alone. And maybe we disagree about this, but isn't this level of player expression the best part of Three Houses? The fact that you can turn Shy Marianne into a brawling powerhouse, and I actually... It was such a large comment that I cut off the last sentence, but I know it's just one more line after that. And it <laughs> followed up with a D tier. Ah. <laughs> uh. Uh, I do think there's some good points in there. I, I kind of doubling down with problems I have with just Byleth in general. Like it, it, it's a showcase of what Fire Emblem could be and just isn't, and that hurts so much. I I agree that uh, you know it doesn't illustrate the teacher point. I feel like if uh, you hit with a mirror and then suddenly uh, your character was just racked with student debt and started crying, <laughs> I feel like that would really enhance the character. Um, also, at the start of the game, they're 20? They are? Evidently! Oh, God, I thought they were like 17 or 18. Oh! Ooh. I don't know if it's ever been confirmed. I, I think they... I think they... Purple no, no. Hello. Oh! 28 to 21, 25 to 26 in part two. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah, yeah. No. Mm. Now that's strategy. <laughs> I guess there's a time skip where they all end up older than you. But even then, just... That's not how time works. You don't just stop having time because they have time. Yeah, there, there, there's some... There's some creepiness to three hundred. Uh. Why? Why did Fire Emblem have to be this way? I mean, it's kind of always had that. Like Jafar and Nino, I remember that. That was weird. I didn't it, like that. Yeah, but I really like Nino. I do like Nino as well. Yeah, Nino A tier. 
but she, yeah, absolutely. And if you, if you separate the like the weird support Jafar also hates you. I love Jafar's character. It's just yeah. when you put them together, it's just yeah. Mm. This it, it's doing its best. So Byleth, yeah, so Byleth. Uh, huh. I think it says something that we're talking about much more interesting Fire Emblem characters. Yeah, like. Uh, I, even even reading that idea from James, I like the sound of that, but, like, why not just, like, if you understand, you could do that stance character, or you just put three other Fire Emblem characters in there and sacrifice that sword one, because we already have plenty of that, for, for bows. Or hell, you do that with any of the three houses, Lords, and just have them have a proficiency, and then they can learn with the or other Or do weapons. all three with the same slots. And just, well, no, I'd want, like, different... Yeah. personalities yeah, to shine through but there's just there's a lot that can be done that isn't because it's i want to drop byleth because you've convinced me well. that robin is a far more successful design of what they're trying to embody with I, the identity of fire emblem and byleth is that revisited but at an incredibly surface level you could not see it, but I did dance here in that. Thank you for that. And now Very that I know that. that, I am spiteful. <laughs> because you made me pay money for a trick. You are snake oil, Byleth. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't have much to add to that. I, I, I've covered my grievances with Byleth in the past. And that now that's been added on to with some pretty good points from Jamester. Yeah, no. My, like, thank you all. You have annihilated my care of this character. I kind of want to go down to D. Like, like I'm not even mixed on the character. Like, there's good elements there, but those elements would need something like what Jamester put forward for me to care about them in unison. As it stands now, it's just a mess. It's another mess moveset. Yeah, it is, isn't it? Like, I'm trying to think of counterexamples, and it's mostly like, damn, Amir feels good, though. Amir does feel really good. The uppy spike is cool. It, it, it's, but it, that just goes to show it's four moves that's stapled together. You got a chain sword, a bow, a lance, and an axe. I would want all of those as separate movesets. Yeah. Hmm. It is still a functional design. It, it is a functional design. But at the same time, it's, it's a reactionary design, isn't it? Yeah, Because yeah. This, this isn't Byleth. This is the reaction to the Fire Emblem fanbase. <laughs> a bad one, too. Like... Lynn would have been received so much better. And, like, even, like... Well, I, I can't fully agree with that, because it's the fact of, look at all the weapons. And Lynn is associated with either the sword or the bow. And I don't much more commonly the sword. People would have cared. I, I, I feel like if you put one weapon in, that exemplifies the problem of putting... Like, where's the other ones? I think with how much people have wanted Lynn, and how the, um... Uh, having seen the Project M variation of her, how that kind of constant drawing and sheathing lends to a moveset, gets almost a Meta Knight level of playstyle, which would have been a nice breath of fresh air. Oh, I don't agree. I, 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 I people, think were, people were so upset and so hung up on the sword aspect of sword specifically. Like, that was the big, big uh, conversational point back in the day. And I feel like no matter how good Lin was, that would have been what people honed on to, the fact that it is sword. At that time, yeah, it was just Fire Emblem. We were expecting third parties. Yeah. That's fair, that's fair. I, I'd, I'd still say 
a bit better than Bioth, because just Bioth has nothing. <laughs> oh, yeah. It, like, after release, I'm sure. I'm sure that it would be looked back at more fondly, but... Uh, that, that's a tangent, regardless. Yes. Ah. Uh, it's so easy to go on them with these Fire Emblem characters. <laughs> How interesting just, their designs are. Yeah. It's almost like there is a vast sea of what they could be, and Byleth's the port that refuses to leave harbor. The port that uses- the boat that refuses to leave the port. No, the entire port is just gonna drift off into the sunset. Professor, you seem to have blocked off the entire Suez Canal. <laughs> now that's strategy. That's not even her line. <laughs> Shit. Ah, uh, where, where are you feeling? I'm fine with D. Yeah, I'm fine. I, I don't outright E isn't. I'm not quite feeling that. There's a lot know, that I... was done. There's a lot of ideas. There's a solid basis, and the character works. Well, but I, it's infuriating. That. I, I, I'm kind of staring at Corin right now for a similar reason. Like, it, can we go back to Roy? Like, what if Violet had a Roy thing that actually turned him into a character? It wouldn't have never happened because it's a recent game, and it would have exemplified just how, how nothing Violet is in that game. And it was too recent of a character design to even make that because they didn't even know who Byleth was in the game. Just, ugh, I really do like the idea that Jamester put forward. I would have rather think... have other characters, but okay. that's really cool. Just like being able to like change your class kind of like that. That would have been awesome. Okay, I think my floor is Dr. Mario. I don't think I... I I'm, I'm going to put Ridley above Byleth. Okay. That's purely for Byleth's purposes, because I really like Ridley and have nothing to feel about Byleth. Well, Zelda... No, no, I like Zelda a bit more, too. I, I do think that Byleth has a gameplay identity, and I think it's unique, and yeah, well, it works, it, I but... Think they, like, I think did, it until Sephiroth happened. Did, did we just trade Byleth and Robin? Is that what I, we did? Yo, I think we just did! <laughs> Hold on, I, I, I want to know this for sure. I, wanna, I, I have the... I have an old picture of it. Byleth was original. I mean, Robin was originally a right under these. Although we literally just traded them places. <laughs> <sighs> that feels right, actually. Yeah, that no, actually, I'm good. That feels right. Yeah, okay, good. Uh, Could have saved maybe, what, 45 minutes of conversation? but yeah. but it was a journey and we're here now. Yeah. And I just, just, just because uh, I know a lot of people got flack for like, uh, Delzathin was one. I, I know Ditto Master was another. Just for really liking Bile character, really liking Three Houses. I love Three Houses. I'm I'm kind of viewing it in a different light after that com- conversation. Mm-hmm. But gameplay-wise, it was a fun game. Yeah, I enjoyed my time with Three Houses quite a lot. Love most of the characters. Really good voice acting. <coughs> I, I do like Three Houses a lot, but I don't think this is a good representation of it is what I'm trying to get to. Yes, I I agree. This is surface-level Fire Emblem that doesn't do much to really embody the idea. It's just showing it. Yes. And there's some decent design. There's some decent ideas to that. Uh, I still think the upbeat is fun. It's not as practical as it was shown to be. But, like, it is still a fun gotcha. It, it, it works against Donkey Kong. Yeah, there's fun elements of the design, but they're fun because it's, again, it's just multiple designs stapled together. They would be fun on anyone else as well. Yeah. Apart from the chainsaw, there's nothing really unique about Byleth. Mm-hmm. 
they just kind of like this could have been Robin just as easily. Mm-hmm. And and even then, can you not just imagine Joker having the exact same up B? Yeah. Oh, that would have. Wow, oh, I would have liked that better on Joker. I feel like, well, maybe it wouldn't have made as much sense, but I love the idea of him just grabbing on somebody, flipping up and pushing them down. Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay. Between Zelda and Dr. Mario. What good company. <laughs> All right. That finishes Fighter Pass 1. Uh, next up is Min Min. Uh, we made a call to arms for Min Min for people to come and explain to us ha, call what to she arms. does. I get yeah. it. Yeah. And they responded. Uh, first off, I got a really good point from the noteworthy Danny on Min Min's design. Feels like throwing a spunky personality on her would do her a disservice. There are tons of other characters that could benefit so much from a touch more expression that lines up with their character and motivation. Totally agreed. Min Min's motivation, on the other hand, is literally to market the ramen shop. It's almost, fu- it's so funny to me, almost in a Tom Nook sort of way. She's always struck me as a no BS character on paper, which you know what? Fair point. That's... I, I kind of made the argument to like, oh, we, they could really expand her personality here, but no, she's just a shopkeeper. Eh, I, I don't entirely agree because you still have other ideas of shopkeepers, like imagine Anna's personality, uh, Anna Fire Emblem, or imagine <laughs> uh, Jam from Guilty Gear, who also owns a restaurant and is still like, yeah, come to my restaurant. Yeah. Oh, shit. I'm in debt. Damn it. I would love a taunt with a flyer. Just throw out flyers for the restaurant. Yes. Something like that. Or just eat ramen. Get, bring back, like, the lawn one milk style of taunt, but just have her sit down and start eating ramen. What, she just, like, takes off her hat and then starts eating ramen from it? Yes! <laughs> it's actually ramen. <laughs> oh, that's amazing. Yes, please. Got another one from Fungal here. Disagrees with the stance on Min Min. Arms originally started as a concept for having a fighting game with a camera behind the character's back instead of being the middle. The main inspiration for the development of Arms is a game series the director of Arms also works on, Mario Kart. In Mario Kart, one of the main obstacles is items or course hazards. In order to overcome these obstacles, the player needs to move around quickly as they are driving towards it. At the same time, players need to place items strategically by predicting the racers behind them. The original ARMS game implement this by aiming the arms as it moves closer to the opponent. I believe Min Min translates this very well. Min Min's opponents would have to move over the arms attacks to get to Min Min, similar to moving around the banana to get close to the double item box. The issue with this design is the ram beam slightly goes against this. I agree that Min Min should portray more personality and see her as if Min Min isn't Smash instead of fitting arms on Smash. Either way, Min Min is a better Mario Kart rep than, Mal- than Waluigi could be Fight Me. Agreed. I didn't know that Wal- that's... Waluigi isn't from Mario Kart. Waluigi is Waluigi. Yeah, 100%. Didn't know that comparison. Just straight up. Yeah, no, I, I thought that it was just fully embracing boxing and like stuff like Fight Night and stuff. Which, you know, interesting insight. Mm-hmm. And I do like the, um, interpreting that as moving around the arms to do that. Uh, Jamesters here, as someone who has put in a considerable amount of time in arms, Min Min is perfect. The feel of arms is captured well, how the ranged attacks work is very similar to arms, but they also kept it in check and made it so it can only be used horizontally. What makes Min Min special in arms is captured. Min Min is a natural martial artist and uses her kicks to not only deflect attacks, but can also use it in close quarters combat. This gives her more of a rushdown playstyle within arms, and I'm glad Smash tries to incorporate that. And that doesn't mention the dragon buff you get from landing throws. I actually completely forgot that was a thing. Right. That is a neat touch. And how they adapted the characters to better fit in a platform fighter is admirable. Being able to swap out hands on the fly is a feature that I hope to see in arms too. There is not a single thing about the character I would change, but I can see why people don't like this character. 
Maybe if your long range attacks were a little weaker, this would encourage more close quarters combat, or if she had more tools that allow for a more long range brushdown playstyle. But if the problem is that you don't like the focus on range, none of the arms characters were going to do it for you. In fact, they'd probably be worse because they generally don't have close quarter options. I believe this is why Yabuki chose Minmin over the rest of the cast, including the personal favorite, Twintel. Has her ranked in A tier with that review. All right, I can see that, and no. Uh, before we go into uh, counters, I do have one more. From, oh yes, uh, luckily, l- lucky Lumagu. I think I'm sorry. Right, right. I'm sorry. I'm so used to Jamester rounding it out. So I'm sorry. <laughs> sorry I, I should be. I should, should be using that as a pattern. Is not disappointed by how she's portrayed. In fact, she'd probably be the high end of A tier for Lucky here. Everything about her design resonates really well with ARMS and her as a character. To start, ARMS is an incredibly defensive game, almost to a fault. The whole gameplay you have in ARMS is either waiting for your opponent to make a mistake or forcing them to do so yourself. You do this by keeping small, constant pressure on them, all while hoping you or yourself don't make the same mistakes that they would do. Min Min captures this perfectly in, her design, uh, in the design of her ARMS. Her advantage states is one of the best in the game because of it. She can punish you very, very hard for picking the wrong option against what she's doing. Making the wrong split-second decision, she can com- and she can continue to apply pressure afterwards. This is very, very similar to how things progress in ARMS, where reacting in the wrong way can very easily cost you a lot. She also represents the limitations of ARMS very well. Limitations are usually treated as a bad thing when it comes to character design. But it's important to remember that a core part of ARMS is that, you, that you're relying on them. The whole game revolves around them and as such is held together by its limits, very unlike Smash Brothers. In a game like Smash, the potential character designs are limitless and are seemingly meant to be so, with many characters breaking conventions or drastically changing gameplay with plentiful options. Contrast this with Min Min, who seemingly limits your gameplay by, by distinctly having plenty of the same option. But the whole idea is to see those limits as a whole rather than what they are. She has two buttons bound to punch, but they work in tandem rather than stand alone. Being able to punch with both arms and all sorts of delays and configurations, which further bolster her design of exploiting any mistakes. She can throw a punch forward on a blocking opponent intentionally to get them to think they can roll behind her safely, then punish that option. Keep pressure up with a constant barrage of weak punches forward that force you to really think about how you're supposed to get in, and even mix weak, weak punches into smash attacks to create punishes for even the smallest opening she's been able to find. This is ARMS. This is what ARMS is. Uh, they will admit her kicks are pretty uninspired, mostly just things to do with legs rather than what men would use her legs for, but that's fine. They were never really a big part of her kit, and more creative liberties may have been taken for other characters and have worked out. And real quick bonus round that they love her grounded recovery. It captures really well the positioning aspect of ARMS that's often overlooked. That I agree with. Jumping is a really strong option in ARMS, even as characters who don't benefit from it, as it forces other your opponents to adjust to a, your new position and allows you to attack from somewhere unexpected. Exactly how this move functions in Smash. Also loves her down special. It, it can seem like her moveset felt limited, so these cover her weaknesses at first, but I think it's a really cute way of showing the ARMS and mechanic of choosing your ARMS. It's three different ARMS, one of a clone of her right, the others are part of that are part of her base loadout, which is exactly how it would appear in ARMS, as you can pick three different ARMS at the start of a match for each, including a duplicate of the other. And that just kind of, um, goes on with the personality. All of ARMS has a really memorable cast, but they mostly wear their personality in their outfits. After all, Min Min loves noodles, dresses off to show that off, and talks about it a lot. There's not really much more to say in that regard. Guess the no. argument can be that she's not much very expressive. Yeah, we kind of covered this. I'll, I'll, I'll stop the comment there and just put noodle. the rest on the screen. Eat noodle. <laughs> Do wavy arm with noodle. Advertise mo- shop. Ma- make the song that's in the Happy Turtle from Integrade. Ha! Yeah, that'd be great. Uh, I, I, it's a long comment. I wanted to read that out just because we are both kind of 
didn't really know much about arms, and I wanted to get, like, someone that really did know their stuff. Right, right. Which, uh, how are you feeling about her now? Um, unmoved. Really? Unmoved. Why is that? Yeah. Um, well, all of these make, you know, fairly decent points for this, and I do agree that Min Min, uh, does set up an obstacle where you are creating something and saying, haha, dodge this. It's literally holding the opponent at arm's length. That's, you know, a good idea and a general nice development. The issue is that in a 2D plane, that becomes significantly less reactable. And quite frankly, I think that, uh, I just think it's a really, really limited design. I'm sorry, my, my brain is sort of shorting out from the point I originally had. I'm just trying to come back to it here and stalling for time as I do unsuccessfully. <laughs> However, I do agree that there were some considerations taken with Min Min having a very horizontal limit to her. Like, she only throws out her arms horizontally, and that, you know, works for her. I lied. It doesn't work for her. That's the issue. Uh, because it makes her game plan, which in ARMS is very spread out, it's very territorial controlling, and in Smash, it is just do the thing, do the thing, change the arm, because the situation calls for it, and do the thing. There, there's a reason why characters like Dalsim have vulnerability on their entire arm, or their entire extended limb, and that's because keeping you at a range while taking up that much screen space is oppressive. And do I think that they try to do some things to mitigate that? Yes, but I don't think that there is a significant enough difference in between her arm thrust other than this is the fast one this is the strong one this is the one that you use when you don't feel like edge guarding and you know there are ways around that there are ways to create an obstacle course snake for example is a great example of that where uh you have essentially you could compare the Ram Ram to the Nikita. The, the difference is that as the player recovering, you can do something against the Nikita. You can bait it out. There's still human error. There's still a thought process behind it. With the uh, Ram some Ram... Some characters can't. <laughs> well, some characters can't, but they already have sold their life debt to suffering. True. <laughs> if you're Donkey Kong, you already know you're not going to be able to respond to that because you can't respond to 90% of things. <laughs> With the Ram Ram, it's very, very linear. It's the same process with every single person. In ARMS, you would have a full arena to maneuver around and ideas to go. And if your opponent pressured you into a corner or a situation where you could not avoid them, that's on them taking advantage of the 3D arena. With Smash Brothers, it's you played the game, and now because of this design, I just hit the button. And against like half of the cast... I get to win now. Uh, here's a weird comparison. Uh, our orig the original idea you way back when that you uh, pitched for Robin, mm -hmm. having different tomes that launch in different angles, I wish that was more of what the swapping between the arms allowed for. Mm -hmm. Like, give her a vertical arm. Yes. That lets her cover vertically. Maybe make those arms swap a little slower because of that. A lot of Min Min is fixed. If she has an uppercut, because then it's only following the arm's trajectory, but also that arm is not protecting her. She's safe from this angle, but if you can avoid it, 
if it has a different speed from the other arm, then damn, then that's covering space. It being linear, I understand the concern with it and the idea for balance, but I feel like it makes her game plan incredibly boring. Yeah, I agree with that. Maybe uninspired might be a better thing, because some people find it fun, but it's so linear. Mm-hmm. It's it's keeping up a flowchart. It's hitting the button and refreshing your cooldown. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Another thing that could really help is um put a kind of belly armor mechanic on the arms like they have in the actual arms games. Like, if you hit it enough, like, it's hard to do, but if you really abuse something in particular, then the arm breaks. Arm is disabled for a little bit, which could allow for some power boosts in other areas to make her a more rounded character. I can see that. Allow yeah. for that uppercut by yeah. doing that. Now, as for the comments saying that, oh, another ARMS character would just have the same problem, I entirely disagree with that. It depends on the type of character that you're doing. Uh, Lola, for instance, with Inflate Herself Just Like a Balloon, has a natural get-off-me for close range that then combos into that long range. There's a lot that can be done, but so much of Min Min's design is, look at the stretchy! Look at how much stretchy we got. That it becomes a matter of, yes, that is possible, but in practice, the game plan is you put the right arm in, you take the right arm out, you put the left arm in, <laughs> and it's got a ram-ram, and now it's no longer fun. Uh, completely tangential. I'm just curious. Uh, do, you, do you purposely put the Donkey Kong rap into, like, inflates like a balloon, or is that completely subconscious for you? Yes. <laughs> like if i see that if i see inflate self then it needs to be followed by just like a balloon <laughs> i just wanted to check but yeah that, that that's making me think like the character i really wanted was helix and i'm mm -hmm. just picturing the ability to fire out an arm stretch upward and fire up an arm uh, like an, on that like a platform above mm -hmm. like give a more vertical wall while making a weaker horizontal one Right. Which would have been awesome. In, in looking at these comments, it's making me feel that with the focus of arms being spatial control, that it does that poorly. And I think I agree now. Yeah. It, it, it does it great horizontally, but this is a platform fighter. It's very good at doing more the dimensions. one thing and also doing it slightly downward at the ledge. It is the anti-Little Mac moveset. Yes! Sounds like we're keeping her about where she is. Yes. I may have talked myself into lower, if only because I'm looking at Donkey Kong and I'm going, ANOTHER VICTIM! <laughs> I, I, I feel- I, I appreciate what the people are saying here that- about all the good things she's bringing to the table. I, she is capturing a lot of what ARMS is, it's just the fact of the matter that- it's it's kind of the same thing that we did with, like, Ryu and Ken. Like, she's capturing what she had in the games to one-to-one. -to -one. Yes. translate that into a fun and game moveset. Yeah. I almost want to move her above Shulk just to, like, make that a nice line there, but I, I don't want to. Yeah, no. I like what Shulk does a little bit more. Yeah. Yeah. Very good comments, but I kind of also highlighted where the problems really lie. I had another cloud situation. Like, oh, yeah, there there we go. I get it now. Thanks, me. Uh, thank you for <laughs> contributing. But damn me, though. Very good write-ups, though. Yes. Like, impeccably. Yeah, well, to read those well out loud. Done. Thank you very much. Very good insight. Yes. 
Uh, next up is Steve. Um, I'm not going to read all of these, but there are a few... Because uh, Steve is another kind of Mario character where people have a lot of different ideas of what he should be. Obviously, because yes. Minecraft has so many different things. Yes. A lot of comments have been like, oh, he should he should have a bow. Why does he use magma blocks? He never used magma blocks. Which I don't agree with because I feel like the gameplay elements that Steve embodies comes first. Yes. And I think he does it impeccably well. Yes. So I just want to say, like, I, I, I did see those. I, um... Uh, I, I, there was a discussion you had with uh, T.J. Henry Yoshi about this as well. Being one of those characters, it was kind of, kind of in that vein of just being like, "This is not fun to fight against." Right. Which, which again, you can't go with the, the fun, mm-hmm. side of it. Right, and I would argue it is fun because, like, can you imagine being a Steve player and you just get unga bungaed before you get to do any big brain? It's just like he he he, funny <laughs> monkey go smash. <laughs> Yeah, and he's a pretty easy character to do that with. Like, yeah. he's got weird stuff, but he doesn't suffer from some of the impressive stuff that other characters have. Yeah. Like, I know there are annoying elements, like, yeah, Minecart, obviously. But there's a, there's a fun trolley nature to Minecraft that I appreciate a lot more. Yeah. I, I appreciate that everything that Steve does makes him feel like a shitter. Yeah, absolutely. But there's a, com- there's a point that both TJ Henry Yoshi makes, as well as Dextro. Okay. Um, uh... Comparing him to Game & Watch, for the exact same reasons that Game & Watch is an A tier and not an S tier. Uh, readability. Limited animations making it a little hard to tell what Steve is doing at times. I just wanted to see what you feel about that. Um, what in specific is a difficulty of readability? Um, Dextro says having a problem being able to read what he's doing in neutral. Uh, TJ likens it to being a lot worse degree because he doesn't even fun to play it feel fun to play on the surface which is again is just subjective yeah yeah um because like i'm trying to think of what moves in specific are the issue here because is it is it just up tilt i'm having then that's not a readability thing it's just a fast move yeah it's for me it's just like it's just fast like is it just that the magma block pops up out of nowhere yeah i'm 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 trying to think and i'm not really seeing like, Steve has a lot of fast animations, mm-hmm. but that's how the attacks are designed. That's not a readability thing, that's just how his moveset works. I guess if, like, you're having trouble seeing Enderman, but that's that's one skin. One skin on only a few co- sta- stages. Yeah. Uh, I don't I don't think I agree with the comparison between Game & Watch and Steve. Mm-hmm. Like, Game & Watch has literal frames animation frames that he jumps between and game and watch can do anything out of those whereas steve it's like no you you have an idea based on where you are of what steve is going to do yeah just wanted to because i saw it brought up a little bit i wanted to throw a bone to those that criticism yeah. just to see how we felt um uh, from omentalic just wants to make a case for moving steve above rob okay and I'm, I'm i'm just gonna put the comment on screen because as someone who got robbed there in the first place i feel like that's fair I, I think, as much as I love the narrative around Rob, Steve's design impresses me so much more. Yeah. I'm willing to put him beneath Snake, because I do feel like Snake is the slightly more cerebral character. But the, the amount of things you can do with Steve, like, yeah, it's it's so funny to create a block and just wonder, like, am I going to get Snake Spike off of this, or am I going to do it to my enemy? Like, there's so, so much you can do with that. I might, I might put, like, the, the block placement as one of, like, rank it as one of the best moves in the entire game. 
Just the yeah. amount of things that opens up totally alone is S tier. And and I think going back to the ideas of readability with Steve, that's the difference between him and Game and Watch is that with Steve you can play so much. Like Steve is just a fun, creative character where you're doing all of these different things and he's representing so much in the feel of Minecraft. With Game and Watch, you do have those animations and it's fun, but ultimately he's playing the fighting game. Yeah, yeah. You can't fuck around with Game and Watch. You can fuck around and find out with Steve. <laughs> and just the, all the ways that these moves that interact with each other. The fact that you can catch the TNT with the minecart, and that might activate a pressure plate. Just whole, so many moving pieces that above and beyond. Completely, completely. So I'm okay with moving him above Rob. Yeah. Um, following that up, Sephiroth. Oh, wow. Sephiroth is amazing. Who would have thought? Oh, damn. Oh, right. Okay. Uh, so you didn't want to talk about Sephiroth more. You didn't want to talk I mean, about I, what if he I, grabbed I, Cloud and he like slowly whispered in Cloud's ear. What if he had that? I would love a forward throw that's just him impaling somebody with his sword. That'd be nice. Get the actual Mario impalement <coughs> that was in the cinematic. Yeah, but that happens to Sephiroth too. So you know, <laughs> maybe he'd feel maybe he'd feel anxious about it. If if you knock if you knock that away, he drops his sword and pulls out another one for reasons, and it gives you the sword as an opportunity to do the same thing to him. I don't know that that's I'm I'm just spying time. Yeah, and then he pulls the hilt, and then he pulls out part of his hair, and then he makes a new sword with his hair. Ugh. <laughs> <laughs> uh. But Pyra and Mithra. So, I just want to start this off by saying the last time we talked about Pyra, Mithra, and Xenoblade 2, it was around the four-hour mark of that episode, which, ironically, is about the same as it is right now. Yeah. Yeah, we did a good job truncating these. Yeah. We were, we were both tired, and I bitched a lot about the game in a way that upset a few people. And I'd like to apologize for that. When I criticize about something, I like to take my time to do so. Be organized, approach the situations, respecting those who like what I'm criticizing, but still being firm on my stance. And what I said was just bitching. It was none of those things which I regret. So let me try again. Now, many people interpreted my complaints towards Xenoblade 2 as just me being prudish about Pyra and Mithra's design. They're showing too much skin with big anime titties, oh no, oh no. Uh, but no, absolutely not. Whether that's offensive or not isn't my business, I am not a woman, I don't think my opinion has value there. My problem there, and with all of Xenoblade Chronicles 2, for that matter, is narrative dissonance. The game's design is constantly at odds with the, char with the story it is trying to tell. Pyra doesn't bug me because she's skimpy. She bugs me because she's quiet, she's reserved, a little hard on herself. If I was blind, I'd probably like her a lot. And yet she's dressed like she's got the loudest personality on the planet. On a fundamental level, her design kicks me out of the narrative of the game. Every time there's trying to be a serious moment, I can't take it seriously. Her design clashes so hard with the mood. A story moment I shot down was when Pyra and Mithra are comparing injuries, uh, Characters looking over various cuts over copious amounts of bare skin on both of them and warning them that their pain is shared. The game poses this as a serious problem, but the severity of the issue is completely undercut by their character designs. Not one mentioned that maybe grab some armor, some pants, so you don't get messed up by all the club-wielding bunny rabbits. Do they not need armor? Are they superhuman? Then why do other characters have armor? 
Also, Rex gets armor later in the game! But then, who cares? It's a game. Fantasy. Why do we need serious rules about here? I love games that brazenly ignore rules. Devil May Cry 5? Phenomenal! Makes absolutely no sense. How on earth does that van get to half the places it gets? And I love it! Except Xenoblade 2 keeps trying to take itself so seriously. On a base level, this game design actively works against the narrative it is trying to tell. It centers around a love story between an ancient being and a 15-year-old teenager. Do the math! The world building collapses around how haphazardly everything is tied together, which breaks my heart given how great the first game was at immersing me in its world. And the only reason I can't call that an objective flaw of the game is because I know a lot of people just don't care about that kind of stuff. Their immersion isn't broken by things like that, which honestly, I'm kind of envious of. At the end of the day, those people get to have great experience that they'll look back fondly on, and I don't get to share in that. I'm never going to be able to. It's just, it's just not going to happen. And even after everything I've said, I don't think Xenoblade 2 is a bad game. This isn't a Corrin situation. Pyra and Mithra are representing something valuable in Smash Brothers. I mean, I like the character designs, but the environments are gorgeous. Xenoblade music is consistently fantastic, and gameplay-wise, it's probably the superior product. It's just a product that, that thanks to what I value in a story, I'm always going to hate. It brazenly ignores so much of what I enjoyed in the, of the first game. And the voice direction. Even after everything I just said, I can't stress enough that 80% of why I hate the game are the fucking voices. It's a goddamn travesty compared to the first game. I ate up every word that Shulk said and I wanted to strangle Rex every time he opened his mouth. No offense to the voice actor, it's not his fault. Voice direction is important, and Nintendo just tends to ignore that so much. And just, just that trying to do a younger voice with no direction is extremely grating. Especially when he starts yelling. Had some people say I was being too hard on Rex, absolutely not. Poor voice direction is always going to hurt the protagonist of the game the most, and Rex is no exception. With that, off of my chest, uh, Pyra and Mithra are about where they're supposed to be. <laughs> I, I'm sorry, I was just sitting here looking for a kazoo version of You Will Know Our Names to find to put underneath that. Uh, I, I'd say I'm sorry, but I'm not. I have a platform. It makes me feel better to vent my frustrations over what was really my most anticipated sequel, which has left me in just... I have no idea how I feel about 3. It's so... I've never experienced anything like this. It's, it's like, it seems to be bringing back things I really liked about the first one and fixing my problems with the second one, but I have to play the second one to understand the third one. I don't want to do that. But do I want to tank through it just to, like, be able to get back with Shulk and Melly and Fury and all these characters I love and care about? Just, ugh. Ugh. It's so weird having Xenoblade Chronicles X being the only game of the series that's untarnished for me. Which yeah. is a solid game, by the way. Highly recommend. Yeah. <sighs> But yeah, thank you for thank you for coming to my TED talks about narrative dissonance and world building. Uh, yeah, no problem. It, 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 it's a shame that you hate NFTs, but you know, whatever. <laughs> uh, that, that's NFTs to say nice fucking titties, but you know. <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry that I, those I, ruined the experience not in for the you. Slightest. But <laughs> is hot beyond measure. I just like to make sense. If it doesn't make sense, it rips me out of the game world. Uh, and it drives me mad. Ah, uh, you need sensible titties, I see. <laughs> yes. <laughs> like, I'm willing to work with things. Monster Hunter, they're superhumans. 
They can take a fireball from a giant dragon. Of course it's not going to matter. And the games are ridiculous. Of course that's fine. But Cineplay just keeps trying to, like, bounce back and forth between happy anime hijinks and super dark, serious, oh, the fate of the world, and intense emotional trauma. It's, it, 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 it doesn't mesh. I hate yeah. it. I hate it so much. Yeah, that's why Persona's no good. I don't. I, I wouldn't compare the two. Xenoblade is so well. Actually, no, no. Can, can, yeah, oh, the silence. I, 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 oh, I, oh I'm leaving that pregnant pause in. To, I no. That, that's that's fair. That's fair. Uh, because then I just thought, I was like, no, that's, it's not that bad. It's not that. But then I remembered that I can't think back to Persona Four without mentally editing out every single hot spring scene in that game. There's only one like hot spring of, scene. There's two. No, that's a school trip. It's different. Oh, well, that makes it perfectly fine. Yeah, no, it's, it's totally acceptable. No, no, I'm more thinking of the on, uh, no, you have to let Yusuke draw you naked. It's the only way scene. That was, hol- oh, wait, no, that's not, the- I'm thinking of two different scenes. When the, the initial one with Anne, yeah, yeah, yeah. Please, fine, it's, God, no. Game writing is hard, and using very traditional tropes makes it harder, especially when you're trying to delve in other themes, and it's it's the amount that you can personally overlook for a certain product. So anyway, uh, yeah, Pyra and Mithra, um... Uh, Got a lot of good comments. Good, good. On this. Thank you. But ultimately... Thank you very much. The end, um, uh, just the conclusion was, yeah, there was... uh, Mithra is canonically stronger than Pyra. Okay. It should not be taken to her being a direct upgrade to Pyra because there are individual roles. I'm reading Ditto Master's comment right now. Right. Uh, when the Rex party harken back to their functional usages as well, while Mithra is almost a direct upgrade when you first get her, as you fill out the skill trees for both of them, their roles in the party alongside one another become more defined. Pyra becomes more around, revolves more around raw burst damage and contributing to blade combos, whereas Mithra revolves around evasion and combos. With her skill tree allowing Rex to recharge arts as you use them, letting you essentially spam arts with Mithra. Which is exactly the kind of duality the two have in Smash, and I think this attention to detail for how they play in the late game is a really clever touch on Sakurai's parts. Uh, Ditto Master goes on to say that they could have done more if they were tied to Rex, uh, saying earlier that it's a bit fallacious to alleviate them of responsibility to properly portray the core ideals of their game, in the same way that we suggest that Rex was supposed to, if he was in the game. Mm-hmm. Because Pyra and Mithra are just as much of the protagonists of Xenoblade 2 as Rex is, and the themes of the story and the events of the narrative are highly centered around that development bond. So Dinmaster thinks they should have a similar responsibility as he as Rex would in a similar context. I'm not quite sure that I agree with that, because that's like saying that Midna should embody the gameplay of Twilight Princess. Uh, hmm. I'd say she should have things from Wolf Link, but that's like the extent of that. Yeah, but I would argue that Midna's I- exactly as much of a protag as Link is. Yeah, yeah. Honestly, more of one. Link is real. The story is usually about what revolves around Link than Link himself. Exactly. Okay, uh, a couple other comments. A couple of people just saying, that, yeah, Mithra is more more powerful than Pyra. Uh, June says to put Pyra and Mithra down. As a stance character, they are potentially the worst executed I've seen in a fighting game. The most important thing about a stance character is that you immediately know which stance they are in and what moves they have access to, through distinct idle poses and animations. Pyra and Mithra absolutely fall flat in this regard. 
All their animations, idle poses, jump dashes, run silhouettes are identical between the two. They don't hold their sword differently. Mithra doesn't have a different stance to highlight her flowing hair. It is only possible to differentiate them at a glance through color, which falls apart when you pick an alt that unifies or swaps their color palette, which I hate that they do that. That's really confusing. Yeah, but I kind of like it because I am a piece of shit. So <laughs> I mean, it's a nice touch, but also it makes my head hurt. Yeah, like, no, I because Sakurai said, oh, look, we swapped them. It's just to frustrate you. And I'm like, <laughs> respect. What worsens this is that all of their normals are identical in animation, just differing in damage and frame data, making them even more homogenous and similar as well as being another missed opportunity to give them unique moves and pieces of personality, charm, and characteristics. It uh, does say they do really an animate really well, though. Which I will admit, yes, they are well-animated characters. I... I'm going to admit something that I did think of. I don't know what their personalities are. Just playing Smash um, Brothers. Yeah, no, that's fair. Yeah, I don't know the difference between the two. I could kind of gather it from their reveal trailer, but I don't understand what separates the two of them in Smash. And that doesn't come. They're all, they're just kind of cheery and... Mithra has, like, a slightly deeper tonality to her voice. Yeah, it's weird. It, it's kind of something that extends to Shulk as well. That isn't felt as much because Shulk's design um naturally lends itself to his scientist persona. Right, but even if I'm it's going, I'm really feeling it, now it's Shulk time. I still yeah. feel that, oh, he's a dork, isn't he? Yes, but he's also a very angry, vengeful character that isn't really in Smash Up, which is understandable because spoilers. Well, yes. Smash, well, yeah, but Smash Up doesn't even care about those spoilers, which is so yeah. annoying. Yeah, but I get, oh, he's kind of a loser, though, isn't he? A little bit, but, not, but an endearing one. Exactly. I like him. Yeah. Pyra and Mithra are, uh, see, I, I, it's hard to say because they're still surface level in the initial stages of the game, too. It, 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 it follows the anime trend of like, oh, yeah, here's all the tropes front-loaded. Front, and I've heard from people that the story gets more good towards well, yeah, the but, end. But like I, I'm, I'm saying, like, even at a base level, I don't know what the difference is between the flavors of ice cream you've given me other than one has different food coloring in it. And I think that's fair, yeah. And that's just that's just a critique of me sitting here trying to be more proactive than going, yes... Yes, I see. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, let me grab a... Uh, Baze has an interesting point, saying that Pyre and Mythra actually represent the expansion Torna the Golden Country better than Single Blade 2, since in that blade f blades fight on their own and switch with each other. Okay. Some of Mithra's moves are also from Torna, so doesn't know if it's better or worse, but that's what they're closer to. Yeah, I've, interesting I've bit heard of good there. things about Torna, so... I have as well. Um, I... I can't say I will or won't play it. I have no idea. I need to uh, learn three first. You're torn on playing it? <laughs> so much. I, I'd have to play Future Connected too, and I hate the voice direction in that as well. It was the final nail in the coffin, but now there's another. Now, but now there's an entirely separate coffin. Do I want to get into it as well? Wait, will I enjoy the sleep? Yes, yeah, SpongeBob know. and Patrick are just sitting here. Okay, get in. I'm so confused. Melia is 100% back. I love Melia's character so much. Ah. <sighs> <sighs> Okay, uh, here to save us as usual is Jamester. As an enjoyer of Xenoblade 2, Aegis has me conflicted. Potential spoilers for Xenoblade 2, for those that care, uh, I don't, but I know that I, I'm, maybe I will someday, I don't know, maybe the anime, maybe the story's so good that if I end up playing it, I'll be like, oh yeah, I can stomach this now. Who knows? But I'll try to, I'll try to center this. 
what Jamestar loves about Xenoblade 2's combat, and what he thinks makes it a good idea, is that you're essentially building a Jenga tower, then watching it fall. You attack with level 3 blade combos, which puts elemental orbs and seals enemy abilities. The goal is to get as many elemental orbs as possible so that when you initiate a chain attack, you start breaking those orbs which deals damage, extends the chain attack time, and breaks the resistances to said elements, making future attacks of said elements deal more during the chain attack. This essentially lets you start a chain attack when the boss has 3 quarters of its health, and if there's enough elemental orbs, that boss's health bar is going to melt, and you'll be doing 240% damage just in overkill. Aegis and Smash does not do this. Maybe if you consider the damage dealt by Mithra as the buildup of the Jenga Tower and the knockback of Pyra as the part where it falls, uh, but Jamesor doesn't know if they would. I would. There's also the blade, and it, I wouldn't either. There's also the blade and driver mechanics. Obviously, Rex is not in Smash. In unpopular opinion, Jamesor is disappointed. Doesn't like Rex by any means. In fact, felt vindicated when witnessing people realize they, ne they never liked Rex. All they cared about was the Beyblades. Ah, bay, it's it's Beyblades as in Bay as in. You know. I, I, I get it. I, I get okay. the play. Yes. But I don't like Aegis on their own either. Together, they could have been a great concept as a battle couple with Rex being the point fighter with Aegis grabbing his support, buffs and augments to Rex's abilities. You could even have Pyra and Mithra swap forms and based on their affinity with Rex, maybe even include. Donkey Kong, the ape on a mission. He's got the answers. He's a politician. As this super powered mode, which goes back to the Jenga allegory. Now, I forgive the lack of this because this was part of the plan, but that got scrapped during because of development issues. But blades like Brigid. Brigid? I have no idea. The Tornox DLC, and especially. He's not lying, he's just a politician. Donkey Kong, the ape is on a mission. Can, <laughs> that Pyra and Mithra can fight on their own, so how does Smash play with that concept? Aegis is a great fighting game character. This is a transformation gimmick of Sheik and Zelda and the Pokemon trainer done the best. Each side can be used on their own or in conjunction with each other, offering a level of expression that I can appreciate. I also like that the normals being the same is a good reference to Rex's driver arts are the same with these two. I think the individual roles of Mithra and Pyra are handled well. Mithra is aggressive and relies more on rushdown and light speed to deal massive amounts of damage. Pyra, meanwhile, is more docile and nurturing, but like a mama bear, isn't afraid to end you or even her own life when pushed to the corner with explosive results. I do think their overall stats are a little too based off of the puns firepower and light speed. <laughs> firepower and light speed, okay. That's, that's good. But the personalities do represent themselves really well. So as the characters of Pyra and Mithra and fighting game characters, I want to put them in A tier, as I do think they're great representations of themselves. But even without a driver, I'd argue that they are missing a lot of what Xenoblade 2's combat is so special. There is no Jenga Tower. If Aegis had a proper driver and the Jenga Tower adaptation, it would have a, have a potential S tier candidate. Also really likes how anime they feel. Like if there's a character that should feel incredibly anime, it should be these two, if that makes sense, because Mithra straight up has the rapid slash teleporty thing of a bobber. Yeah, no, that's a fantastic move. Absolutely. Um, uh, uh, Jamester's final ranking was C, mixed. I'm finally having ideas with them. I finally feel like I'm going, okay, yes, no, uh-huh, huh, what? And now I feel like brain is having, you know, pictures with words. Thoughts! That's it. <laughs> and uh, my main thing is that I think this character is limited because they don't commit to it being a stance character. It is very much a character where either member of Aegis, 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 Aegis I have God, no there's, idea. There's so many pronunciations of that. Where either member of the Beyblades can be played on their own. And it's like Sakurai was very much, oh yes, play your favorite or play both. 
I wonder which you will choose. And I feel that while a nice sentiment, that ultimately makes them less distinct entities, as well as um, just doesn't work out. Because, like, what if Mithra was the character that you start to rack up the damage on and get these sort of Jenga buffs and get these uh, tokens on the other one, and Pyra was the character where you cash them all in? I get that that's sort of the idea with her being the weaker, faster one, and Pyra being the stronger kill-you-in-one-hit one, but I feel like more could have been done with it in the same way that there's like little passive things on having a Pikmin on you or uh, Sephiroth's Shadow Flare. There's Ooh, yeah. little things that you could do to add to the characters having a more natural meld than, okay, I've done the damage, time to spam smash attacks. I'm picturing a chain attack mechanic of like swapping between the two at the right time it either like cancels out end lag or um darts you towards your opponent in a way that like lets you keep a combo going if you use the right moves at the right times that sounds like yes. a good way to like communicate that yes or something that like if the opponent is in hit stun and you change and you've done enough damage to them with whatever mechanic mithra has that hit stun is prolonged or something like that yeah 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 yeah, I, I feel like the desire to make each one night. This is going to sound bad. The desire <laughs> to make waifu pandering real and Sakurai going, which one do you prefer, actively harms the combination of both of them. And from a gameplay sense, I would agree with that, just because of how similar their moves are. June's comment really stuck her chord with me, because I remember us praising how, like, originally, like, yeah, this is the Zelda Sheik thing done right, but it really, it really isn't. It's the Zelda Sheik thing with, okay, one of them actually held up their end of the bargain. Yeah, but, like, it's still not fulfilling that actual fantasy, the original fantasy of, like, swapping quickly between the two to fulfill different roles. It kind of just comes down to a preference of, like, oh, wait, no, they have this amount of percentage, grab Pyra. Where I feel like the ideal version of them would be that you're constantly swapping between the two throughout like, swapping is an important part of, like, combos with them. And I, I, that doesn't seem to be there. Yes. You just keep Mithra to do the combos, and then you do the Pyra to do the, the, the kills. They should have different yes. kinds of kills. They've kind of spliced what we want Bayonetta to be into two separate characters. Yeah. My brain is just having prominence revolt on loop infinitely, <laughs> so. Hmm. Yeah, I like them less now. I do as well. It's the combo of uh, the missed mark of a stance character with, like, what you said, like, you don't even know their characters through this. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, I want to put them under Bowser. Under Bowser? Okay. Because I feel like I get a similar vibe where Bowser is like, yeah, he's, yeah, he's got all these problems and he's got some problems with his personality and he's very much focused on this one interpretation, but he's fun, though. And I feel very much the same way about them, now that I'm thinking of it. I haven't really played enough of them to actually know one way or the other, but I can see it. Like, they're popular characters. I like hitting buttons with the pretty girls. I and wish I, I knew more about them than that they are pretty, but I like hitting buttons. And they do do a good job of um, differentiating themselves from other sword fighters impressively, yes, actually. Yes, very much so. But yeah, now with context, I want more from their characters... And I want this gameplay identity to be further fleshed out. Agreed. What's here is fine. It still works, but there's a lot of room to grow. 
Heck, I'd even say what's here is good. Like, I would say that they're enjoyable and it works on a solid level, but you can do more. Like, it's kind of like what we want out of the Ice Climbers. Sort of. Sort of. No, well, actually, obviously actually just, not, yeah, yeah. not both of them at the same time, obviously, but just one to be able to support the other better. Yeah, leading to combos from the other. Yeah. And what Banjo does so well. Yeah. Because Kazooie <laughs> is best girl. Indeed. If, if you have a nice anime girl, just imagine her with Kazooie's head. <laughs> so much better. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so what, just slot him between Bowser and Peach then? Yeah. I'm feeling that. Yeah, make room for Agus. Okay, um, Kazuya. We got some people fighting for Kazuya. Uh, I want to say, first off, just because it was a repeated critique we have had of Kazuya when we first said it, uh, how mm-hmm. he doesn't really function in casual environments. I since then played Kazuya in a casual environment. Not only does he function, he is one of the most enjoyable characters to play in casual. Oh, okay. He's got Ganondorf vibes where, okay, yeah, he's got lots of moves, but you only need the punches with the added result that it's it's Ganondorf with Bowser's side B. And you just grab people and slam them into other people, and it is so much fun. Okay. All right. I did not feel that during my test plays, but you know what? If if it's subjective enough, I can forfeit that. I I would definitely make the argument. It's it's yeah. a little mindless, but I like that Kazu can be played mindless. I feel like that's a good that's a good thing about the design there okay. that you, you all got right. all this complexity, but yet you can still have unga bunga fun with him. Okay. Um, there's a couple of um uh, first comments I'm seeing are uh, talking about Kazuya being the ideal Smash candidates. I run on the scissors here. Actually, argue he is because while Hayachi is iconic, his moveset would be way more boring. Jin has the devil gene, but his personality is somehow more subdued, and his devil form is lame as hell. Kazuya is the perfect middle ground, possessing the best moveset potential while also being a stoic badass villain. Nah, Jin is the Shadow the Hedgehog of the series. Uh, there's one more... Well, actually, there's a lot more of these. Uh, June says, Kazuya feels like a better evil, cruel character than Ridley. Gates of Hell made me wince and cringe and makes looks more painful than almost all of Ridley's normals combined. Also being lighter than Bowser Jr., slower in the war- air than Wolf, and having lower jumps than Pit, and only ha- and Oh, no, this is more complained about Ridley, but... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, yeah, no, no, you're right, but, like, Ridley has issues, like, like, K. Rule up throw looks brutal in that same way, and that's K. Rule. I think Kazuya's down B is one of, as contender, if, I might say when it's empowered, it's the most brutal move in the game. Just the way it becomes cinematic and the sound design behind that, like, music fades out when you use that move. Up for debate, of course, but I'm, I, it's I, 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 I'm, I'm, I'm like debating Sephiroth fully charged neutral B. Oh, true. It's got that supernova thing. Yeah, that's up there. But it, it's got that same vibe. Yeah, no, no, no. It, 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 it works. It's in debate, and that's good enough. Uh, uh I'm gonna save Jamesters for last because this is the longest comment he wrote. Okay. Uh, Smooth Dude says, "I believe Kazuya's implementation works on all fronts in the context of Smash." The missing element to his gameplay, I believe, is the lack of defensive or baiting moves since there isn't a 3D space to sidestep around. Smash has a simpler dodge mechanic that's supposed to be universal, so the spirit of baiting a move or mixing up with an attack from a different plane isn't represented. That being said, they try to compensate with, for that with super armor, his heavyweight. 
and having a tough guy mechanic similar to Bowser so you can have a form of defense while playing in a 2D plane. Maybe if Kazuyu had multiple dodge attacks, it could represent that element, but that's adding even more moves to this already unga character. A very specific critique I have with Smash nowadays is, is how flowchart it's become with Ultimate. Smash 64 Brawl ha to Brawl has had a multitude of, of character-specific tech that can be very fun to explore on a very even on a casual level, like Samus's extended grapple and melee. I bring this up because the older games have a technique known as double jump canceling with characters like Yoshi, Ness, and Mewtwo that was removed in Smash 4. Uh, DLC would, would let you halt the momentum of their heightened double jump and cancel into aerials even faster than a normal short hop, and I think Kazuya would have benefited from that mechanic so much since his first jump is terrible, and you have to commit that to the higher second jump, limiting his options even more. This isn't a knock on his design, I just I wish Smash in general had more dynamic mechanics, and it would bolster so many designs like Kazuya. TLDR, I'd put him above Marth and Ike in A tier. Okay. All right. Um, and then... Jamester. Okay. Okay, I'm gonna read all this, because I think it's his best written one. Okay. I have a philosophy when it comes down to representing a series roster in a crossover game, whether it's Smash, Marvel, etc. To properly represent a series, you need to have, at a minimum, the hero, examples Mario, Link, Fox, Ryu, Dante, the partner, examples Luigi, Zelda, Falco, Chun-Li, Trish, and the rival villain. Bowser, Ganondorf, Wolf, Akuma, Virgil. Kazuya is the bat is the villain of the fighting game genre in Smash, with Ryu and Terry filling the roles of the hero and partner respectively. And I don't just mean that he's a bad guy in his own series. Now I'm going to go ahead and say that Kazuya is, as of this moment, might be Jamester's favorite character in the game. When Ultimate launched three years ago, Ridley was his main and has been pretty consistently the most played character and highest ranked character. Within three months, Kazuya became the second most wanted and second highest ranked character and is dangerously close to superseding Ridley. Actually, he had actually made a moveset later last year about the potential of a Tekken character in, in Smash with Jin, and is pleasantly surprised to see how the team adapted those ideas while improving on them. Kazuya as a character is a perfect joy choice, as like Jin, has Devil Gene abilities that make him fit in a platform fighter in a way that Hihachi could not. But he also represents the Mimishi, Mimishi, the Mishima fighting style that Hayahachi does, but Jin doesn't. Kazuya is mechanically one of the most complex characters in Smash. Not only does he have two true diagonal tilts, but a full set of back tilts and a set of crouching and a set of crouching attacks. His crouch dash and his follow-ups, which I thought would be a special, is instead a unique normal with a special input. He has two command grabs. It's overwhelming, but not all of it is needed to play the character. The player can and is advised to use the tools they learn and to start slowly learning more moves and how they interact with each other. This makes for a character that is just as fun to lab combos with as proper matches. This is a character whose full potential we won't see for years. Which is so great that Nintendo hat puts like high-end balancing mindsets into that. Oh yeah, now well, it's, it's good now. We put one more pa bounce patch after Sora. That, 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 that's not part of the comment. That's just me complaining. Not only does this make for one of the most complex but rewarding characters to play, but this is just like Tekken. Tekken is also a series that overwhelmingly at is that's overwhelming at first, so you're encouraged to stick with the moves that you do understand. From there you get to experiment and add moves and combos to your game plan, and soon you'll be you'll start to learn how to do combos and juggles to become that can become Touches of Death. That's that's what that acronym is. Okay. Yes. I also have to disagree with Kazuya not representing the defensive play Tekken play. Smash mobility already gives Kazuya better defensive mobility compared to Tekken, but this also ignores the invincibility and vulnerability that Kazuya's moves have, further driving into the idea of knowing what moves are used for what purpose. Second, because of how these options or lack of are used to represent Kazuya as a character. Kazuya in Tekken 7 is a character that excels and punishes but has a poor poking game. 
Crash Dash isn't just to dodge a projectile, but it's also a, meant to do an electric, which can be converted for a massive amount of damage. And that sort of philosophy is found throughout Kazuya's moveset. Side B is another great example. He doesn't have a unique parry like Jin. Instead, he waits for an opportunity, and when the opportunity is found, he strikes with the force of 10 lions. And I wasn't kidding when I said he was Smash's fighting game villain. Kazuya is in, in Smash is what happens when you fuse Smash villain traits and Smash fighting game character traits. Bowser's tough guy mechanic, a fighting game character with not one but two command grabs, inputs, etc. So what we have is a character that represents not only his individual characteristics, but the mechanics of his series. A character that has a fun and interesting moveset. But it's also so complex that, like Steve, it will take years to master and breaks the conventions of Smash in a way that no character has yet. Just look at level 9 at CPU Kazuya and how hilariously oppressive that was. Kazuya is so much fun that he has almost ruined the rest of the roster for Jamester. That includes other S-tiers. Kazuya is more than what I could have possibly wanted out of a Tekken character. Kazuya really is the perfect marriage of the fighting game character and a Smash villain. But he's not S-tier. I don't know how much I enjoy playing him outside of 1v1 situations. I can vouch for that. He's amazing. It's, it's a playstyle that only works in certain scenarios, and I'm not sure how it accommodates for others that Smash has. But also, that's is obviously just me. Puts him in A tier, fantastic. And puts a side note that Tekken is a hokey series, but the hokiness is rarely in gameplay. Law and Paul are considered joke characters, but if you look at them purely from a gameplay standpoint, they're fairly honest characters. You never guess that one of them travels to space to fight aliens in a bit to prove that they're the strongest in the universe. Does that actually happen? Oh yeah, no, Paul is great. <laughs> All right. Uh, the best part is that uh, in Tekken 3, he wins the tournament and he doesn't realize that, oh shit, there's a secret final boss and he just leaves and then Jin actually has to kill Ogre and then he realizes, wait, but I won though. <laughs> what happened? And then he gets so pissed and he goes to fight aliens. <laughs> that is amazing. Yeah, Paul's great. But I do agree with that sentiment. I feel like the lack of hokiness in this character, and um, a, a, a common defense people made for Tekken, I mean, Kazu not being a good choice for Tekken, was that you can kind of make that argument for a lot of series that are on the roster already. Like, there are so many better Fire Emblem characters. There are so, 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 so many better... Like Street, like street Fighter, Final Fantasy, there's... If you make that argument, there's like so many others you can pull from. Arguing that Kazuya from a gameplay perspective works, and I feel like the lack of hokiness there is more of a more of a failure of Smash Ultimate not having like a proper fighting game storyline kind of deal. Nah, I disagree with that. Tekken is all about doing both hype and goofy shit. Even from a baseline perspective of things like the bear has a stance, and the stance is he sits on his ass, and now he's going to hit you while sitting on his ass. And he has, like, 30 different ass-specific moves now. Like, like Paul, for instance. Yeah, he's more of a straightforward punch guy, but he also has a held punch that takes, like, two full seconds to come out. It's very much, and if you get hit by this, it's your fault. If you get hit, it melts half of your health bar. Like, Tekken isn't all practicality. It's got goofy shit in its gameplay language, too. I'd say Kazuya's got some of that. Like, like again, ca casually playing as him, you can just grab people and kill them with other people. There are very few characters that allow you to do that, and it's the funnest thing ever. Okay, the, the touchdown is fun, I will admit. He kills with a taunt? I wouldn't call it kills, like, but... Like, I'm, I'm not saying it couldn't be better, because it definitely could be, but I, I argue it's there. If not only for just how absurdly powerful some of his moves are. 
I I will admit he is better than I gave him credit for. And that comes down to me not being good with him and also not liking him like as much as I I think I'm upset with the assessment that it couldn't be Heihachi because he doesn't have the devil gene and would be boring. Oh, yeah, I, I disagree with there's always ways to like I, fill those gaps. Yeah, I think that that makes me upset because then I think of, OK, but what if Heihachi called in Kuma as his neutral special and you just had a bear sliding at you and he laughs at you? And I'd be like, <laughs> yeah, that's tech in. Yeah, I, I don't agree with the sentiment. Well, I, I can't agree with the sentiments because I don't know enough about Tekken characters and Tekken gameplay to really argue one way or another. Mm-hmm. But as it stands now, I'm kind of looking at Marth and Ike in terms of Kazuya. Kind of that same vibe of just, there's better ways to represent better characters on this roster. But for what this is, it's nailing down a lot. I agree. I still would not put him over Ike. Because I've come to realize that, like, Ike actually kind of nails his personality, where he is an incredibly explosive fighter that is inspirational through his fighting, and then when he actually talks, it's like, I fight for my friends. (laughs) And he's just a huge loser. Like, he has no social skills whatsoever, and I'm like, yeah, that's Ike! There's just so many good moments in Radiant Down Path of Radiance where he just completely offends people without meaning to and i love him so much for that exactly and like i don't think they intended for him to have terrible voice acting at first (laughs) it just became the meme but like it fits him so well and when they gave him better voice acting he's still kind of a dork because they couldn't take that away completely i think fittingly that the overall consensus of these design dork episodes is that we just really like dork characters exactly on brand yeah yeah. But I would really, that feels right to me. Putting in between Ike and Villager, mm-hmm. that, that feels more accurate. Yeah, I can feel that. Yeah. Excellent. And then just to wrap up, just because I feel so bad about just skimming over this comment, uh, I have one more thing for Sora. I'm not going to, might not even move him, but just as a way to like end this off with like the actual end character. Mm-hmm. Dinamaster says that Sora is a lovingly crafted moveset. Would have been easy for them to add like 97 gimmicks to Sora because of just how much stuff he has in the series, but he's so glad they went with the fundamentals. The most important part of adding Sora is the ebb and flow of Kingdom Hearts combat rather than all the fancy or over-the-top stuff, and they nailed that so hard. Combine that with all the little touches sprinkled into the entire moveset, it just feels like such a love letter to the series. The sound effects of switching between magic, the added touch of being able to spam specifically fire, how fucking cool Sonic Blade is translated, and the fact that they implemented the lock-on mechanic onto that one move, how his final smash is basically the ending to Kingdom Hearts 1, but it goes boom, because of course it does, and how they did the effect when you defeat a kingdom, a boss in Kingdom Hearts when you win a match in stamina mode. That is a very cool, like, side thing that I probably should have given a little bit more credit. It, it's really cool. Ruined Never shows up. Mode. <laughs> yeah, Ruins Classic never shows up, but it's a nice touch. Uh, how yes. the projectile deflection on his downbeat lets itself so well to doubles, making it the feel like potentially the most power or friendship move in the game. Well, kind of, maybe. I don't know. Up for debate. Uh, how I, his animation. I, I, I would say that that's revenge. <laughs> ha! Yeah. Well, actually, no, no. It, it's because um, of how broken it is in doubles, the Earthbound Boys uh, Psy Reflector. Oh, yeah. Yeah. How his animations are so stylish and flashy while still feeling so optimistic and cheerful and happy. 
utterly nailing his personality and the tone and style of the series to AT. The sound design, that stars that come out when you hit opponents, you can just tell how much of a fan of the series Sakurai is from every angle. Combine this with how he looks, so much more cerebral and flexible than, say, Bayonetta, and it's just a treat. I just thought that was really well written. Wanted to give it a shout yeah, out. It was. Uh, I still think the same problems rely, which ironically, how things have moved up, Sora isn't like now the upper reaches of B tier now. So how many people keep dropping past him? Which I still Good feel work, like, Sora. I still feel like that fits him. Yeah, I do too. Like he's got a lot of good there. I don't want to discredit that, but he's, yes. he's a character with inherent limitations. And you feel those limitations. Yeah. Are we done? I think we're actually done. Wait, wait. No, I'm going to just have an on-screen Sukapon as S-tier. Fix that <gasps> problem. You now were we're done. <laughs> oh, thank you so much for celebrating Sukapon from Joy Mac Fight, the 1993 Famicom Wonder Child. 36 character roster developed by two people, hired on by Nintendo, wasn't finished. They finished it for it. They lost the legal rights. They found it in some guy's drawer. That's why his sticker is in Brawl. It's been a long story coming. He is the boy. He is the man. He is my master plan. Sukapon Joy Mechfi, get it now on your Nintendo Switch Online Famicom subscription service. Which I can actually end this off with one last comment. That was only two days ago, so you're lucky I caught this before. Hey, COVID got you this comment in. Uh, Chuckles Channel, these have gotten me to play Joy Mechfight, and it's one of my new favorite fighting games because of that. Yeah, that's what it's all about, baby. <laughs> and... With that, it is done. <sighs> yeah, Smash Brothers tier list. I'll throw in together something in Photoshop to show the uh, completed project. But thank you so much for joining the, uh, us on this 30 plus hour journey to rank all these characters. It has been a ton of fun. Yes, if you got all the way through, damn, you got some free time. But thank you so, so much for it. It is really appreciated. Seriously. Yeah, we appreciate it. makes me excited to do like, what do we do next with this series? Like, there's so much we could do now. I know, right? We're free now. It's, it's like the end of Aladdin. Uh, we, could, we could talk about so many different genres, different crossovers, different, different everything. We could just have a rant episode. We could just talk about Xenoblade Chronicles 2, but like, not preface it. Ugh. <laughs> <laughs> uh. Throw in the comments if you have any ideas of just things you'd like us to cover, because now that we're at this point, I love to hear more ideas of just, like, any particular topics or fun ideas of, like, things we could cover. Uh, challenges, lists, um, pfft, favorite game discussions, anything like, uh, and more. Yeah, uh, anything that you guys would like, uh, and would, like, actually listen to, we would be absolutely glad to. And even stuff that you wouldn't listen to, we'll still do it. Challenge to cut, have <laughs> to... Have speeches about the most boring aspects of video games. Why not? <laughs> I can do that. Yo, you know how long I can talk about some example that I didn't think about because I'm tired? I can talk a long time about that specific thing. I could explain to you each and every kit in Heroes of the Storm and the different talent trees you could choose and how none of that matters because the game's dead now. Although Microsoft might save it now. Heroes of the Storm 3.0. Master Chief's in the game now. Please. I, I miss that game a lot. I'll play it if they add Crash. They might. That is that that is actually a possibility. I'm aware. <laughs>
but anyway, yes. thank, thank you, you guys. Thank you. Yeah, it's been great. I'm still sick. I'm going to go lie down now. <laughs> I'm going to sit here reveling with my boy K. Rule, with my boy Banjo, and just going, wow. And DDD's Nate's here! Talking about anime was a mistake. <laughs> uh, see you guys later. We'll, we'll see you for what whatever we decide to do next. Yep. Bye, guys, and thank you.